Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, it's uh, time for the podcaster coming at you, who used to dress like Mod Aster. That's a member of the Aster family in Mod. Uh, then I forgot, I said, do, do I need a scooter for that? Or, or uh, and I said, what's the difference? And I said, oh, no, wait, you know what? It's, it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. Uh, hey everybody, this is Scoots, uh, so I'm recording this ahead of time, because uh, I'm not uh, on this episode. I just wanted, in case you're a new listener and you didn't listen, you didn't listen to these parade episodes before, uh, I, I don't host them. I have a team, uh, every year the team has grown, until last year when I said uh, the team is going to shrink and I'm going to sit on the sidelines, or the parade route as we say, or my couch, uh, uh, but tonight will be a recap of the, Macy, the highlights or stuff from the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it's uh, conducted by my neighbor Ray Perkins is kind of the host. Uh, Ray Perkins is an uh, older gentleman who lives next door to me. And he's super kind. And then my sometimes roommate Bernie the Butterfly, who's kind of a grouchy butterfly... He sent a tote bag in our store, uh, and uh, Bernie Bernie will be there. Kind of it's a contrast to race positivity. Though most parades don't feel the need for, like, equal time with personalities. They say, let's all have fun at this parade. Maybe just different kinds of people enjoying the parade. Uh, but uh, So that's Bernie, and then a, a team... Uh, who you may recognize a little bit because they were once famous characters in another realm. Or I guess they resemble famous characters from another realm because that realm doesn't have fan fiction. And so in some sense, they're either a parody or a social commentary, more likely, of uh, those characters. But really, they somehow popped out of that universe and ended up living with my neighbor, Ray. Yeah, that's really the facts. According to to, to uh, someone who's initial on, on his luggage in lapel says G R R M, uh, and I said, "Wow, how do you get him to print four letters?" And he said, "I said no fan. I said it wasn't fan fiction. He said I said not to toy around in my universe." Uh, and I said, "I couldn't help it. They came with me." Uh, but anyway, you, so they do resemble two characters from that universe. Or let's see, there's a universe uh, where there's a character named Tommen. I guess could, and in that universe, T- Tommen is uh, sleeping. And then there's also a character named Sir Gregor, who is not sleeping. He's become a different person. Uh, like he's some sort of Gargasmurf or something. Uh, or, but uh, So that's the world. Those characters, uh, those were characters in a world somewhere in a realm. In this world, at some point, my neighbor Ray gets these two roommates, uh, or, or more like uh, boarders uh, or new nephews or something, and they decided to have new names. So the person who may have been named Tom in one world, liked the Goonies so much, he decided he would be Mikey in this world. So there's someone named Mikey who I guess doesn't say, according, according to... Uh, History expert sounds nothing like Tom in any way, but I would say if you listen to his heart uh, and his intellect, you'd say, well, okay, it does sound a bit like Tom, and if you put it that way, 
And then another character that sounds, or another friend of mine, a neighbor, that sounds nothing like the character they're based on or influenced by, once was, could have been, there once was a character named Sir Gregor. Now next door to me lives someone named The Gregor. Again, I think it was because they watched a Silver Spoons Marathon and the Ricky Schroeder character, this was an 80s uh, sitcom. He called himself the Ricker, and so the Gregor calls himself the Gregor, not just a, like that's his official name. And also, sometimes we have to be careful because the, the Gregor also uh, developed a very uh, uh, he, he's a big fan of uh, mu- musicals. Yeah, so the, I don't think Tom. Hopefully, I didn't check the parade schedule to see if Tom and the Gregor are doing any musical coverage. Hopefully, they'll cover something else. Uh, but I think that's it. Basically, they'll be doing some parade coverage. Uh, but I just wanted to set that up if you hear these voices. Uh, and I also made notes. I said, take it slow, super slow. Uh, uh, you know, let's slow this parade down. It's not slow enough. Uh, three hours. Uh, they, they said this episode can only be an hour, but it has to be somehow feel slower than that three-hour parade with uh, great commercials, by the way. Or some really well-done commercials. I don't know if this is the new, like this is where they're testing the talent out for the Super Bowl commercials. But bravo, if you're in the business there, you did a great job. Uh, I mean, I didn't buy anything except stuff in my fridge uh, and and pens that I take. Well, I didn't buy the pens. All my pens are from hotels for the most part. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So I'm going to hand things over to... uh, to Ray Perkins, uh, and this will be the 2018 uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade recap. Uh, hello, 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 everybody. This is your friend Ray, your neighbor Ray. So good to be in your ears here at the Thanksgiving Day Parade and the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And, oh, boy, I want to introduce you to the rest of our team. We'll be here covering the parade. Maybe we won't be doing as good a job is Samantha Hoda and Al, because they did such a wonderful job with the parade. Holy cow, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but we have a team. We have Bernie the Butterfly. Uh, Bernie, wh- where are you right now? Uh, thanks, Ray. Bernie the Butterfly here. I'm uh, flying around looking at these balloons, uh, seeing what I could see. It's pretty cold, though. It's freaking cold. Oh, thanks, Bernie. Uh, and uh, also we have... Uh, uh, Sir Greg, the Gregor, and uh, Tom, I mean uh, Mikey, uh, c- covering some some uh, some of the parade as well. Why don't you say hi, guys? Uh, thanks, Ray. It's me, uh, Gregor. I'm the the Gregor, and I'm here with Mikey. You grace. Oh, thanks, Ray. We're we're so happy to be here at the parade. Uh, back to you. Uh, thanks, guys. So this is uh, your friend Ray, Ray Perkins. Happy Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And this year's parade started out in such a spectacular fashion. I don't know how they do it, especially without my favorite Amy Cool. But uh, they started out with... uh, Now, the one piece of controversy, I thought, was a young man. He was called Ryan. uh, But I think his real name was Lucas. uh, uh, But I'm not sure about that. But it starts out with a young boy in his room talking to Santa Claus on a TV. I think, and Santa says, hey, kid, I need you to save uh, the holidays for me and get the parade going, because I, I can't remember what the storyline was. 
Uh, but basically, Santa needs Ryan's help. Uh, maybe to in uh, whatever the, the whatever what ha- whatever happened there. Then it was time for Ryan, uh, the the character, to shine. And oh boy, did he! Because it started with a Broadway style number outdoors on the streets of New York. And Ryan had a bike helmet, which I thought was nice. Uh, I don't know what this says, doubt relieved or something. But uh, he he does he does uh, he does a mo- this really nice Broadway number. Too many cuts though. Uh, first, it starts out very nice with the dancing and things, but then he goes to a little behind the scenes sh- shoot shots. Uh, and there's just a lot of cutting. I said, why not just have him, why not just have Ryan and the dancers dance? Why do you have to do so much? Is this a Transformers movie? Uh, but there was lots of cutting. And then he gets a magical jacket, much, not a Technicolor dream coat, but a sparkling black holiday dream coat. And at some point it switches over to live. And he was still nailing it. This young man did a wonderful, wonderful job. And uh, there's a turkey. He's been in front of Tom the Turkey. And there's fireworks going off off of Tom the Turkey. I said, wow. Uh, uh, So very spectacular way to start the show. And then I did not expect this. But the next thing I see is my good friend Hoda. And I said, Hoda is in the house. Holy cow. And she's in a lovely uh, red and she looked very cold, and then she said, well, it's 19 degrees, right? That's why I'm friggin' cold. It's cold here. And we started to see the level of uh, the professionalism between uh, uh, Savannah and Hoda and all of the acting teams, because even though it was so cold, uh, they really did a good job. Oh, also more about Hoda. So she had on a white jacket with red leather gloves, a red two-toned hat, uh, with a puffball at the top and a red muffler, a scarf, uh, really looked good. No Amy Cool this year. She's left of the team. I don't know if this is the second or third year. I said maybe Amy Cool will come back, but no, it's a Jeff Gannett somebody, the CEO. Oh, and I think people are already saying, well, what about Savannah? And I said, Savannah looked amazing as well. Now the high point was her gloves, in my opinion, which was so cute, uh, and then the side by shot, the two put, what do they call that? A two, a two shot. Uh, I don't know what the, if that's what they say on the news, but with uh, Hoda and Savannah, and they had side by side puffy hats, puffy puffballs on the hats. I just love that look. Uh, but now back to uh, the Macy's, they had these strange leaf dancers. They called them the Macy's Starlets. Uh, but they were like a leaf, like a, a forest mammal. And um, and this isn't the only combination of mammals. And um, so I don't know if the elves were involved this year in the planning. And I'm not, I'm talking about the forest elves. But it was these kind of leaf people, uh, or more like a leaf mammal. What does this say? White jacket, half rain, oh, half reindeer, half autumnal creature. I think that was still about uh, a Hoda's jacket. And then, so Scooter did all the notes this year. That's why I'm, um, you know, I'm watching the parade and things. But he was just transcribing. Uh, then we see Santa Claus, lots of great guests. Oh, this is all the setup for the show. And then it even gets better because we get to see Al, who is in a parade motorcycle doohickey. He's kind of in a sidecar. It's a motorcycle with more than one sidecar. It's a mobile camera setup. Uh, 
what does that say? H and S, H and five, it's five or something. Uh, but Al, they get a lot of great crowd shots with this motorcycle and Al's going through and there's a lot of good laughs even. It, oh, Al, you'd say, a lot of people would say a parade doesn't need comic relief. Uh, and I would say it does not when it has a little roker in there. Oswego, you know, Oswego's finest, uh, one of the great graduates along with Rob from Rob Has a Podcast from Oswego and uh, Scooter's cousin Joe. Uh, but uh, so, uh, let's see here. Oh, hold a pump to fist, with, I think, with Al uh, riding by. I liked that. Uh, then we had My Fair Lady. Uh, wouldn't it be lovely? It was nice. Uh, I saw someone, I said, is that like, uh, like uh, give an audience, give chocolates? Oh, I think what happened is that she, the fair lady, she goes into the audience, uh, and maybe she gave chocolate to someone in the audience. Uh, there's also good whistling and street sweeping, and uh, then there's uh, coffee, coffee and dancing. Hmm, Scooter's notes are always interesting. Uh, if you watch John Legend's performance, and not to jump around, but I, there's a boy behind John, uh, moving uh, like a a bear and a wooden soldier combined. But then there's a commercial, and then Bernie, do you have an update on Al? Let me put my hand to my ear, and Bernie, can you hear me? Uh, Yeah, thanks, Ray. Uh, It's Bernie the Butterfly here. Yeah, we get a long Al broke a shot uh, from high. He's giving high fives. uh, And I'll be honest, Ray, normally Bernie the Butterfly doesn't like anything, but I love Al Roca. He, uh, he's really making it, and then he makes even Hoda happy, which I liked it too. So I thought, and then you, you you did mention it, Ray, but it was supposed to be my line to talk about. Uh, finally, Savannah, she, she she steps forward and says, yeah, I love forced friends, and she says the raccoon gloves, and which was very nice. And then she also, I uh, also really like, uh, as you said, uh, the hats and uh side-by-side poofy hats, and then even we get more hats uh, throughout the parade because it's so friggin' cold. And uh, then, Ray, I'll take it, I'll take it because I'm going to stay with this. Then there's a prom, the prom musical, which was good. I said what era because I wasn't sure what era it was from. Maybe the 90s, maybe the aughts, I don't know. Uh, but I loved this idea, build a prom for everyone. Like, hey, humans, get the friggin' message, uh, what the heck? You're all in it together. You know, we, us butterflies, you don't see us saying uh, survival of the fittest. Uh, we, I mean, anyway, it's a different for us because we're butterflies. But I said, holy cow, it's so cold. And these people are uh, dancing their hearts out. And uh, there was someone, I thought there was a note here, Ray, but I don't see it. One of the young men in the back right, I believe, he was just such a good dancer. And then there's an amazing kiss, and then fist bumps between the lead actress and a best friend. And then there's a commercial. When we come back from the commercial, though, there's Al again on his machine. And he's really pumping up the 360 video. The throwback. Oh, he said there was a throwback surprise on there. But we didn't check that out because Scooter said, no friggin' way. And uh, Al Rose by Tom Turkey. I think he said, wow, this is exciting, and give my regards to Broadway. So I thought that was, I loved that part.
And then, Ray, let me throw it over to uh, Mikey and the uh, Greg for this next musical number. Uh, thanks, Ray. Uh, next up was a Dama Summer musical, uh, Hot Stuff, and two song, two song, Last Dance and Hot Stuff. Uh, right, Greg, Mikey? Oh, thank you. It's your, your grace, your grace. Uh, oh, yes, it was uh, her last concert. Uh, was the bit, I think the musical is based on her last concert. There was a... Uh, Really good organs and what a voice! Uh, and I said, Mike, Greg, and I, Greg and I were talking because I said, "Is this boost up the musicals? Uh, and how do they choose which? Is it a boom or a bust for the musicals?" Uh, and they did two songs, uh, uh, but the transition—I'm not sure about the transition, or maybe it was really good because Scooter put a, a star here. And uh, this is the one where the guy was dancing on the right, actually, not in the prom. I think the guy was a good dancer in the prom, though. Uh, but this is at 9.39 a.m. Uh, if you're watching from home. Uh, the guy, oh, no, this was the guy under the Macy thing. This was the MVP of the parade, Scooter said, until Donna, some, uh, till, uh, oh, I'll save it. Okay, I'll save it. Mike, 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 Gregor, take it away. Okay, yeah, thank you, thanks, Mikey. Don't be, it's okay. We're just, it's just a parade. We're just commenting on it. But he was MVP of parade. He was dancing to the right of the Macy's uh, overhang. And he was just uh, so, uh, having such a fun time. And then, uh, as everyone likes, you know, if they can't see me in the undershirt, we saw Justin Hartley in a muscle shirt. And he was a little bit sweating. And I, even I said, holy moly, uh, He's uh, quite a quite a catch, uh, that Justin Hartley. And usually we see him on the parade route uh, saying things that make everyone swoon, even characters from fan fiction. But uh, anyway, let's toss it back to Ray. Okay, thanks, guys. Uh, this is Ray Perkins here. Next up was an eye in the sky. And we had an EDM version of Sleigh Ride. Uh, and then, uh, double Kelly Clarkson shout. Uh, what does that mean? Double Kelly Clarkson shout. Uh, Kelly Clarkson started singing though. So I don't know where the EDM sleigh ride came from, but Kelly Clarkson starts singing. There's pom poms in the audience. She was really bundled up. Well, I said, Kelly does a good job of taking care. You know, that is self care, staying warm. Uh, don't let me down. And uh, more pom-poms. That was nice that they gave those out to the audience. Lots of cute kids holding the things. Uh, and, uh, and there was dancing. Really, Kelly Clarkson also does a great job at pumping the audience up. So I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, then we have uh, just a random shot. I do, we don't have a time stamp, but it's somewhere in the 940 range of Al. Uh, and he was uh, looking distracted. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, he was looking distracted, like he was being interviewed or he didn't know he was on camera or he was just enjoying the Kelly Clarkson performance so much he was in daze. And then we had a nice person, a person who's been very nice to the podcast, Chris Sullivan. Uh, he talked about his memories of the holidays. Uh, and th then, so we have a nice person who's been nice to the podcast, not the only one on the parade either, by the way, but Hoda. And uh, uh, Savannah, Al, if you ever need something to sleep to, please check the show out already. Uh, but then at 9.45, uh, the, Al is in his motorcycle thing. 
And he's he Al always gives a hard time to the CLOWNS because he knows that people don't always like them. So they're running with Al, and Al's like saying, "Keep up already! What are you doing?" And one of them tries to keep up. Uh, and then the next thing you know, I said, "Holy mackerel!" We see the, the amazing uh, Tina Fey comes on the screen, it was sitting with Hoda and Savannah. And Scooter put WTF, but Tina talks about the Mean Girls musical and working at it and the joy of working in a new medium and the challenges. And then I can't, gone free, Regina's gone free, uh, fearless and free in the cafeteria. Uh, was that what it was about a little bit? Uh, Oh, this was another one. Always in the back right. Another good guy dancing in the back right there. Uh, Every comeback, Sweat Street, uh, the crowd is pumped. Uh, So that was good. I don't know what Sweat Street means, Scooter, but it was very good. And this one will turn over to Bernie the Butterfly after the commercial, uh, the Rockettes, Bernie. Bernie the Butterfly here. Yeah, Now, uh, this is nothing against the Rockettes, but... uh, the music really was not up to Rockette standard, and I'm not sure if that was the mix, uh, but it wasn't really, it was a more of a music, and Rockette seemed to be in a, a dress casual type thing, so I didn't understand, uh, I, I said, what is this music? But then the parade kicks off after that, right, at 34th Street. And we had the starlets, which Macy's calls them, with sparklers. Tom Turkey's on a truck, which was also a commercial. There was Macy's cheerleaders. And then the Ohio State Marching Band came in. Uh, but first they did an announcement with a lot of te- 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 uh, 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 teases. Let me give it back to you, though, Ray. Oh, thanks, Bernie. Uh, and then there was fast walking with the Ohio State's marching band. And then they sang lullaby, or they performed lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is a lullaby of old Broadway. If you watched WPIX in the 1980s, you would know that. Also, you probably know about beautiful Mount Airy Lodge already. Uh, then we have, oh, let me turn it over to Mikey and to Greg. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ray. Uh, next up was Chase the Police, Police Pup, uh, and he was, it was a giant Puppy dog, I remember from last year. And he's a rescue pup. It's a TV show. And I think Mikey and I should have our own show where we're, uh, like, we get to play with rescue pups uh, after the show. Also, we'd be giant, uh, be, be, be playing with the pups. No job is too big, no pup is too small. That's what I believe, too. Is the size of 30 German Shepherds. Uh, but even I couldn't figure out what was that, what's on police put Chase's shoulders. Uh, I don't understand. Is I believe it is a, a siren, but you don't think so? No, I think it's rockets. Uh, for going very fast to to help to chase because Chase has to chase. Like that makes sense. Back back to you, Ray. Okay, then there was a commercial. Then the Sugarland saying, "Babe." And a cranberry float, a uh, tall turkey and a giant goose with the featured objects on there, turning their heads, uh, showing cooperation, like the cooperative farms of the Cranberry Collective. 
which also is where my consciousness is now stored in a cranberry bog. You could do that also if you need to. You could have a bit. I think there was a one of the mirror, the opaque mirror TV show has one where you're downloaded and your consciousness is downloaded to a cranberry bog. Yeah, Charlie, see, he was nice to the podcast too. Uh, anyway, so then hands turn for cooperative. Oh, heads turn. Oh, they also had good earmuffs on the adults, but not on the friggin' kids. Uh, and these uh, crayon dances. Uh, then there was some giant pilgrim heads. And uh, next up, uh, I'm going to throw. Uh, thanks, Ray. Burning butterfly here. There was eggs and butter. And then a giant doughboy, but not one of our favorite doughboys, which is would be, uh, you know, depending, we, we you know, either Mike or what, the Spoon Man or, or Weiger. You know, it's just tough to decide between the two of them, you know, whether you want a hot salad or, you know, you like minions, you'd say, well, Weiger. You know, if you like giving Weiger a hard time or you're from Massachusetts, you'd say, Mitt Mike, uh, but this was a, a Pillsbury Doughboy, so not the original. This is some other friggin' Doughboy. Uh, I said, why don't they have, you know, and also could you give you song a friggin' balloon too already? Yeah, but this thing had a big smile on his face. Then we went into the valley of the Jolly Green Giant, uh, and Scooter said to say, ho, 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 like Santa, but it's in a different pacing, he said, uh, and this giant green giant had a very empty look in his face. Was escorted by some peppy pumpkins and some sunflowers. Uh, and then uh, Carly Pierce, I believe, uh, singing. Then the Oregon Grants Pass band came through. Oh, boy. I, 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 so this one, they say they were performing somewhere over the rainbow. And I don't know if it was an instrument-based choice or uh, artistic choice, but they were playing it at a different key of pitch. And the result of that, not to be crit- critical, it was just it made it harder to pick up on the tune, I think, because it was so low. Uh, it just seemed it seemed like a different song even. Uh, and uh, then, Mike, Mikey, let me take it. Let me have you take this. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank, thank you, Bernie. Uh, next up was 330 pounds of wimpy kid, 200 million books read, and a boy after my own heart, especially he's so giant and he likes, I mean, I don't like reading books. I like screens only. And Ray tries to keep my screen time down. And uh, then he was, and then he used baby, he said, look at even Groot has to have limits on screen time. And I said, why, why you show Groot? Please glamorize screen time, someone out there. Uh, but also, I thought it was funny. Mikey, you, Greg, you tell him. Uh, yes, uh, the wimpy kid have the same hair as Scooter. I think we say the joke every year, but the same hair as Scooter and the wimpy kid. Oh, uh, thank you, guys. And then Sesame Street was up. Lots of waving, open mouths and smiling. I mean, the open mouths on the Muppets, uh, and, uh, e- e- uh, Annika Noni Rose, uh, was on there and uh, she was singing. There was a small pink fairy Muppet, a smaller one that I couldn't figure out, uh, who, who that was. There was also a young girl doing air miking, like singing into an air microphone that I liked, but the kid, some of the people had no friggin' gloves on there. 
And then they had a photo booth music. It felt like the song was cut short. Uh, then we had a jet, the balloon named Jet, who was uh, Super Wings, a Learjet, oh, same size as a Learjet uh, wingspan. It delivers special packages or something. And, you know, the cold air was having an impact on the balloons, so they were not in the thing. And then this was another highlight of the parade for me was when Hoda's quoting Mr. Rogers. I mean, I say, well, who do I love more, Hoda or Mr. Rogers? I don't even know. And then next up, uh, why don't you take this, Gregor? Uh, yes, thanks, Ray. Uh, it was a playground for unusual, a scooter's handwriting is either unusual or uni- oh, universal kids playground. Bryn Cartelli, great job. Uh, but again, we say, where's the Christmas music uh, or the holiday music? Uh, but again, we say, holy cow, actually, I'm watching uh, the replay. A woman in a fur coat was dancing very hard behind uh, a few, behind the kinder float uh, later in the parade. Uh, you know, we're going, we have multiple uh, feeds for the parade here. Uh, but we say, why couldn't there have been a holiday song in there? Then there was a nice, uh, oh, my, Mikey, why don't you, oh, yes, sir. there was a nice rainbow and smiling cloud. Uh, there was a, mo- they were very emoji-like, uh, and uh, the kids were very good dancers. Uh, they had nice um, uh, mittens, and this is Bryn Cartelli. She had very furry mittens and a nice poofy hat. Uh, I would like to rub my chin or cheek against the hat and mittens. And this was nice. It said, friends with you. There was drops of nice. Uh, Dan, the people were called drops of nice. Uh, and uh, something on the, the so spot, something on the cloud's face was very nice, too. Uh, Scooter's handwriting says S-P-O-L-L-N-G. But it was something nice on the cloud's face that you could watch, you know, on your own. Uh, then there was a Build-A-Bear. And this summer, Scooter got saw but when they have the Build-A-Bear way-you-own-pay-your-own thing at the shopping mall by where his parents live, and it was packed full of people. Uh, there was haunt dancers, and then I'll throw it to Ray because he's a big John Legend fan. Uh, thank, thank, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, next up was John Legend. He's, uh, oh, he was he's so well-dressed, too. He had multiple layers on. He had a red jacket, a really nice cap on, which Scooter spelled as cape, which I could see John Legend in a cape. Uh, Amazing pants with a subtle but a distinct look to them. And uh, he looks like he had in a suit and then maybe another layer and then his outer layer. And they said, no wonder him and his wife are the stars of social media and they have their own holiday special coming right up. So that's something to look forward to. Oh, also a dress shirt on. I said, yeah, he has a dress shirt on, then a suit, uh, I believe, and then his jacket. Uh, then Snowpreen Ponpons, uh, which I don't know what that means, Scooter. I think Snowperson Pompoms is what he meant to write. Uh, then we have Toothless, which is a, a forest friend flying. Uh, I liked it. it was flying very low because of the weather and wrinkly. And Scooter put weak. Uh, he, he said, instead of toothless, call it airless. And then we had the James Madison Royal Dukes for, from Virginia. 
And then, uh, why don't you take it, Bernie? Yeah, but Bernie Butterfly here. Then some friggin' clown Vikings. I said, what the heck? Uh, and I said, oh, also, the, in this marching band, I think the parents were in the band having to march fast, too. And I wasn't happy about this because they were singing I Got Rhythm, but they felt like they were being rushed. Uh, but then they hit the marks so well, even though they were rushed. And I would have to give an award, to, like a uh, sleeper act of the parade to the drum holders who had to walk backwards. And uh, then... Uh, there were lots of cute kids. Then Entenmann's, which Scooter loves, uh, had its 122nd birthday. Uh, Hoda goes off script, Scooter puts. Uh, Baker's Brigade. Uh, bake Shop, almost a tectonic uh, something. I think this is when Pentonics came. Yes, yeah, Pentonics, because Scotty is another person Scooter has to always thank you to. He's been very nice about the friggin' podcast. And Scotty had a beautiful coat on. With, it was like a houndstooth coat or something with a Yankees thing on it. But he's another person that's been nice to the podcast, so that's nice for him. There was also a clobake on a bike grunt, uh, rolling pins. Uh, I don't know what that says, Scooter. I, I mean, I honestly don't know. Uh, clobalike on a bike. I think you had to ride the bike to make the baking work. Uh, there was rolling pins, there was baker, falling, canteen, cupcakes, uh, and uh, hats. Oh, oh, great cupcake hats. That was really good. I remember the giant cupcake hats. It looked like it may have started raining or snowing then, but I'm not sure. And then there was no lights, as Scooter noted. Uh, and then there was a commercial, right? Take it. Uh, thanks, Bernie. Uh, next up was the Fred Astaire dances. This was her first appearance in the parade. And holy moly, uh, tuxedos and uh, matching dresses, red gloves and ribbons. I put first uh, a piece about, I don't know what that says, Scooter's handwriting. But this, oh, this was the first appearance, the first appearance, it says. Uh, but that means uh, first appearance. And then Bozzy came on, and the NHL float, uh, different pucks from last year. Well, last year's MVP was the Dancing Pucks. Uh, a great red cap on Bozzy, but he didn't cover his ears. I said, cover your ears. Uh, well, take your hat on and off. Uh, uh, there was also a dancer on a unicycle. And then the hockey guys, I mean, I'm sorry, you're in the parade. I don't mean to criticize, but... Uh, they looked like they were cracking jokes to one another the whole time and yucking it up instead of playing to the crowd. Like saying, remember when you hit that puck in the goal? Oh, yes, I do. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, so I said, play attention to the parade. Excuse me. It's an honor. Or, you know, some sort of planned corporate event. I don't know which one. And then I want to send it back to the Gregor. Uh, thanks, Ray. Next up was Ronald, uh, whose hair was out of place, McDonald. Uh, and, uh, uh, Mikey, what stance do you have about the balloon? Oh, thank you. This, uh, five foot, five, five foot wild smile, which I said, uh, if you laid all the, uh, scooter smiles, uh, next to each other over his whole lifetime, it wouldn't be five feet. Uh, uh that's a good one, Mikey. Thank you. Uh, close up on his eyes uh, was a bit uh, 
the balloon needs some uh, uh, facial uh, expression. And uh, then Rita Ora, she did a great, oh boy. And also, I forgot, the, the, the good commercials with Amy Pola and a, te- and a team of wonderful com- comedians uh, uh, and the commercials. But we're here to talk about the parade. But if we were here to talk about the commercials, that's what we'd be talking about. Uh, Greg, what about, uh, what's Al up to? Uh, yes, he was in giant bowling pins uh, for a commercial for bowling. Uh, they called it the Roker Cycle. He kingpins uh, to go or at go bowling in a bowling pin going after it. And he said, it's a healthy pastime. Go bowl, yo. Let the good times roll. Also, there was a giant bowling shoe car. And then back to you, uh, 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 sorry, back to you, Ray. Oh, don't worry, Gregor. Now, now the Kindle eggs are allowed here in the United States, which I still didn't understand why they weren't. Uh, they had a thing. And then we had Ashley Tisdale on there. Now, I'll be honest with you, folks. Uh, Ashley Tisdale is one of the reasons Scooter started this parade coverage uh, because of her rendition many years ago of last Christmas. Usually Scooter didn't watch these parades, I don't think. And then he said, wow, there's something about that performance uh, that put me in the holiday spirit. Uh, and uh, But she this year, she sang a regular song, not a holiday song. The chocometer was steady for a while on the kinder thing, and then it went w- w- off the charts. Uh, next up, we had Charlie Brown. He, first, I thought he had blue bows on his shoes, a balloon, giant balloon. Uh, but he was really caught up in his kite. Uh, and what was strange is that Charlie's now, and then the rest of the thing is later. And uh, it was a partnership with NASA. And then, oh boy, was Scooter happy because uh, CNS North Stars from Cicero, New York, were up next, and they sang on Broadway. Uh, so that was great. Then we had the Big Apple Circus. It was a ladder dancer. Uh, there was a woman warm and a adult woman in a in a uh, gentleman in Girl Scouts outfits that looked very warm. Uh, then a balloon catapult. Uh, some other things I can't read. And the skyline. Escoche Bron Sweet Log. Uh, yellow Coot. A balloon catapult on the skyline. Something, I can't read Scooter's writing. Sweet log. Yellow. He takes off his hat. It was a good singer, uh, but Scooter's writing's not uh, readable. Great uh, mic technique, uh, really into the show. Oh, this was with the Sour Patch Kids. It looked real. Uh, Then we had Parkview at 220, Lakeview. Uh, then we had a uh, ten sibling pairs in the um, Lake Worth, Florida band. Two hundred twenty kids, a giant one. It was very good dancing. I can't, I couldn't imagine that the flagpole bearers. How cold those poles must be! There was gold to confetti, ten flags, the flags with the number ten on there. And then it was time to brighten up the sky with Pikachu, who said, "Let's go," and was so happy. And then there was uh, Turtles uh, and Jack and Jack performing. 
Cayenne uh, Blue, a, a performer from uh, Dragon Ball Z. Super Brody was screwed to put. I don't know what that means either. Uh, and then Bernie, take it. Uh, thank, thank you, thank you, freaking Bernie Butterfly here. But Big City Cheer Float was next. Uh, and they no pressure. They said, this is your once in a lifetime moment. Uh, uh, then we had uh, uh, Johnny Orlando, who was the greatest uh, name. They said, who, Scooter should have that name. Uh, and uh, a couple other people singing. Then we had the Spirit of America cheer band, 500. Uh, I don't think there was 500 people there, but uh, they had great hot pink and lime green neon pom-poms. Uh, now it was 25 degrees out, but Al said, uh, he, even Al said, I can't believe how cold it is. Everybody dances there. Oh, Mackenzie Ziegler was, one, uh, was singing with Johnny Orlando. Johnny Orlando, I mean, that, that name should have already been trademarked. How did someone not already trademark that name? Shimmer and Shine was up next to two genies uh, from uh, Riding a Magic Carpet. And we finally get a, a, a rendition of Last Christmas from Allie Brooke, uh, who was dressed all in white. She had lots of good bling on. Uh, someone did a great spin. Maybe it was her. Uh, and uh, Mikey, take it. Oh, yes. Uh, next up was a cat. I love this thing. It's a cat bus with the trolls, and they have a holiday special coming. And it's also Anna Kendrick, uh, jo- Justin Timberlake, and jo- Zoe Deschanel are in this holiday special, even. I don't know if they got the McElroy brothers, even though they're supposed to be in Trolls 2. Were they going to, uh, are they in the Trolls Holiday movie? That's what I would request, please. And Scooter also is wondering if Justin Timberlake has been in the parade, which I think he has. I just wonder what year it was, uh, which brought up a question of is, is, is there an IMDB of parades? IMDP, uh, in, in, IMDBP or IPDB? Uh, okay, go ahead, McGregor. Uh, Yes, uh, next up was uh, Macy's Band Parade. Uh, they were doing a lot of flossing. And uh, not even though it's a Macy's Parade Band, they didn't, do a, they didn't do a holiday song. So that was a bit of a letdown. Uh, Girl Scouts up next, doubling down on STEM. Uh, I think someone said, keep it lit, which I said, what in the heck? Tegan Marie, that was a song she sang. Uh, now, Ray, I'll let you take this next one. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is Ray. Now, next up was a Kalahari, a new float from Kalahari. Now, Scooter used the bathroom there this summer. I'm not kidding. He said he drove, it's in the Catskills somewhere, or one of those things, Poconos, I believe. Uh, and Scooter went on a day trip to see his uh, nephew, and uh, he had to drive past it. And on the way back, he said, uh, I got to stop and use the bathroom there and look at the lobby of the Kalahari. And it's into a water park, a little bit big. Scooter said he wouldn't go. Like, oh, never. You know, you know, in case you're thinking of sponsoring the podcast, I mean. Uh, but he said it was too many people. Uh, it was a bit more like a casino than a. It was very, very, very big and very busy. Uh, and uh, LMA Mai blew it up as she sang. Uh, that was good. 
it was this was another combination organic like of uh a vegetal and animal an elephant with tree pods and also in the audience was a woman with a drumstick uh like googly ears or whatever those things are called like the headband with the things and um a spring but they were drumsticks uh, then we had the Riverside uh, Hollywood Band uh, from Riverside City College. Uh, sing, sang, sung, great dances, but it was very, you know, very cold. Uh, yeah, then SpongeBob, uh, who has a Santa hat, uh, first square balloon, over 18, 800 uh, internal ties to keep a, it was SpongeBob square. Uh, then the King's Hawaiian float, which had palm people, uh, 30 years, oh, uh, Oh, Gregor, is this is uh, bare naked ladies? Uh, they're thirty years of uh, being in band together. And Scooter wanted to say that one time when they run nine oh two and oh, he was there earlier in the day when they were film. They weren't filming yet. They said, uh, and Jason Priestley directed that episode. Scooter wants everybody to know that. Uh, then there was uh, the uh, very American. Uh, expression of a loving fossil fuel by the dinosaur. Uh, yes, gas. Oh, yay, gas. Uh, never something. A family-owned company. That was very interesting. 72 feet long. The only life-size balloon. We'll ask Stephen, uh, Stephen Ray for that, if that is true. Uh, Mikey? Oh, yes. Uh, the, the South Dakota Mount Rushmore was next. Uh, that scooter loves uh, South Dakota. So I don't know if you have a budget for having a float for the Badlands in Mount Rushmore, but you should support the podcast. Uh, uh, then uh, Pure Candy, uh, Kane Brown was singing, Cute Kids, uh, uh, something, uh, Buffalo PJs. Uh, that was interesting. Kids dressed in a Buffalo, a buffalo PJs. Oh, Toasty Warm. Oh, also behind, Scooter's also a fan of the, and Ray is a fan of the Hollywood Tower Hotel and the Macy's uh, thing that, that looked like that. It says, you know, Macy's, I don't know what it says, uh, but it was getting a lot of screen time. Kind of like the thing you would put on a monogram or something. Uh, then Red Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, 25 years of being a Power Ranger. I'd like to be a Power Ranger for one day. I think that would be nice. Uh, go ahead, Ray, because I can't read this writing. Oh, thank you, thank you. There's something, uh, uh, Alabama, uh, somewhere from Alabama is a band. Uh, lounges and skate, no biz, like showbiz. So they sing no business like show business, but it was rocking. Uh, then maybe Sue Washington did something. Uh, Hunter looks, uh, truck picture and picture ad. Oh, there was, a, there was, a after that, there was a picture and picture truck commercial. And there was a debate about this, even among the audience, that it was the second coldest Thanksgiving or the first coldest in New York City history. Well, maybe it was the second coldest, but it was the coldest parade day. Uh, Scooter put WTF on that. Uh, and then, uh. Elf, uh, oh, then uh, I said, who owns this Elf on the Shelf uh, uh, copyright and trademark? Because holy cow, because this is, uh, 
I can't remember. The elves have their own TV thing, the whole new thing now. And Giggling St. Boundaries, uh, they have a new show with elf pets on TBS. Uh, I don't, is that, oh, St. Bernard's, that's what that's supposed to say, Scooter. I don't know if the St. Bernard's were giggling. And then who wants to, who wants to burn Scooter? Because the next up is uh, Scooter the, oh, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, next up was a balloon just like Scooter. It's uh, in the fetal, is uh, the elf uh, in the position like Scooter normally is uh, after he talks to people. Yeah, burning a butterfly here. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's right. That balloon, the elf on the shelf, looked a bit like Scooter. The knees pulled up to his chest, uh, staying comfortable. But don't be afraid. You know, even burning a butterfly gets in the fetal position a lot. And I wasn't, you know, I was in a position like that in my chrysalis. So we don't call it, we call it the chrysalis position, but it's the same thing. You say, I need some comfort right now. Uh, then we had Leona Lewis, uh, and uh, something else with a band, uh, but the, oh no, then a uh, then a band from uh, Centerville, Georgia, or Carterville, Georgia. They did "Ode to Joy" and "Hallelujah" together. I think they were the Wildcat Cats. Now they pulled off the transition, uh, but I'm not sure Leonard Cohen needs the help. You know what I'm saying? I mean. Uh, you know, Leonard Cohen does just fine on its own, is what I would say. Uh, you know, with the joke Scooter wrote for me. Like, uh, so be careful what you mash up with. Uh, but it was good. It was a good attempt. It was brave. Uh, then there's a go- goose with a heart from Aflac. Uh, and we get to meet uh, Scooter didn't write this, but I think it was Abby who won the Bob Hope Scholarship. Uh, so congratulations to you. And uh, go ahead, Ray. Oh, thank you. Uh, then we had a giant crying uh, behind a giant crying head behind the Aflac duck. We did. It was so strange. And then the peanuts were there, but with Charlie Brown's float was about an hour before. So I said, "What's going on here?" Yeah, but, but maybe Charlie Brown. You know, that is it. Would, it does fit with the story that, that Charlie Brown would be. It's even the date I was in the parade alone with Charlie Brown. Uh, but we did then decorations, a nice boa, and then someplace or something, and then uh, an ad. Uh, then uh, we came back, and there was a tribute to Gene McFadden uh, with, the, with the team, uh, and they all had hats on, to, to, and they gave a tip of a hat to Gene McFadden, which was a very touching moment. Uh, then... Oh, my gosh, Scooter. Oh, Fort Worth, Texas. Keller, Fort Worth, Texas. Keller Band from Fort Worth, Texas does Gloria. And then we had Olaf, whose arm was like because of the cold weather a little bit. Uh, and they said Olaf would have enough snow to cover the Matterhorn in Disneyland. And they promoted the Frozen musical, which looks good. And go ahead, uh, Bernie. Uh, thank you, Ray. Uh, then, but we had a banyan tree or something. And Al's a big Martina McBride fan. Holy cow! Uh, but she was with the kids' choir, and the kids were uh, even though it was kids on the carousel, which was nice. Very happy ornaments and presents. And uh, then uh, some Christmas cheerleaders, which was nice. And uh, then, uh, Mikey, why don't you take this? Oh yes, uh, there was a. 
a nutcracker float, which was new and very stiff and had strange teeth. Uh, uh, it was uh, an interesting balloon, I, I could say. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, go ahead, uh, Gregor. Uh, yeah, then the Hallmark Advent Calendar, 24-7, National Treasure Dancing. Uh, but this is just Scooter's Notes. Really, this was the parade MVP, Diana Ross. Uh, do yourself a favor. Look it up. It's, uh, she's so happy. She's dancing. She's having fun. Tracy Ellis Ross is there, too. It was a double wow. It was a great moment. She, she, her hair, her, her body language. Uh, it was a, That was the highlight of the parade for everybody. Everybody else's speeches. That's why I had to take it. Uh, then we have the Grinch and a Delta tree. Festive holiday uh, float. A hundred characters. Oh, this was okay. So there's a Grinch float, I believe. A balloon of the Grinch. Uh, then the Delta Festive uh, Holiday Tree, singing tree with a hundred person choir, twenty six Delta employees. Uh, they sang the May- Macy's National Anthem. Uh, we believe, uh, and uh, like an ad for the Grinch or something. Scooter said, "And Ray, take us home." Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody. I hope you're having a holiday season. With the full of self-care and uh, joyful moments like the great Diana Ross, uh, supreme uh, performance. Uh, then we had Sonny, Sonny the Snow Pal uh, off something in a space helmet. Uh, I don't know. There was a space helmet on a snow person. That was, we, we didn't, uh, then we said we need back Cheryl. I don't know what that means either. Uh, but the Spirit of America danced us. 600 kids, this says. Again, I'm not sure that number. But it was a great group. Uh, and then at the end, they uh, they all together sang Merry Christmas, everybody. That was a really good, good uh, cheer. And then they had, now this, okay, Ray's going to close it out with a suggestion. Not a, not a, uh, they had the one and only Santa Claus. What does this say? Triceratops City. I don't know what that means, Scooter. Oh, Ticket Tape City. There was a lot of Ticket Tape or uh, Ticket Tape-like tape. Uh, and uh, Scooter tried to quote up Hoda here, but he says, at the end, Hoda says, collateral powder, Earl. Uh, which I, 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 Hoda says, cold out. Oh, coldest uh, uh, parade ever. Okay, so those both stats could be true then. Uh, but I don't understand it now. Uh, again, this is a great parade, but why not have uh, a payoff or a callback to the young man who started the parade With when you have Santa Claus? You know, even these episodes have a conclusion, uh, which is just to say, get in your bed. But it, we wouldn't like to see the boy from the beginning of the parade again singing, in my personal opinion. Uh, I think it would just have been nice and yeah, see him bundled up. Uh, uh, but, you know, I hope you're snuggled in your bed. And on behalf of all the team here at Sleep With Me podcast, uh, I hope you have, we're very thankful to be putting you to sleep. All the people that support the show uh, go out of the way to keep the podcast going. 
but yeah, just like picture Diana Ross, uh, snuggled up uh, in a toasty, warm ja- layers. John Legend in layer after layer of uh, style and song. All of them wrapping you up uh, and carrying you off into dreamland. Good night. Well, hey, everybody, you're just in time for our new holiday series, uh, The Happiest Holiday Shop. And uh, this is the first episode, definitely episodic, uh, so you can listen to these in any order. India, yeah, you could listen to them in the holiday season or not. Uh, they'll be slightly holiday-themed because uh, they all take place. Uh, the one real thing that relates them is uh, The Happiest Holiday Shop. Uh, so I'm going to turn things over to the narrator of this show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of The Happiest Holiday Shop. Tonight's tale is of Addison and Casey. A couple uh, going through a little bit of a rough patch. Uh, the relationship... Uh, is is a bit like an old car. You see, is it stalled? Will it restart? Or is it going, you know, what's the future of this car? I think both of them are in the same position uh, there in the relationship, Addison and Casey. You know, they still talk and they're still present. They play their roles but I think it's uh, getting old. Uh, recently I had a discussion uh, that went something like this. I'll probably be paraphrasing, so my apologies to Addison and Casey. Okay, I've I, 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 I just been I forgot about it. I'm sorry. Are you really listening or are you not listening? Because you're moving your hands around and, and I, don't feel like you're, I don't feel like you're here. And uh, I, mean, I mean, no, no. I'll, I'll find out about the ho- I'll find out about the holidays. I got it. And what about what about gifts? What did you did you decide what you want to do about gifts? Um, gifts. Uh, well, uh, sure. Gifts are great. Okay. I'm, done, I'm done, I guess I'm done with this discussion. Uh, you can forget about like you should just decide, or if you're going to be present in this world. In general, in this world right here, like in this kitchen, in this home. Okay, so wait, would you, so you want me to not apologize for the gift or to be present in the moment for a gift? Or do you actually, well, if, if you were going to give me, if you were going to think about a gift and give it to me, and I will try to put, do you, do you have a specific gift in mind, though? You got to go because I, I have to work from here. So please just go for a walk or go somewhere. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll go out and look for a gift. I'll see you later. And so Addison headed out for a walk, and they had moved recently to a more walkable neighborhood in an attempt to reinvigorate things between them. They had this vision of hand-holding and walking to the movies or to dinner, swinging their hands between them under the branches of autumn trees or Trees covered in winter snow, trees budding with the spring, or hiding and picnicking in the shade of those trees uh, in the summer. Uh, but instead it became a place of perfunctory date nights where they had tried to plan and 
and decide each one, where it felt like they were going through the motions. But tonight Addison paced through the town, a little town square in the center, with a fountain that never seemed to be working on a consistent basis, but it didn't seem to follow, never seemed to be under repair either. And Addison stood there at the fountain, muttering to it, pacing around, looking in the windows of the bistros and the cafes, the people eating together, at the lettering on the windows of the quaint shops. And as Edison scanned one shop, I caught the eye, a shop I'd never seen before. It said a happiest holiday shop in gold and green metallic lettering in the window and a similar hand-painted wooden sign on the awning above the door. And the lights were on inside and there was motion in the front window. There was some display. And Addison headed over walking swiftly, and in the center of the display was a giant wrapped box, uh, present with a bow on it. What was strange and what was causing the motion was that the box was in the center of a train, a train set, but a train display, with hills and mountains and depots, and then as the trains would go through one of the mountains, through a tunnel, Instead of emerging on the other side, they seemed to go into the present and sit there. Because as Addison watched, uh, it wasn't the timing was off, as if the trains were stopping inside the present and sitting there for a little while, and then heading back off onto their travels around the track, zooming. Addison stood there for a while, making sure it wasn't the imagination, that it really was uh, the motion and the pause, and then the resuming of the journey. And then Madison's hand reached out and opened the door of the shop almost involuntarily and walked in. Reindeer bells, of course, jingled on the door, and a rich smell of pine and evergreen, almost a sweet, sappy smell, with just a little bit of orange and cloves underneath it. Uh, it filled the air, but it was just subtle enough that he said, Wow, this feels like this is how this place should smell. And everywhere there were trees and ribbons and garland and silvers and golds, reds and greens, candles and menorahs, Santas and elves, unity cups and corn, mats and cards and baubles and, you know, everything and so many decorations for trees. It was a, it was a, a bit much, a bit of a feast, uh, overwhelming. Not garish, uh, but a bit like a buffet. And then a voice spoke out. Uh, hello, hello, 
Happy holidays. Welcome to the happy holiday shop. Is there something we could do for you? Welcome. Is there something we could help you find? And Edison still stumbled about the shop. Uh, and the shopkeep uh, was it was actually a couple, a couple. And for a second, Edison thought it reminded him of the couple uh, toward uh, Carol Kane and Billy Crystal in uh, The Princess Bride. And Addison paused for a second uh, and said, I thought it was a happy Christmas. Uh, I've heard of a happy Christmas shop. And the couple laughed. Uh, and they said, no, 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 this is the happy holiday shop. A bit like that. That's at the Dickens Fair, the happy Christmas shop. Anyway, what can we help you with? Are you decorating or looking for a gift? Or we saw you looking in the window. No, yeah, I'm looking for a gift. Uh, what, do you, what do you have in mind? Do you have something in mind? Well, something that would bring happiness would be terrific, actually. Yes, we get that a lot here. Uh, let's start with, who's it for? It's for Casey. Oh, uh, in, in, uh, during this time, uh, Addison was walking around the shop, picking things up, uh, and looking at them, but not really looking at them, like a a nervous uh, energy playing out with uh, touching things. Uh, who's Casey? Someone special, clearly. It's my partner. Well, did you have something in mind, or did they have uh, do they have something they've asked for? I mean, yes, yeah, something nice. I'd like to get get, get to some, Casey something nice. Uh, Okay, well, let's start. What, what, what do you want to say to Casey? What, what, what are you looking to express? What do you mean, say? What, convey. Is there a emotion, a feeling, is something or something you need to connect on? Is something, you know, is there something going on? You know what I mean. I'm just trying to help you brainstorm for some kind of gift. Yeah, you know what I was going to ask you? What's that present on the? There's a train set there, and then there's a present on it, and the trains are stop. Are the trains trains are stopping inside the present, right? Ah, yes, yes. This our holidays display. We try to change it. There's a little bit of mystery, I guess, for you there. I'm afraid I can't answer it. We will be revealing it. Uh, later this week. Wait, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, it's a surprise. It will, we'll be revealing it later this week. Like, surprise, like, surprise what? Like, what's under, like, what's under the box? Is it going to be something you're selling? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, but let's get back to Casey. Could you tell me more about Casey? Well, could, it, could, could I just have a peek under there? Because I just, the, the train, I just want to, or could you just tell me the trains are stopping, right? I was counting. I mean, I know they're stopping, but part of me is just like, are they stopping? What are they, what are they doing underneath the box? Well, well like I said, we'll, we'll be, we'll be revealing it later this week. You're welcome to come by and, and see it at, but when we do it or afterwards. You know what? Just shopping in the stores is a lot of work. You're not making it. What if I just buy? Can I just buy it right now? I'll buy the box from you, or whatever's underneath it. If you're going to sell it anyway, I'll just save you the time. 
Well, no, it's part of it's part of our store. Well, you could just I'll just buy it and pick it up later. Just just show me what it is I'm buying. No, 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 that's not how it works here. It, I realize it's a lot of work. You'll be giving getting a, the right gift. Uh, why don't you just pause for a second and kind of breathe in the smells of the store? And have a look around. I, I see you moving around the store. But why don't you look around the store uh, just for a moment uh, and breathe it in and then head home. No pressure to buy anything you could come by when we reveal the box. I have something for you even. And maybe it'll trigger something that Casey might like. Or you might want to come back, or maybe even bring Casey along with you. Wait, like, you don't want me to buy, I'm going to buy, I'm willing to buy something right now. Well, you know, no, we're help, trying to help you find the right gift, and not just any gift. You know, you know, there's easier ways to get gifts than this. You're kind of making this a little bit of a hassle. Like, I'll just go, do, do you sell gift cards here? You you know you know the end. We, of course not. We sell cards, uh, and we sell cards, handmade cards, you could give as a gift with a lovely note. Maybe that's what Casey would like. Now, I'm looking for something more strange, straightforward. Uh, I don't need to give my, I don't need to give the gift giving process to be sh- stressful. Like, uh, I have enough of that. Okay. Well, let me grab you something and, and feel free to come by. Like I said, go home and see, you know, if, you, if you're welcome to shop somewhere else too. Uh, but see, but do come by, even if you're not going to buy anything, and, and come by for our unboxing. I have a ticket for you here. You sell tickets to the unboxing of something you're going to sell in the store? Well, no, 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 we don't sell them. We just give them. Uh, oh, here you go. What's that really thick? This is a really nice paper. Uh, it feels almost like linen. It, like It's like it's thicker than stationery. Uh Wow, this is it feels amazing. Well, it's good. You're, you're feeling, you're, yeah. This is raised. Uh, is this real foil? It's like a, it's like a matte green. Uh, yes, it is. And it's a ticket for two or one or three or four. It's just a a ticket for two. We find you know it's the two of us here. What's a what's Mistletoe Junction? Ticket for two to Mistletoe Junction on the Northern Local. It's a train ticket. It's it's for fun. Okay. Well, they, you know, yeah, maybe I'll come by. Uh, if the dates and, and the time is on there, when we'll open the box and show it to everybody. Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much. And with that, Addison uh, headed home, and uh, as Addison walked back home, Addison's thoughts kind of turned inward and. I thought, I'll get all this figured out, but there was also an element of grouchiness in there. Maybe a little bit of delusion. Uh, Addison saying, oh, I'm totally calm. Uh, I'm totally good at this. I'll figure out a gift. Uh, uh, part of uh, Addison's attention kept returning to the train in the box. And when Addison got home, Casey was there. And there was a bit of... Uh, uh, tension still and uh, grouchiness, and they slept in separate rooms that night. And Edison tossed and turned and could hear Casey sniffling in the other room. 
and uh, things kind of went back and forth between Addison's mind. And then the next morning, Addison got up bleary-eyed and went down into the kitchen, uh, kind of dreading crossing paths with Casey. Addison's jacket was draped over a chair in the kitchen and a pocket emptied on the kitchen counter. Casey was having a cup of coffee. And Casey's face had, you know, some speckles of uh, the night's uh, expressions of emotions. But in Casey's hand was uh, the ticket, uh, the ticket for two to Mistletoe Junction. What's this? Casey asked, and Addison said, uh, uh, it was a, it was a, a surprise. A surprise? Yeah, look, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry about last night, and, and I guess I was wrong, I've been wrong, and I'm, I'm sorry that I've been so distracted and, and I haven't been here, and I know I need to change, uh, I'm just just having trouble with it, but I want I want to. Oh well, I accept your apology. It's uh, it's your inability to change that I can't accept. If if you can't change, uh, things are going to change no matter what. Do do do, do you understand? Like uh, with the changing of the year, uh, are you you with me, Addison? Do do you understand? Yeah, yeah. But but this, this surprise, uh, it's got my attention. Mr. Ticket for two to Mistletoe Junction, What what is it? What, I've never heard of this. Uh, Northern Local? Is this like one of those couples train tours or something? Well, it's just a surprise. You're going to have to wait and see, I guess. Well, this is a start. This seems like a change uh, I could get behind. So uh, have a good day. And uh, Addison headed out for the day. And as soon as Addison was free from work and, and had some time at lunch, Addison raced over to the town square into the happiest holiday shop, rushed to the door, rushed in. And he said, I got the ticket. It worked. It worked. It worked. Uh, I gotta buy, I gotta buy the box, uh, I gotta buy the, the train sets. Okay, okay, we got, so what do you mean it worked? Are you, do you, are you gonna come to the thing? Oh, what do you mean it worked? Well, no, 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 it really worked, your ticket worked. Uh, so let me, can I, can I put a deposit down at least on it so no one else can buy it? Uh, you, you can't do that, uh, Addison. You can come by, and 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 uh, if you come by right on time, you'll be able to purchase it. But what, did you give the the ticket to Casey? What kind of Casey found the ticket? Uh, Addison, do you, what do you know about mistletoe? Well, you can kiss under it, uh, like, uh, but mostly ban. You know, they don't have you can't have it at office parties or anything. Not a good idea. Did you know that mistletoe? In the use of it, uh, it dates back uh, before uh, Christmas as we know it uh, to, to a more ancient holidays. That mistletoe kind of grows in conjunction with trees most of the time, but can grow on its own. 
It's also traditionally been a symbol of uh, fertility in life and virility even. It has always had great power, at least as a symbol, if nothing else. Okay, that's great, though, but I really need to, the, the, uh, or do, do you know, could, could we use this ticket? Is there any, like, couples train uh, things that you know about, like, uh, that I could pretend it's a trip to Mistletoe Junction? Like, you give me a ticket, it's just to see something unboxed that you won't even sell to me. I'll tell you what, Addison, are, are you serious uh, about this? Uh, are you serious about, uh, getting a good gift for Casey? Yeah, I'm serious. I'm here. I'm willing to put dollars on the barrel head or whatever they say, cash on the barrel head. I would have to go get it, but I could go. I mean, I had, did you take Apple Pay? Okay, hold on, Addison. We're giving out springs of mistletoe today to every customer, even anybody that visits the shop. But why don't you take a sprig of mistletoe? Well, what are you going to try to sell me, like a mistletoe holder? I want what's under the box, or I want to. Well, I'll give you a sneak preview, but not today. What 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 is it about uh, the ticket uh, that got Casey's attention? Do you think? Uh, that you, that, it, that it was a nice surprise. Okay, is there any thing about uh, the train set in the box uh, that got your attention when you looked in and came in the store and? demanded it to buy it over and over again. Well, it was kind of mysterious, I guess, and then wondering if the train's really stopping. And then it's just something in me that wants to know what's inside that box, what's in there. So it's tantalizing, this mystery, this surprise, kind of like a mirror images of one another. Okay, I get what you could. Did you sell any empty boxes and uh, with the wrapping paper? Oh, Addison, I like what you're saying. With maybe with a mistletoe sprig in the ribbon. Oh, wow, you did. This is why you run the happiest Christmas holiday shop. Uh, yes, uh, dear, ring Addison up, uh, for a uh, empty. Holiday box with a free spring of mistletoe. We'll sell you a mistletoe holder that's a box. And put something inside to give it some heft. Okay, so so did, did you, I can't believe you, you thought about putting something inside there. I wouldn't even have thought about it. We've never done this before, Addison, but we have in other ways. What, what about a train set? Would, would, could I have a train set to... Uh, I could just have something simpler, like circle, but we, we do sell train sets, Addison. Why don't you step over there and have a look? And so Addison bought a train set and bought an empty box filled with something to give it some heft with a sprig of mistletoe on its uh, bow. And Addison brought it home and set the train set up in an oval, circling the box with the little uh, scented smoke in the smokestack of the train, started it and waited for Casey to come home. And uh, when Casey got home, it got Casey's attention. And they had an evening together with dinner and some laughter. 
and some loving. And even the next day, text Rich, what's in that box? I gotta know. And uh, Edison saying, can't open it until the holidays. But Edison still felt like uh, something was missing. The tension was still there. Like uh, they were dancing around things and that without the gift, uh, like there was something Edison wasn't seeing in the whole picture. And so that night, uh, over to the holiday shop, as agreed with the shopkeeps, uh, right after closing. And they said, come on in, come on in, Addison, for your special premiere. And they had Addison, they had this beautiful old train bench, uh, something from the waiting room of a train station there in front of the box in front of the train set, in front of the window display. They said, go ahead and sit down and lean forward. We're going to pull off to the top of the box for you. And they pulled off to the top of the box, and it was a train depot, Mistletoe Junction, it read across the top. And inside were little figures, and the train would come, and the train would stop, and even the doors of the train the passenger trains would open like people were embarking or disembarking. And they said, get down, Addison, really lean in, get a good look at Mistletoe Junction, really look in the windows even. And Addison looked in the windows and could see that there was a, a telegraph station and a clerk there, people waiting even a little board in there that moved and said North Pole, and it didn't seem real because it was so miniature. And then Addison said it felt like there was motion even, and he didn't know if it was the trick of the lights and how even LED, what kind of LEDs are you using? And then Addison's attention was drawn. Well, this is a train depot. This isn't, this isn't, this is going to be anticlimactic. This isn't going to do it. It's just a train depot. Okay, Addison, try to stay present. Try to really look in the windows there. Uh, just wait and really soak the station in. How am I supposed to stay present, though? This is, this is it. Uh, okay, Addison, why don't you lie down on the bench and look at uh, the train station from a lying position. And hold, reach out. I'm going to move this holiday tree over here. And hold the holiday tree. Smell its branches. Just look in and relax. See if there's anything else you see. You saw the moving board, North Pole, Elf Town. Go, go ahead. And Addison laid there and started to look in the windows. And the lights just started to dim in the shop. And Addison felt the eyelids get heavy. The air get thicker. And then Addison heard an unfamiliar voice. Welcome to Mistletoe Junction. Uh, uh, can I help you? And Addison sat up and Edison was in a... Where, 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 is this a where am I? Like Mistletoe Junction. No, 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 no. Where, 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 where am I? Is this a dream or something? 
Oh, no, you're in Mistletoe Junction. You must have just arrived and, and dozed off. It's nice and warm in here. I could see why. Maybe you had a cup of cocoa on the train. And no, no, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be in a shop or something. Oh, you're supposed to meet someone at the shop. It's just a short walk to downtown from the station here. No, no, no. Where, where am where, where, where? You're in Mistletoe Junction. You, are you unfamiliar with Mistletoe Junction? Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, here, Tinkles is headed over. Tinkles, are you, tink, this is Tinkles the Elf. This is, um, Addison. Nice to meet you, Tinkles. Uh, Addison Tinkles has uh, never been to Mistletoe Junction before. Oh, well, why don't you come with me and we'll walk right, I'm headed to town. Is that where you're headed, to Mistletoe Junction? Was Mistletoe Junction in the station? This is, uh, I guess it's the town of Mistletoe Junction or the resort of Mistletoe Junction. Come on. And they walked out of the station, a green picturesque train station, uh, down a, a, a road, a cobblestone road, which just a uh, 300 yards off, uh, a beautiful uh, gas lamps of a picturesque town like something out of a theme park or a, a movie so, you, so you've never been to mistletoe junction before no, i never even heard of it i don't really even know what i'm doing here oh oh well uh okay maybe uh you, well let, let me tell you about mistletoe junction it's a wonderful place uh, you must be here for a reason this is where uh, anticipation gets released. You see, how do I put it for you, Addison? So all of us, most of us, I, I guess in your visitor, and it's it's been a while since I've encountered a visitor, not from the North Pole. But you can only get here if you're supposed to be here anyway. So, so all of us elves are employed at the North Pole, or some of us our partners or spouses or family members or just uh, uh, friends and lovers of uh, people who work at the North Pole. And it's hard work there at the North Pole, and, and no one lives there. It's as it's, lore says it does, but they found that it's better uh, to just be concentrating on making the toys. Santa's got this whole operation going. So the families and the friends and the uh, companions of the people that live there, you start to miss them. And so at some point, uh, the great minds, the colossus and the other ones created Mistletoe Junction. And it's a place to reconnect uh, with your loved one, your intimate loved one, your amorous loved one, your boo, your bae. Uh, so everyone that works at the North Pole uh, occasionally gets a trip here to meet up with the, 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 to, to, you, to, you, it's a place where baby elves get made too, or humans, uh, reindeer, uh, snow people, you know, you know, a whole panoply of creation. And I, I guess I, 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 I'm not blushing, but it kind of so this is like a, like a giant bed and breakfast uh, for North North Poleans. I guess, I guess you could say that it's like a, a couple's resort or single people who do come here too. 
and they even have special singles weekends here. Though, well, we did meet at a singles weekend, at Sprinkle and I, but uh, it's a whole different story. But you, yes, uh, most of the time it's for couples to reconnect. Because you say, I miss the person. Okay, so it's just, what do you do? I mean, I know, I get the idea of what you do, but that, you know, what do you do other than doing what you do here? Oh, it's like a date. It's it's good for dating. There's plenty of things. There's sleigh rides. There's horse rides. There's plenty of restaurants. There's movies and mini golf, of course. Uh, Parks for walking. You'll see the town square here. And it's a place to to relieve the tension. I mean, I think that is the important part, and to reconnect. uh, But it's not a place of perfect perfection either. You know, people do have uh, their disagreements, or sometimes the couples need to relieve other tension. You can even come here for couples work, uh, whether body work or uh, relationship-building skills. Uh, they even have couples retreats of, of different kinds, and it's great because you randomly sometimes, I think they have some sort of algorithm they're working on, but they'll say, you'll be sitting at your desk working or your workstation, and they'll say, oh, you do tomorrow, a trip to a trip to Mistletoe Junction. And believe me, it gets your your uh, the eggnog flowing through your veins because you say, oof, I can't wait to get there tomorrow. And you'd be surprised at what a few weeks away, uh, what it does for, 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 but it's, you know what I mean? It really, uh, do you have someone in your life, Addison? I do, but we're kind of in a a spot where uh, there's a different different kind of tension like you were talking about. Uh, Well, yeah, things don't just, you know, it's not always easy. It's not always easy being away with one person at the North Pole uh, either, I know. You know, it just doesn't start, you know, sometimes uh, you find out weeks ahead of time and, and uh, there, there's been different, you know, sometimes you find out the night before and sometimes you send each other letters uh, knowing that it'll be a few weeks because you do have like also assigned weeks uh, and you can exchange, uh, you know, love notes and things and, and it builds it up uh, and you start to plan, whoa, what are we, oh, what films are showing Oh, that, uh, the, the, oh, there's the Laurel and Hardy Festival. You, you could even bid for a weekend. Oh, Laurel and Hardy, we we could throw cream pies at each other. And, you know, they're actually edible cream pies. Anyway, n- enough about uh, Sparkle and Sprinkle. Addison and Casey are what we're talking about. And it's just a very open place uh, to celebrate uh, relationships or, you know, to celebrate... Or my, you, am I making sense, Addison? Yeah, I mean, I can see in the windows of the, everyone enjoying themselves, but not everyone. You're right. Uh, and there's one other thing I didn't want to tell you about it till I could show you. It's here in the center of town is this fountain, Mistletoe Fountain, we call it, because it's Mistletoe Junction. And, uh, you know, it has the, the thing throwing off the water and the pools and the even this beautiful reflecting pool. And you could see the couples come and stand and look into the reflecting pool together. Now, this is where uh, North Pole magic is at actively at work. Uh, what do you mean? Well, okay, so it, everywhere 
where now this is mostly an elven thing, but there's humans and, and like I said, other beings that work at the North Pole. So North Poleans, as you said, uh, everywhere where North Poleans live, uh, that's not the North Pole. There's a version of this reflecting pool. And then in the North Pole, in the different elven villages there, and the human villages, and you get the idea. It, there's a little square with the flowing part of the uh, fountain. So there's the still part of the fountain and the flowing part of the fountain, but to get they're only together here. And uh, traditionally what you do is you go and you look at the, the, when, when you're alone and you're missing the person, you go, and you, this is a tradition, but it also has North Pole magic. You go and you look in the reflecting pool. And it reflects back at you the things you appreciate and you love about yourself that the other, you could see what the other person loves in you, in yourself. And it's really stimulating. It really makes you feel, you say, oh, that is what's lovable in me. And this person, all the way to the North Pole, loves me in that way. And you feel this connection and you feel good. And then in the North Pole, they watch the flowing. Uh, somehow they can feel the flowing of the love back. They can kind of see a reflection, but it's a little bit different. It's not static. Uh, But they could feel your love flowing back to them. You know, it creates this cycle. I guess maybe I'm not doing the best explanation. But why don't you walk up and and take a look uh, in the reflecting pool? Okay. And, And Addison did walk up and look in the reflecting pool. Uh, but Addison didn't exactly like what Addison could see. A person uh, who kind of had uh, given up a little bit but was still loved, uh, like Addison could feel this wanting, uh, like a desire of waiting for a flower to bloom and wondering if it would ever bloom. And Addison went back and sprinkled or sparkled whoever was waiting and so, so did you see something that that helped you, Addison? I, I think so. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, well, maybe you and Casey could come back here one day and, and see it, or maybe you could kind of create your own mistletoe junction somewhere. Uh, there's one other thing, Addison, is, is that also a, when in, in – just think about uh, the other side of the reflection, like looking in and seeing Casey and what you love about Casey. Don't forget that part, even though it's automatic and in the North Pole magic. Uh, make sure to look in there and see what you love about them. Okay, thank, thank you, Sprint, 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 thank you, Sprinkle, thank you so much. Okay, well, thanks for coming to Mistletoe Junction. I'm sorry it's not a single, so, you know, well, I guess you're not a single, though. So have a good good evening. And Addison headed back to Mistletoe Junction, just in time to catch a northern, southern local, actually. And the train was piling on with uh, uh, people, elves and snow people and sentient reindeer and humans miners and dentists and all sorts uh, clapping each other on the back. Addison was the last person on the train. 
Everyone was so filled with relaxation and patting one another on the back. Oh, the time we had, uh, oh, did you try that new flavor of soft serve they had here? It was like everyone was relieved and and, uh, euphoric, uh, basking in the glow of euphoria as the train pulled out. Addison sat back down in a chair, soaking it in. And then Addison looked at the reflection in the mirror of the window at the train as the trees went by. Started to see the things that Addison loved about Casey. The little things and the big things uh, that, it, uh, that Addison appreciated or forgot to take the time to appreciate. The things that Addison already missed uh, in the things Addison would miss. And then Addison's eyes got heavy. And Addison awoke inside the the happiest uh, holiday show. Oh, oh Addison, you, 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 how, how did, did, did you uh, get a good look there? Uh, what, what, yeah. Did I, was, did I fall asleep? Uh, no, it didn't seem like you fell asleep. You're really looking intently. At the uh, missile at the at the train station at the Mistletoe Junction, yeah, it's gonna. I didn't realize. Uh, I was so. Could, could I take a look around the back and the sides? I didn't. I was so busy looking in the windows. I didn't see the uh, town square. In the fountain, can I get the fountain? The the fountain and in that uh, does that? Do they also sell the, that. All comes with the the, the set. It does, Addison. Okay, I'll take the whole thing, uh, and uh, maybe like, uh, do 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 you sell any like out real reflecting pools? Like something I could put outside. Uh, oh, Addison, I think I understand what you're saying. Uh, North Polian reflecting pool is that what you're you're saying? Well, yeah. What, what do you mean? Is it was this all real or what? Well, it's, it sounds like you've got yourself a real holiday. A gift, Addison. And so Addison went home, and Addison hid, of course, the train station, and Casey kept wondering. And Addison went to work in the backyard and put a big box uh, wrapped in weatherproof paper when uh, Casey was at work and installed a reflecting pool. And the holidays came and the gifts were revealed. And Addison felt more present and, and Casey felt that too. And each night they would go out together in, in the reflection of the moonlight, even in the drops of the rain or the cold winter wind. And they would stand at that reflecting pool and sometimes it was frozen. And they would talk about one thing they were grateful for in one another, and they could see the reflection reflected back. Uh, and it was a gift that they kept on going, and they kept on going together, uh, deepening their love. And also Addison would uh, tell Casey stories about Mistletoe Junction, imaginary ones, and sometimes they would involve some uh, role play. That would, you know, only in the holiday season when they would look at the train station and uh, Addison would say, Casey, get a little bit better look there. It was all 
was it the present or the present from the happy holiday shop? Good night. All right, everybody, this is our uh, second episode, but it's a 100% procedural modular holiday series, The Happiest Holiday Shop. And this is a pretty straightforward series. You can listen to it in any order. It's about uh, people that visit this Happiest Holiday Shop. Uh, Just like all of your favorite holiday procedurals, like the the elf who solved the snowflakes and uh, the reindeer who found things. You know, the Christmas tree that came up with solutions and the Kringle that sought out the jingles, just like all those famous procedurals. And, of course, the other ones that aren't as sleepy, like North Pole, you know, SMB, North Pole, 411, North Pole, Northern Lights, MVP or whatever. You know, all those ones also are procedurals. You know, along with other, like, traditional ones, like, you know, Mrs. Kloss, uh, after Santa, where she would, you know, she was, uh, those mysteries, she wrote mysteries and solved mysteries. And, of course, uh, like, uh, Sandra Kloss, that was, uh, Santa's brother. And, oh, MD, it was Sandra Kloss MD. That was, like, you know, another kind of procedural where he would, he would solve things, uh, so there's a couple, this is in the, that great holiday tradition in all the other ones that I, you know, I don't know about or don't make up on the spot. Oh, so my coach just said the snow that spoke. I'm not familiar with that one, so I'll have to Google it later or whatever the search engine is for a, a dog, made up dogs, uh, holiday procedurals. Uh, anyway, so this is, it's got a narrator. So settle into your bed. The snow is falling. The lights are lighting. Uh, some faint music maybe is playing. Which you know, it's you know, auditory, you know, just a spirit of music in the air, and the spirit of uh, you know how holiday revival. Uh, and tonight, uh, this is a story, a story of parent and child. Of Arlo and August, August and Arlo, uh, they live in the same house. Uh, both of them are adults. Arlo, the parent, August, the, the adult child, or offspring, whatever the term you're comfortable with, living together not far from where we speak tonight. And Arlo is a successful multi-level marketer. Uh, happy, uh, engaged, but looking for more. While August, like a lot of us as young adults, is uh, finding August's way, looking and, and saying, huh, I wonder what's next for me. Uh, taking their time in, 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 a, in a kind of place of young discovery. And uncovering their preferences and their relationship with the idea of work and career. But not only those preferences are on August's mind, also preferences around parenting and their relationship with the parent are on their mind this season. Now, Arlo has always been a very engaged parent, very involved in August's life. 
But as the relationship changed with August and Arlo not living together, August going out in the world to study, to explore, to live away, uh, the, the the relationship it didn't become strange, but it it didn't necessarily change. And as August returned home, they kind of fell into a fair familiar. A familiar pattern, if you will. Yeah, it would be more real words. But theirs wasn't so much as a parent or child as uh, August had started to get older. It was, well, maybe I'll let you uh, hear and see it for yourself here. It, it was something maybe less enjoying and, and caring. And, well, okay. Well, I, I, I just want to understand your plan. Like when I make goals, I like to break them down into bite-sized chunks. And then I know what each goal is and what each thing that needs to be done is. You know, smaller and smaller parts. And then and then, then it's achievable. Those little parts are always achievable. What are you going to do today? I, I say, Arlo, what are we going to do today? And then if it seems too much, I say, well, let's make it edible. I, I, I know we've talked about this before. And I know that works for me and it might not work. So what are you, like, tell me more about your plan or what are you working on as far as figuring out this job situation? Uh, August remained silent, just staring back at Arlo. It's not, it's not like I'm criticizing that your plan. I'm not here to criticize it or to criticize your lack of a plan even. I'm just here. It, 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 it's not the how. It's not the how. You're doing things. It's how can I help you do things? You know, I'm here to help you move forward, to, to keep moving, to, to, to move into your life uh, or the next phase of your life. Okay, can, can you just stop, uh, please? What, 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 what is it? Just stop helping, I guess, is what I'm saying right now, at least. Well, okay, then what would, how would you like me to proceed? Would you like me to break it at my, Maybe I could break how I do things into smaller chunks. But I need to, something to go on. What, what is it? Tell me more. I don't, I don't know. You know what? Never mind. Forget Forget it. Forget it. Okay. Well, you know what? I have to get it going. Um, maybe we could talk about this later for dinner or something. Uh, can you do me a huge, huge favor, though? Uh, what? I need you to go in the garage in about 30 minutes and check the cold press. You know, when I was trekking in Bali, I discovered these berries. I'm pretty sure they're a new species of berry or uh, that no one's using them in the essential oil markets. And so I have, uh, there was only a small batch I was able to get and bring back. And they're in the cold press and they should be done in 30 minutes. You know what your opinion is important to me. Like right when they're done, if you could go out there, just make sure the press, you know, everything's functioning because it was like a, it was something weird was going on with it. But they say that these berries have all these medicinal properties, and the fresh berries smelled wonderful. So I just want to make sure that you know nothing in the skin that there's no off smells. I mean, I, we could probably deal with it depending on it. But I just want to know. I just want to know if you like the way it smells. And what you think about it. And also make sure 
Because if it overpresses, like, with the seeds in there, I mean, I'm still getting down the cold press, but this could change everything. I could go from running an essential oil business to being an essential, you know, you know, this is, uh, this could be the next thing for uh, me, for us and for me. So if you could just give me that, okay, you don't have to answer me, but it would be huge. Just, and just give me your opinion. And you know, I'm your biggest supporter. I mean, more than a cheerleader. I just want to help you blaze your own path. I don't need to choose your path. I just want to help. Uh, so anyway, I got to go. I, okay. Love you. And we'll see you later. Bye. And Arlo headed out, and August kind of mumbled and grumbled around the house. Uh, it took a little nappy-poo. And August woke up a few hours later, kind of still a little bit grouchy and groggy. Went into the garage, realizing that it, more time had passed. And as soon as the, the door to the garage opened, August was hit with these smells, these wonderful, amazing smells like sea foam and juniper berry and sunshine mixed together. But this only made August more grouchy, looking across the room at a cold press in the corner of the garage and below it a container of essential oil gathered from the press. August glared at the oil in its sweet golden amber color looked at the crushed berries. And then August looked around the garage, arms crossed, a frown on August's face. And then August's eyes uh, fell at a corner of the garage where stuff they were trying to get rid of and saw a bottle of castor oil sitting there. August grabbed the castor oil, mumbling and grumbling, and shook it up and uncapped it or uncorked it and poured some of it over the berries and so the oil dripped over the berries and into the container, into the oil, slowly it dripping into the oil, slowly changing the smell to something more acrid, changing the color to a, from an amber to a kind of muddy rust color. Then August opened the garage door to air out some of that wonderful, sweet, sweet smell. And August uh, kind of stood there looking at August's handiwork. And then right away, kind of a negative, guilty feelings. What, what did I do? Those were the only, ba- you know, August's head started to fill with thoughts of what I, I shouldn't have done this what, why was I so rash and so August uh, closed the garage door and tried to shake it off uh, tried to pour a glass of iced tea tried to take a shower but the thing, feelings were still there the pending evening arrival of Arlo and so August went out for a walk and started walking and grumbling and talking and Thinking about going and getting a cup of coffee, Arlo headed downtown to this walkable neighborhood nearby. And August started walking the town square, grabbed a coffee, started drinking it, and then Arlo noticed this awning, this this sign. Never noticed it before. It was the happiest holiday shop. Pine bows in the windows and... 
like I said, well, maybe there's something in the ability to solve it. Maybe they sell a scent juniper, juniper berry oil in there. Or seafoam. Is there a seafoam essential oil? August wondered. So August went into the shop and the reindeer bells rang. And the two shopkeeps looked up from working on some miniatures and decorating and smiling and beaming. And they said hello, but August kind of waved them off. And they knew, they almost said, well, how can we help you? But they saw in August's face that wasn't what August was looking for. They said, well, I'm sure you'll find your way. Have a look around. Uh, August started pacing around the shop, uh, looking for those little bottles of essential oil you can see. Some people just see them at the checkout at TJ Maxx while you're waiting in that curly line. Other people see them in other places or at wonderful essential oil shops like uh, Frankie and Murr in downtown San Francisco. But August paced around and didn't see any essential oil at first. Uh, but then something else caught their eye. A wooden box, uh, but not just any wooden box. Uh, it was about... Uh, the size of a, a ice cream cake, I'd say. Square. Could have contained an ice cream cake, but unlikely because it was a wooden box with relief carving all over it. A detailed, rich uh, carving. August reached out and started to touch the carvings. It was this. Was it, was it, were these gods? It looked like one god was pulling something out of a cloud. And I guess to turn the front, the sides, the top, the back, the entire box was covered in different carvings and different little pictures, maybe one story, maybe a ton. And one of the shoppers, it's quite a box, isn't it? A beautiful, beautiful hand-carved box. Uh, be care- be careful," they said. "It's there's it's it's a fra- It may not look fragile, but it is, because they could tell August was about to shake the box because it felt heavy, like there was something in there. It was made from some very dense wood. Then August lightly tapped on the box, and yet it, w- it was a box and not a solid block of wood. And uh, even when August was pressing, you could feel some give uh, that there was many pieces of wood. Uh, August said, what is this? What's, what's this box? What's in it? What's a gift? Uh, the shopkeeper said, isn't it wonderful? August kind of harumphed and looked uh, to turn the box over and over. Is there something inside here? Like, I don't get it. What is this? The What's this? And the shopkeeper grinned, and the other shopkeeper kind of said, It's puzzling, isn't it, that box? It's a puzzling box, hardy har har You know, I guess immediately got the, the hint. It was, if it's a, it's a puzzle box, uh, wow, this is a, well, if it's a puzzle box, what's inside? Ah, the shopkeeper said, ah. You know, I guess, can, 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 I try to, can I try to open it? And then they walked over to August, their calming presence uh, getting close. Well, you see, what's your name? I'm August. Uh, 
this, this is a beautiful, beautiful box, but I, I can't even figure out where to start with this puzzle. Well, there's a story there, August. Uh, but also, when you give a gift, this is a shop for gifts. Uh, usually there's a giver and a receiver. And they let the words hang there. And August was puzzled by this puzzling analysis of the puzzle box. What, what, what do you, wait, wait, give her, wait, wait, what do you mean? Well, just, uh, maybe uh, the shop keeps his struggle to, 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 to tell August. Maybe it takes, uh, more than one set of hands, August, to, to, to unlock the box. Oh, okay. And then August realized that, uh, they had lost a sense of time. You know, you said, okay, I, I, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. Uh, I think though, I gotta press on this uh, one, like a uh, necklace here, and then this. Uh, okay, maybe I'll come. Thank you so much. And August raced home because we knew that Arlo was going to be home soon. When August went in, Arlo was pacing around. Uh, and he said, "Hey, hey, uh, I guess did you smell the berries? It's a disaster." Yeah, it kind of smells weird, like uh, like metallic, like something. It's off. I'm sorry. It must be berries only smell good fresh, or maybe you'll have to try to find another. Fo- Do you have any more berries? No, I don't have any more. That was all the berries. I mean, I could go back there, but if I knew about them, there was other people. On the- that was, I mean, maybe it was just, it was just a pipe dream. Never mind. It just focus on the work, and maybe I could get back there. I think I was just, maybe I'm just a essential oil business owner, or but also a hobbyist. I don't know. Well, I guess I'm listen. I'm so you know I can't I can't talk. I'm just too upset about the berries. It's just to be honest, uh, August. Uh, it was a dream of mine, I guess. Uh, to, 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 I was thinking about, you know, naming, you know, I don't know, never mind. August started to feel guilty as Arlo went off and uh, probably to take a nap or something, I don't know. And August uh, headed back to that shop, uh, thinking about the, the, the clues, not even really listening that much, you know, kind of feeling some uh, lower level guilt about Arlo's berries. August uh, headed back to to the happiest holiday shop, uh, and they were still open. And August just started. I, I just wanted. I just want to check that puzzle. You still have the box, right? Oh, yeah. So right, right where you left it, August. Go ahead. And August went to work, pressing fingers on the cloud and the thunderbolt and some some wreath. Uh, and there was movement there, and there was things you could almost uh, twist. But there was still no give in the box, and then August realized there was another spot. Uh, and August could almost keep it. There was three things in how to press, uh, but they seemed like they all. And then a fourth, uh, but they were further apart than August, the thumb and pinky could reach. And one of them was too small for August's elbow or nose or chin. And uh, the shopkeeps just watched with amusement. And uh, 
August paced around. Okay, August just brought it up. I'm going to buy. I have an idea. Like, uh, I guess I got to buy this. I'm going to buy it right now. And they said, okay, well, maybe just wait to open it till you give it to the giver, August, uh, or the receiver. You know, they, they all had a laugh. They said, would you like some nog? Nardle said, no, no, I got to go. I'm going to go outside, right? I'm opening this box. Uh, August said that. And August went outside after paying for the box. And, you know, hand wooden puzzle boxes are always... Uh, Luckily, August wasn't thinking about the cost, uh, but it was a fair cost. But some people would scoff at the cost, and other people would think it was a bargain. Narla sat down at the ban- a bench right in the park squ- square and ripped off uh, their, shoe- their shoes and ripped off their socks and started to put the puzzle box, uh, manipulating with uh, grabbing a big toe and shoving it into a cloud. And then trying to arrange their other foot around and the other side of the box. And then pressing with... Arlo was in a frenzied state of puzzle box solving. And pretty soon, people started walking by. And, and uh, kids, high school-aged kids, uh, middle school-aged kids started laughing. And, but what do you... What are you, are you, what are you doing uh, uh, and and Arlo, Arlo was just focused on the box, muttering, muttering. And then even adults came. And, and people just didn't know if this was a, some sort of strange performance or uh, August was having a tough time. But most people would say that uh, manipulating a box with your feet in a public park on a public bench is of questionable appropriateness, uh, and August, as soon as the crescendo of laughs uh, reached August's uh, attention, August swept up uh, socks and shoes and headed home. August realized it would be better off to solve it on the floor anyway. August got on the floor in the living room, locked the box, and started working with her toes and the fingers and gripping and groaning in... At some point, Arlo walked in the room and just stood there watching their child struggle with a pub. And they said, August, what are you, what are you doing? Never mind. I'm just trying to solve it. Don't worry about it. I'm just trying to solve this puzzle box. What, with your feet? It's a, a foot-based puzzle. No, it's just like, uh, it, it's a, where'd you get the puzzle box? Oh, the new gift shop, uh. Oh, is it you got it as a gift or you're giving it as a gift? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, oh, this box is beautiful, August. Uh, look at this story on here. This is a, a classical tale from mythology of uh, the stolen boon or the elixir, if you will. No, it's uh, the, 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 uh, I thought it was a, a thunderbolt. Uh, I think it's Prometheus. Uh, well, it, it, it was similar, but this one is a little bit different. Okay, well, it's just a puzzle box. I was going to give it to you, I guess. Uh, but then I was so, I mean, look at this, the, the details on here. And this is a puzzle box. And, and have you figured out, it seems like you're working really hard on it, August. Yeah, it, it's like a, 
there's at least four to six things that have to be pressed simultaneously, I think. Like, I'm pretty sure there's, like, a, these two slide, and then the, the the body of the box comes out, or these two are a lock, and then the top of the box slides off. This really seems like it would be hard to do that with your hands and feet, like you'd need two people. Yeah, that's what they told me at the shop, but I, I think I, 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 well, I've been working. What time is it? It's like one in the morning, August. Oof. Uh, would you, would you want to try to try to do it together? I mean, I guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's get it open. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I don't know. Yeah, let's try to get it open. And August and Arlo went to work on the box, manipulating and pressing and squeezing, and and both were really focused and saying, "Okay, let's try this. Just try adding a little bit less pressure." And eventually, with the combination of four and four, the sides, the long sides of the box, or I guess they were all maybe the same size. I don't know. And eventually, two of the sides of the box popped off, uh, uh, and uh, they they all swept up one. They said, "Look at this! There's some sort of uh, you fold out into glasses or something." And oh yeah, you flip this, uh, and they realized they were a little bit like those stereoscopic glasses. He said, "Well, well, that's that's weird." And they said, what about the top of the box? And they realized it was unlocked as well and just simply slid away. And on the top of the box was a opaque piece of gray glass. Uh, and they tapped at it and they said, what in the, what, like, uh, what's, what's under here? And they tried to, is this something we're supposed to unlock or what was it? Uh, but the glass was fixed. And then, uh, August said, well, what about the other two sides? Uh, and they realized with a little bit more pressing and a little bit more manipulating that the other two sides of the box came off and built into each of the two sides of the box were two circular knobs uh, that you could turn left and right. And when you did, it made a sound underneath the glass. And then Arlo said, "Well, I don't. Maybe this, we must. We must have to use these glasses to look at it." Uh, you know, I guess this is a little bit like a, like that labyrinth game. Like maybe we're just supposed to do it without looking, though. But labyrinth, I think, only has two knobs. And uh, uh, August and Arlo started to put the glasses together, and then they both put them on. And as they both brought the glasses to their nose, uh, to the bridge, over the bridge of their nose and over both their eyes. Much like those, like a cardboard virtual glasses you build, but these were made of wood with polarized lenses, it would be my guess. As soon as they put them to their eyes, they heard this wind, this rushing of wind. And then they realized that they had goggles on and they looked at one another and they were standing in front of a castle and the wind was whipping around them and the gate of the castle was going up. And on the other side was uh, some sort of royal receiver or something with knights uh, 
uh, flanking them. They said, oh, goodness, it's so good you're here. I guess the age of Requarius has returned to our kingdom. Where are we? Uh, Arlo tried to ask. Uh, oh, yes, we've, we've recently expanded the castle to make more room uh, for, for more of the kingdom uh, to share the resources that we do have. It may seem like it's snowing, but this will be a light snow and the water won't carry us very long. We're waiting so long for you to come back. The majestic one is waiting, uh, but I have to tell you, uh, the people are are very fed up uh, with the waiting. And they're not. It's more with the majestic one. Oh, okay, the majestic one. Yes. Uh, what, what, excuse me. What what, you, what names do you go by? How should we refer to you? Well, I'm August. This is Arlo. Okay, follow, follow me, August and Arlo. Arlo, this is uh, what's going on. August, I think this is maybe we're sharing some sort of delusion or something, or maybe one of us is, uh, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe you're dreaming and I'm in your dream. I don't know. But yeah, that, that's probably, uh, what should we do? Oh, we're going into this uh, kingdom room. Uh, majestic one, the snow catchers are here. Ah, yes, come in, come in. Ah, see, good to see you both. I could tell by your strange dress and haggard appearances, uh, your journey has been long. But we must ask you to go on your way right away. The water in the kingdom is low. And I'll be straight to the point. We've been doing the offerings and sending the offerings as normal. And... They've refused to send any other than these occasional light snows, which just seem to get us by. Uh, most people are thinking about abandoning the kingdom uh, because of... Uh, so, you really are. Thank you for coming to the call. I thought we had an agreement with the snow people, but it was an unsigned agreement. It was always an understanding but we've been sending things along. I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but it's just, uh, it's just very, I'm just so relieved you're here. It's just been so long. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, your majestic one. We're uh, here to bear, we're here. We're, what were you referring to us as? Oh, the great water thieves. I guess is that, are you comfortable with that term water bears? Snow catchers, uh, he said you would come in those goggles, and so I knew it would be, I knew we we saw you coming. And even this light snow signaled your arrival. So we could, could we just take you straight to the funicular, and it'll take you up the mountain? Uh, it's normally how we send the offerings up, but please take them along. Thank you. Thank you again for your return. Uh, yes, this way, Augustin Arlo. I'll show you to the funicular. Uh, our leash will see you soon. Just so you know, Augustin Arlo, uh, we're, we're, this is the last chance. If you don't bring water, we, we're going to uh, take the kingdom from the majestic one. Your supplies are dwindling and, and people are thinking about leaving or moving on. It's been a long, dry, desert-like winter here. And some of us are saying, why just send offerings to the snow people? Why not go up there? 
even though legend says we shall none shall rise other than the water bears. Uh, you know, we're thinking about the, to, abandoning the old traditions. So, so please, uh, the majestic one is counting on you, as are the rest of us in some sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, we'll take care of everything. So funicular, with funiculars, it's like a mountain train or something, right? Um, it's the, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, the car that goes up the mountain. So board here. This is normally where we send the offerings up the mountain and they get removed off the funicular. Uh, but no snow has rolled down to us. We don't know if we've displeased the snow people or the snow people are up there. We still hear the rumblings and things. Uh, but Borden will begin pulling the chains to rise you up the, the mountain face. Okay, th 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 thank you. Okay, this thing's moving very low. Um, you're the plan. You're the person with the plan. What, what should we? What should we do? Okay, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, this is weird. I don't know I, if this is a dream. It's really a, a, a interesting dream. What do you think the snow people are? Are they like like a an, an abomination? You know. I, I don't know. I was thinking they'd be more like uh, Frosty, like snow people, like Frosty, the snow person. Okay. Or maybe they're a group of per people. Maybe it's just like uh, the idea of uh, others, like they're just a different uh, a group of people. What do you think of the, the water? So we have to go out there and get water. Well, yeah, like I think, uh, remember, this is if this is anything to do with that box and it's a game of labyrinth, uh, Maybe there's a maze, or maybe we've got to, like, uh, go through a maze. I mean, they talked about, like, did you see those tapestries, like those giant snowballs? Uh, so maybe it's like a, we just got to roll a snowball. Oh, like a giant game of, okay, that's very, oh, I guess that's very perceptive of you. Uh, listen, uh, while we had the time, you know, since this is just so strange, uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what I did, uh, but I seem to have let you down somehow, and and, and, and I don't know how to talk about it or what to say, uh, but you really seem frustrated with me. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this is the best time to talk about it, though. Uh, okay, well, it's just, just I don't know what we're getting ourselves into. This just seems... I mean, I'm just trying to be a part of your life, you know. Okay, well, I just am not comfortable. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, do you know what you want and you can't say it or you don't know what you want? Listen, we're almost at the top of the mountain. Let's just talk about it at another time, okay? Okay, so, okay, what should we do? What do you think when we get to the top of the mountain? Well, yeah, let's just look around and uh, see what we see. And ideally, there's just some leave. I, I mean, like, how did you... I think you just pushed in the labyrinth. You just started the... Okay. Yeah, the labyrinth was the game with the wooden... I, I guess I was forgetting. It's a wooden ball, and you try to roll it through a maze without it falling through holes. Yeah, that's what this one is. 
or maybe I don't know, but that's what labyrinth, labyrinth is. Yeah, like uh, okay, we're up here. It looks like there's all these baskets up here. So they must have been sending. I wonder what you would send to snow people, like carrots and uh, charcoal and uh, two eyes made out of coal. Well, that's if if they're but if they're like the other kind of snow people. Well, I don't know. Like yeti, yeti. You okay? Well, let's just find. Whoa, boy! I'm hearing. You hear that? Yeah, good listening, August. Okay, no, don't validate me. That was one thing I want. When you ask me what I wanted, please stop with the validating, please. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm hearing the same thing you are. Okay, let's crawl up there. What is, is that like a crunching? It sounds like a, a giant, like a, when you walk through fresh snow. Yeah, yeah. Like a, that squeaky, scrunching sound. Okay, okay, you see over there, that's like some sort of town. It's pretty far away, though. It's not where this, it's, maybe it's over to the right, over this hill here. Holy cow, those are rooftops, it, and uh, it looks like, do you think those are snow kids playing there? You see, yeah, I told you, they were like, it's like a village of frost, frosty type, type of people up there. Well, this is just, it, this must be a dream, then. Yeah, it must be. Uh, but uh, the crunching's coming from over here. Let's get to this ridge here. Obviously, there's something about the snow people. Otherwise, they would just all live together. The people would just come up here. Yeah, I don't get... Oh, look over there. Those are all giant... Look at all those giant snowballs. Holy cow, you're right. Uh, it's like they're all just sitting in the field. Those are gigantic, though. Yeah, it's like one or two of those. Had uh, uh, and, and, and if it rolls down the hill, it probably gather more snow. Okay, and those are right by the edge. Of those two or three over there. Okay, I think that's it. I don't know what that crunching is, but let's just maybe somebody's rolling these balls together over there. But yeah, let's just push a, push a couple of these over the edge. I think the cat. I mean, this should be pretty parallel to the where the funicular was. And then once we push the balls, maybe that'll trigger the game to start. August, I think you're, let's go. Okay. Okay, so let's just, if we get to, let's just start pushing this one together. Okay, don't forget to use your legs. Okay, I'll use my legs. Thanks, I've rolled snowball. It's been a while. Okay, wow, this is pretty heavy. Um, okay, let's keep rolling it. If we just get it to the edge here. Okay, did you hear that? Uh, no, no. It just sounded like the crunching, like the crunching was getting closer. But, uh, do you think these are like, uh, statues or something? Do you, like, uh, is one part of the snow person the thorax and one part's the abdomen? Like, how do you think? Because Frosty was two snowballs or three snowballs? I don't remember, August, uh, but that's a good question. I don't know the, um, inner workings of a snow person. I mean, it was ma magic part of it, right? Right, but uh, even magic, uh, I mean, it, you just, I was just quite curious, like, uh, is it, but, but uh, okay, I was like, oh, we're rolling around some thoraxes here. Uh, Arlo, why, why aren't you, uh, did you, August, uh, you better turn around. Holy mackerel. And behind, 
Harlow and August stood a giant a snow person, thirty feet tall. These giant snowballs, they were rolling clearly their lower third, whether their thorax, their abdomen, or their lower body. And this giant snow being was uh, not pleased, uh, scowling, its stick arms uh, gyrating, and possibly guttural type uh, sounds coming from its mouth. Uh, 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 okay, Arlo, um, holy cow, uh, we got to keep rolling this ball. We got to get get it over the edge. We, we should just get out of here, though. No, 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 no. Arlo, you focus on rolling the snowball. I'll uh, I'll create a distraction. You have to get the snowball over the edge. No, we got to get out of here. No, no. It's it, if if this is this has got to be something to do with the game. And we got to get those people their water. Either way, we have to get this snow over, and this is our chance. I don't think this is a good idea, August. But it, it, just start, keep rolling, and focus on the rolling. Uh, hey, uh, Frosty, giant Frosty, have you ever had a Frosty? And the, the, as uh, August kind of started to pester the giant snow person, the snow person obviously was unhappy, and then August ran around. And the snow person kind of rolled a little bit like BB-8, uh, just a lower third rolled. It was a bit mesmerizing, but it also took a while to get the momentum going and crunching of the snow. And so August was jumping and kicking snow, grabbing snow and saying, Hey, hey, I'm going to drink some of this snow right up and kicking uh, lower thirds of other giant potential snow people, saying, what are these, your cousins or something? And, and the, the giant snow being growled and tried to uh, chase uh, August around. But August was pretty spry. Arlo was pushing the ball, but also watching August uh, and saying, August, you got to look out. August, try to go. Just focus, please. Just focus on rolling the ball. I, I've got this. August, no, you, you gotta, you gotta, August, you gotta do, no, no, Arlo, this, I've seen Jumanji like 10 times, just roll that ball and focus on getting the ball rolling. Well, maybe I could help you, no, no, Arlo, please. Hey, are you two, are you two, two eyes made out of mold, uh, for frosty, frosty face, uh, and then the being spoke, uh, water bears, you will bear no water today. Oh, you know what, uh, Frosty? I just realized I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, number one, uh, do, do, would you want some yellow snow on you or one of your uh, potential family members here? And the snow person growled and ran. And and, and, uh, and then August again had to tell Arlo to focus on the snow. But Arlo kept looking back, and August was distracted and almost got a a, a giant hug from this giant snow being. And then August got enough space between the snow being hit kind of behind another thorax and told Arlo, Arlo, this is what I've been talking about. Just focus on your job. You've always got to be focused on me and how I'm doing things. Uh, sometimes you could support me by just focusing on, on you. 
And I don't want a mentor. That's what I've been trying to tell you. I want a parent's. I want love and, and caring. I don't want guidance and advice. I don't want planning. And it was hard for Arlo to hear, and it was confusing for the snow being because it seemed like a inopportune time to have this parent and child moment. Uh, but maybe there was also something uh, resonant uh, for the giant. Uh, it gave Arlo and August enough time and it gave Arlo enough time to process the truth that they both already knew, but just needed to be spoken. And Arlo dug their knees in and started rolling. And August went back to running and dugging and dodging. And Arlo got closer and closer to the edge, but then it like most edges, there was a lip. And they, Arlo couldn't push the, the giant. You know, the snow had grown but August had almost anticipated it and gone on a long run out uh, and lured the giant snow person away. And then August looped back and said, don't worry, I'm coming. Keep pushing. Rock it back and forth. And Arlo hadn't even realized it, forgotten that simple technique of rocking things back and forth. And August started to rock the giant snowball back and forth, uh, or Arlo did. And, and then August arrived just on an upward rock and gave it that last push together. And the ball rolled over the hill. All this kind of happened from Arlo's perspective in slow motion, watching the ducking and diving and and all that, so they were both covered in sweat as they watched it tumble and tumble, and then into a maze-like canyon. They both realized they had been holding their breaths, and as they exhaled, they found themselves back in their living room. On the floor, uh, they both had their glasses in their hands uh, and were looking at one another, and Amazement and disbelief and relief and love. Holy cow, what in the heck just was it? Was that real? Holy moly. And then August said, The ball's loose. We got to, we got to play that, grab the things. They said, Quick, like, see what happens when you turn. And the ball was rolling, and they realized they still had to have their glasses on. But when they returned their glasses tentatively to their faces, they realized that now it was just a polarized glass uh, and that they could see through the opaque glass to this mountain-like maze, uh, very detailed in a giant snowball. And not only that, there was a two-level maze, uh, amazing three-dimensional details, uh, and each knob uh, corresponded to one level. But it was it was even more complicated for your brain processing was that when, you know, if, if one was for your right hand and it was Arlo's right hand, it was left and right. But then the one for on the top maze, but then the one on the left would have been up and down on the lower maze for Arlo and the opposite for, for August. And the ball was constantly traveling between the two levels and had these spring systems. Very, very incredible, incredible detailed work. And they became incredibly engrossed in the game and they were laughing and 
And at times they had to reset the game and, and reset the spring triggers that would launch the ball between level one and level two. And they laughed and, and worked together and, and were curious. Uh, and they were breathing and, and having fun as the tension had been broken between them. And uh, when the holiday came, it was the gift had already been given. Uh, and I, I don't know if it, you know what was told about the berries. Maybe they went to Bali together. Uh, to discover the berries, or maybe August said, well, this is what happened with the castor oil. But it was another happiest holiday via the happiest happiest holiday shop. Uh, Good night. All right, everybody, here we are with the episode of uh, holiday uh, cereal, uh, yeah, cereal, in non episode it's not epi- no 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 it is episodic sorry i always forget these uh how these words work uh it's our episodically modular uh, non serial series a uh, happiest holiday shop and it's a little bit uh, i guess it's already almost the end of the season cuz we're just doing three or four episodes here in this episode 3 I mean, I'm recording episode three. I'm planning on writing and making episode four, but who knows? Uh, but I want to set up the concept for you. It, it all revolves around the happiest holiday shop. And it's a little bit like if uh, a Hallmark holiday special was done uh, as, uh, by uh, Black Mirror, I would say, is like uh, the intersection uh, with a sleep with me. So you say, okay, well that's, but I want it more. And I say, of course it's, it's way more sleepy. So it has a little, uh, vanilla, uh, but it, you know, it has, it has some, uh, you know, elements of sleep with me, a little bit goofy, a little bit twisty and ide- ideally reimagining and, uh, something that, you know, it feels, uh, is 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 sweet, but not so sweet that it would be the Hallmark uh, holiday special. I guess I don't know. It, it's just an intersection of my interest, you know, interest and curiosity. So I guess, like, if the how you know, if they reinvented, the, I don't think that channel exists anymore. But if they said strange tales from the Hallmark holidays, uh, that would be that would be it. I guess that that that's about it. But it's not actually. It's more sleepy than. I mean, there's inherent strangeness to sleep with me. Uh, this just, uh, I don't know. I guess I was, as usual when I set up these series, it always works well. So settle in for a trip uh, to, to the holiday season somewhere else, uh, somewhere uh, that's nice and familiar, but with elements uh, that, like, ideally you don't you don't hear, but you could enjoy if you're if you're up. Uh, and you're with me. I'll be here with you to the end, as I always say, weaving and telling this tale as I got to observe it. Or actually, as I get to observe the narrator of this tale narrating what the narrator observes. All in a world uh, where just down the street is uh, a shop they call. Well, I don't know who, call, I don't say they call, actually the shopkeepers, they, do they ever say welcome? I think they do. Welcome to the happiest holiday shop. And that's what I'll say. Welcome to the world. Welcome 
to the happiest holiday shop. Tonight's story starts with Blake, uh, who's asleep, deeply asleep. Blake is dreaming, but Blake doesn't even know that they're asleep, swimming in warm, embracing, comforting water, surrounded by the water, but breathing naturally, breathing deeply, looking around in a slow, languid way, taking in the world, looking at fish and birds and kelp, coral, in colors, uh, purples and greens, vibrant in a spectacular array of colors as Blake drifts, soaking in the richness. And as Blake observes, uh, also feeling observed, feeling the eyes of the fish watching, even the kelp watching, uh, dancing kind of in the water, spinning around, uh, feeling the energy from being observed, and starting to sense that the watching is what Blake is breathing and saying, wait a second, uh, breathing so fully, so naturally, and I'm floating, but I can feel it on my skin, not like air, like water. Is this a dream? Blake wonders. Is this real? But luckily, because it's a water, the thoughts kind of drift away, and as it drifts away, like bubbles towards the surface, uh, that captures Blake's attention. And Blake follows the bubbles as they head towards the surface of the water. And as the surface of the water gets close, Blake starts to become mesmerized at the reflection, uh, looking back, uh, the sea floor, all of the fish and the plants and the coral life around Blake, floating behind, uh, drifting, but also a reflection from beyond or something, the sky and the clouds also behind, kind of like looking at a reflection in a steel drum or some out-of-focus compound eyes. Blake floats there, looking and, and seeing the clouds pass over starfish and seeing starfish in the blue sky and then Blake starts to feel other things watching from the other side of the steel drum and Blake reaches out and realizes that it is well it's not a steel drum it feels like a steel drum that it feels like the surface isn't penetrable but Blake's still calm uh but curious pressing against the reflection, wondering how to get through. And then something else catches Blake's attention, another fish looking, or a clam. I can't even see the clam's eyes, but I feel 
like the clam is watching me touching the surface or wondering about the surface of this water. And then Blake starts to kind of feel like everybody's singing happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. And then, of course, uh, Blake rolls over in something about the surface of the blankets or the sheets that Blake's cheeks it touches a cool, cool pillow. If something stir, stirs Blake out of sleep. Oh, wait a second. Oh, it's asleep. What a dream. This is a dreaming. I was uh, swimming in, in a dream quickly recedes into the background. As Blake gets up and, and gets out of bed, heads to the facilities, there's many, many, you know, they skip those parts in most tales, and we'll skip it here. The teeth brushing, the sock putting on, the face washing, it all goes down with the sense of a dream just left, a dream of depth, uh, of immersion, but what was it? What was it? Was it was it, it was a dreaming about anything? Uh, and Blake's thoughts feel drifty. What do I have to do today? And then Blake's thoughts drift to Casey. They've been friends for a long time, Blake and Casey. As Blake's day and morning continues on, I kind of feel you in. So Blake and Casey have been friends for a long time. Now, a few things you might want to know. Maybe they'll make it easier for you to relate. Uh, Blake is a classic beauty, a beautiful person. Uh, by by most definitions, you'd say there's something striking uh, if you saw Blake or you'd remember Blake. There's something light and effortless about Blake's motion through the world, confidence, but then if you sat there and really observed or uh, if you could break through your curiosity or you're swept up uh, in the outside, you'd see, huh, uh, it, it's hard to see, actually. And Blake probably would back me up on this, uh, even though narrators and characters aren't supposed to interact. Uh, I'd pause it to say... Blake would say, it's not as easy as it looks, but it, 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 my, my life uh, so far. Yeah, it's had some breaks and it's had some uh, ups and higher ups and maybe some downs and some dull times. And yeah, I get a lot of attention, a lot of positive attention, a lot of encouragement, a lot of support. Things may seem to go my way. Financially, I do a little bit better than getting by, and I do enjoy myself. Uh, but between those words, uh, and maybe this is just my job as the narrator, though the person that makes the podcast is currently telling me it's not my job as a narrator to do this. But if you listen between the words, you'll hear something a lonely space between the words, between Blake's words, I mean, in particular. Between the flashbulbs of attention, uh, there's a darkness, maybe, is a pushing a metaphor that's applicable here. 
So that's a little bit about Blake. Uh, Blake's terribly likable and and pleasant and and nice. And strangely enough, a bit of a loner uh, in the midst of all that attention. Never much for, for clicks uh, and, and things. You might say, well, it seems like uh, Blake would be heading up a click. Uh, not in this case. Uh, and Casey is uh, another bit of a loner. You'd say, not like Blake. Uh, Casey is someone that spends a lot of their time thinking, a lot of their time struggling, a lot of their time on the ups and the downs and the, the predicting, the assessing the past. Uh, Casey's a bit like uh, characters you might know, podcasters you might even know. Casey's got a sense of humor and Casey's got a bit of an edge. But Casey isn't someone you'd cast, uh, and it, Casey's a little bit forgettable. We'll, we'll say it because Casey can't hear me right now. And I don't mean that. I just mean it as a factual way. Uh, Casey tries to be a bit blurry, a bit forgettable, because it, it, while it doesn't always feel good, it makes uh, Casey feel pretty safe. But for some people, there's a magnetic energy there as Casey tries to remain isolated, uh, to remain in a world of dreams, a world of books, a world of imagination, sometimes uh, fantasy and sometimes uh, a more ominous uh, imagination. It can be a magnetic draw sometimes. But magnets also kind of have a repulsion to them. And uh, so Casey's a pretty lonely uh, individual. And uh, Blake and Casey's friendship, strangely enough, came from a love of the Manchichi franchise. In the glory days of Manchichi. And, uh, you know, seeing even as I, as a narrator, I'm unfamiliar with more or less, except for maybe... Seeing one perched on the end of a pencil. But the two of them, uh, the two of them were drawn together uh, by, by their love of this and, and going to conventions, uh, at first separately without being aware of one another. Well, I shouldn't say that Casey was aware of Blake. But Blake, uh, just like you could imagine, floated through the Manchichi fan community, where Casey lived a Manchichi fan life of quiet, contemplative observation. But away from the conventions, Casey was always hard at work at Manchichi fiction, and uh, you know, erotic fiction sometimes. And it had a humorous uh, angle to it, uh, but it was also uh, had a, a depth to it, an intensity to it, uh, a warmth to it, a passion to it. And it, it, it was something that uh, Blake started to discover, and not just uh, like uh, not just the After Dark, Manchichi After Dark. Uh, was the only title the podcaster could think of, but uh, there was also other tales and other reinventions of genres 
in Casey's fan fiction. And sometimes uh, Casey was imagining uh, Blake uh, as they started to discuss these things online. And and Blake kind of started to uh, encourage Casey. At first, for Casey, it was the attention was a little bit confusing because uh, it was a, a traction around interests. Uh, and that was all it was for Blake. And at first, uh, something in the attention swelled in Casey, buoyed. Uh, and, of course, naturally, Casey kind of felt drawn to Blake uh, romantically. But at the time, Blake's attention was elsewhere, moving through uh, uh, living Blake's life. But beyond the attraction was their love of Manchichi and their love of fun and their love of laughing. And so they became friends, and Casey kind of, uh, you know, would, be, would still hold this fantasy and then be disappointed uh, that Blake, the two of them remained just friends. And uh, they, they spent a long time of their 20s together, but they lived in separate cities, so it was more of a virtual together, a together over Manchichi, and then other fun things they found, you know, anything sharing one or another's sensibilities. But meanwhile, their regular lives were pretty different. Uh, Blake's, uh, at least from the outside, was living an awesome life, uh, an amazing life. And Casey would say, my life's a bit forgettable, a bit dull. And, you know, we could get into it. They just say, well, they're both rich uh, in in their shades of living, in their shades of gray. But that was their lives, and that was the overlap uh, but there was a sense, at least, uh, and maybe there was too much interference with Blake that uh, there was something special about Casey, and maybe that uh, uh, though Blake would probably deny it that uh, there was something about Casey's romantic attention uh, that excited Blake. But Blake was, you know, maybe too young, or maybe a different, younger value system about what Blake wanted. And they made a, a kind of an agreement to one another. They said, hey, w w what about when we uh, turn 30? W what do you think about if we're both still uh, one of those packs, you know, you might have with a friend or uh, a former, uh, you say, when, when we get to this point, uh, maybe we could couple up. And uh, it was a strange reaction for Casey. Uh, at first, it was like, oh, you, wow. But then as uh, time grew on and and Casey kind of uh, got more Casey-like, uh, Casey kind of pushed, no, you know, a life with Blake isn't an option for me. Anyway, that's where our, our – hopefully I gave you enough information there because Blake's almost at, to Casey's house now. And Blake uh, has uh, been thinking a lot about things uh, because the big 3-0 is uh, right around the corner. The New Year's Eve, I think they said. I apologize as an narrator. I'm a bit behind uh, 
uh, after we both turned to three O, maybe we'd head to Vegas and, and Blake, Blake's, uh, acutely aware of it. And as Blake's, uh, been processing things, uh, thinking Casey's pretty great. And what is behind all that writing? I've only thought about it one or two times in stolen thoughts. Uh, what, uh, if uh, Casey has that same softness, uh, but uh, beyond that warmth, uh, when writing about Manchi cheese, where does that come from? What's uh, flowing out of that wellspring? And uh, but Blake at first was like, no, 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 no. But getting more and more adjusted to the thought and. You know, none of us get back to actually blame Blake for when you say, well, uh, kind of making some b- pretty big assumptions that uh, Casey should, well, maybe we, oh, yeah, Blake said, hey, Case, what's up? Uh, not, you know, just, just, uh, you're getting some stuff done. Uh, uh, it was, I haven't gotten a chance to work on that, uh, the super manchichi thing, but, uh, I know I just said I'd show it to you. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was just trying to make my New Year's plans. I wanted to see. I mean, I know we're going to hang on, uh, like, uh, Christmas Eve for a little bit uh, before I go over to my mom's house. But um, I don't know. I was thinking about New Year's Eve, you know. Um, yeah, well, uh I believe it or not, I got. I actually already have New Year's Eve plans. I know I normally just take a bath on New Year's Eve, and uh, you laugh about it, and then we call each other at nine, and I say, "No, I'm really in the bathtub," and you're always at a party. <laughs> you, you're not. You, I know. You, I, that's what I love about you. Like uh, that. That takes so much courage to just be in a bathtub on New Year's Eve at nine o'clock. Yep, courage is. Yeah, usually I'm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this New Year's, I, I kind of have, uh, something going on. Well, uh, we, 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 like, uh, cause I thought, like, I was thinking, I've just been thinking a lot about New Year's, you know, like in our, you know, our friendship, things we've talked about, uh, our futures, uh, you know, New Year's Eve stuff. Well, um, I don't know if you remember Blair, like Blair and I were, were kind of uh, together, then not together. Oh, yeah, Blair, right. It always get that mixed up with me, like Blake and Blair. It's, don't you think that's kind of like a little bit, uh, um, and well, uh, Blair's like uh, a company sold, uh, the, the collectible site Blair's just started. So, um, we're going to, like, we're, I mean, like, uh, it's great to be in town and be in the same town as you, uh, but we're going to move. Uh, wait, okay, well, I mean, we've always kept our friendship. I mean, I'm, uh, what, like, move move permanently? Yeah, yeah, like, uh, for the two of us. But you can't, you always said you couldn't, uh you didn't want to live with anybody. You wanted, you always wanted to live on your own. Well, you know, it's like, uh, we're getting to this point and, uh, I got to make a decision and, uh, Blair's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, relationships, uh, uh, 
were you going to say it's okay? Uh, was, yeah, it's pretty, it's okay. And the like money the site sold for, it's not like FU money, but it is like, uh, let's kind of move around money. And maybe we could like, uh, work in cafes. Uh, maybe, uh, it, like if I could like get start selling some of this, uh, spec stuff, it wouldn't be spec, but it would be like, uh, equivalent of like 10 bucks an hour. And then like, uh, with the things, uh, well, that sounds like kind of like more than just moving with somebody. That sounds like a kind of partnership. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're like, we're, we're getting, we're getting together. We're partnering officially partnering like like uh, in a ceremony and stuff yeah yeah i mean once like uh like yeah new year's that we're gonna uh do it and then head head out oh uh do you are you like in love with uh blair i mean it's complicated i mean we get along and we like each other, and it's just is sensible. Like, what else am I going to do? Uh, stay in the bathtub every New Year's? I mean, that's cool. But I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about it. And, you know, it's like uh, where we're at. Uh, I mean, for you, it's easy. For me, it's not. How, how's that sound? Wow. That's... Uh, uh, it's like you're using your relationship like some sort of utility or something. I mean, yeah, it's a it's like a, a, a source of stability. That's going to be my relationship, I guess. Uh, I thought you were my friend. Like I could talk to you openly and be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I mean, life's not. This is like the gray that we live in. Uh, uh, you know, there's uh, Casey's and Blair's and then there's Blake's and not everybody gets to be a Blake. Oh, whew. you know, w believe it or not, the reason I came over here was because I was thinking about, uh, our New Year's, uh, our New Year's agreement. Um, wait, what do you mean? Like our New Year's agreement to one another, but I guess you already have an agreement. You mean like us two? together yeah that's what i meant uh, never you know what forget the whole thing like okay here's one question for you is that how my is it am i like a utility for you too like i get to encourage you in your writing and we get to laugh and like uh is that like how compartmentalized things are like i'm just your Oh, there's the my easy friend that just strolls through life. Uh, you know, I get I gotta go. Ne you know what? Never mind. I, like, uh, congratulations. If you want to invite me, I, I, let's just talk about it later. I gotta go. And so Blake walked out of Casey's house. Now, that was a, that was a little bit of a ride, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary. But. Uh, it's going to be okay. Blake's uh, tough. And one thing we didn't mention about Casey beyond the Manchichi, and something Blake never really took an interest in, just an observation, is that outside of Casey's house on the holiday season, 
Casey puts up a tent, and inside that tent, Casey puts a big wooden desk, a giant wooden platform, you'd even call it. And on that platform is not just a train set, but a, a village of collectible holiday houses. But not just one style. There's some Victorian, and there's some from theme parks, and there's some Casey got at a garage sales or estate sales, some from airplane magazines, and some, you know, after the holiday sales, the ones that had to be chipped and repaired and repainted. So a mishmash of holiday kind of sweetness, uh, but at a distance. And for the first time, Blake stops and really looks at it. It was always just one of Casey's uh, things uh, to Blake. Uh, not, uh, you know, as appealing. The holidays were kind of just a time of events. And this was one of the events, Casey's uh, turning the power on the holiday display. And uh, now it's time to soak it in uh, how different it is, but how there's uh, some little parts of the town that are themed in a hill and everything. There's like uh, one of the ones has uh, a continuous motion of uh, by magnets or something, uh, kids sliding down a hill. There's a Ferris wheel and there's a carousel. There's a bunch of Dickensian houses. Uh, there's even a, a den of a Fagin. When you look in the windows in some of them, there's characters in some of them. Casey's redone it uh, and put Annie inside of uh, uh, with uh, Oliver sitting on a bed talking. Uh, there's a bunch of details, but it kind of none of it comes together. Uh, like a patchwork of patches. And you say, what did you iron? You ironed that one on and sewed that one on. Interesting. But all on a hill, slowly going down uh, to a tree. And then even a river flowing over the edge of, I guess, this town's existence. A, a fake river made from some sort of acrylic or something. That when the lights hit it, it almost looks like it's flowing. And Blake soaks it in and looks, uh, sighs, and uh, it feels a deeper magnetic pull. Like, uh, But there's also something about it that uh, kind of sets a boundary, too, it makes Casey more attractive, but even more distant. Uh, uh, there's something also cool about it, even though there's even incandescent lights in some of the houses. But Blake uh, is a person uh, with uh, some hidden depth uh, and... Uh, an ability to just look at this display and feel these feelings and nod and make a decision. Uh, also to feel some pride that Casey made this, uh, but also to feel the sting of, of, of is this a, a friendship as utility? 
or love is utility. And Lake heads off uh, towards the town square for a walk. And as they go by the shops and the movie theater, Blake sees an awning. Blake hears uh, whirring and the uh, mechanical sounds of music making machines. Uh, the clink of reindeer bells as a family exits the shop and the awning reads the happiest holiday shop. Blake goes in and, and starts looking around. And this time, the two shopkeepers are quiet. They're watching Blake, and Blake's uh, feeling their eyes in a non-obtrusive way. Uh, because Blake's not even sure, what am I here for? And they must know it, too, fumbling around. And then starting to look, is there a house that Casey doesn't have? Is there something... That, that would fit this mismatched display. And uh, Blake's more engaged uh, than the, the, one of the shopkeepers. Uh, she looks, uh, excuse me, looks like you're a uh, little bit, uh, you, you looks like you kind of know what you're looking for, but I don't know if you mind me saying it. Is everything okay? Uh, I mean, not great. But thank you. Uh, I'm just looking for something for someone, and not you know I'm not feeling. Yeah, I mean it's pretty obvious, huh? Yeah, but I was going to say welcome to the happiest holiday shop, but it just didn't seem fitting. I didn't, you know. Uh, but yeah, it looks like how can we help you today? <sighs> well, how about some peppermint tea? Why don't you take a, a seat here, and and uh, we're just we just have a, a pot at the perfect drinkable temperature right now. Why don't you have a, a sip of tea with us? Okay, that would be, be be nice. Thanks. Yeah, th this tea's nice. You, 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 like, uh, it seems like, I don't, hope you don't mind me saying this because I don't mean it as a value judgment, but it seems like you're feeling a little bit empty or something. Is that anything? Yeah, you know, I, I just don't, I don't really want to talk about it too much. I'm just here looking for something for a friend and, uh, you know, it was, I guess I want to do something special. Is it uh, someone like, uh, do, do you want something, a gift that says something or that uh, translates or something special? What do you mean? I don't know. I guess like something maybe to remember me by. I, I don't know. Does it like, uh, but not to be showy. Ah, okay. So they're going. You're going. They're going away. Yeah, they're moving. They're moving away. Okay, okay. Let's. Uh, so something to remember you by, but something not showy. And we. I noticed you were kind of looking at some of the uh, different houses we have, and you know, there's all these different styles of displays and cultural displays. Or nostalgic displays. Uh, is there something about that that caught your eye? Yeah, there was. Like uh, Casey, that's who it's for. Is uh, has one of those displays, and it's actually just like just about every of those things put together, every cultural thing, and every nostalgic thing all mashed up into one village. <laughs> well, you you wouldn't believe this. We've been running this shop for a long time. And, uh, 
We we've seen we've seen that type of uh, it's more popular than you might believe. Really, what do you call it? Well, we call it dad jeans, but that's just kind of an inside joke between the two of us. It doesn't really mean. Oh no, I totally get it. I totally get it. Like a big, it's like a big jumble. Like yeah, no, I get it. Okay, so you're looking for something unique, something one of a kind, uh, something maybe that reflects you a little bit, right? I mean, a bit, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but you, you seem less jumbled and more sleek, or maybe not sleek, what's the word, but refined or elegant, uh, yeah, 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 okay, uh, yeah, for sure, but being refined and elegant has a cost to it, too, um, I mean, do you mean expensive or, well, I, I was thinking more of like, uh, that it can be lonely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But you have this like kind of warmth, uh, you, you radiate this warmth, uh, but maybe it comes out of that lonely spot, huh? Yeah. I thought I was here for a gift, but I, I didn't realize, is this going to be a 50 minute session and, and, uh, do you do sliding scale? Oh no 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 we don't we don't do sliding scale no 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 <laughs> okay well, I'll have to call my insurance company then no 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 this is all uh, uh, the gifts cost money the discussion is free we're, we're just let's just let's switch back to this Casey character is Casey kind of a little bit of uh, like uh, a little bit different than that huh. Like underneath all of the display is uh, something uh, cold that radiates warmth or something or absorbs warmth. or I, I, I don't quite know how to put it, even though I don't know, Casey. Yeah, something like that, I guess. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, absorbs warmth might be the thing that... Uh, yeah, but I just... Okay, well, let's just take a look. at we, We've got something over here that might connect your interests. And this is something, a very, very unique piece that no one ever notices. Uh, it's totally forgettable here in our shop. And normally, uh, you might look at a shop like ours and think we scorn technology. Uh, but you, you're going to be very, very impressed. I think this is what you're looking for. It's right over here. On the edge of this, uh, just this tabletop display. It's very, very special, but I don't even know. Take a special. It, it, it's is it that mirror? It's a miniature mirror. Is that real? Oh, I, I, we, we we could tell you're you're very good at uh, observing these things. Yes, it is the mirror there. It's a miniature mirror, just the same scale as most of these holiday towns. And it's just like a, a stand-up antique mirror. It's 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 very cute. Uh, okay, we'll get down there and take a look at that mirror. It, it's really reflecting that child looking in it, and, and it almost has that patina of uh, antiqueness to it. Okay, and keep looking. At, uh, oh, yeah, I can see the other things in the town. Uh, reflecting, so it's a real mirror. 
keep keep looking at the mirror. Keep looking at really, really. Uh, you got. Wait a second. Is that the other person that works in the shop? Uh, in the mirror or inside the mirror? It's like your partner's in there. Is it? Wow. That's how are you doing that? Oh, geez, uh, you're very, well, yeah, come on back. Let's just show you the back of the shop uh, because this is a two-part thing. There's the miniature mirror, and then back here, oh, my goodness. It's a life-size version of that mirror, and it's absolutely striking. Yes, it's uh, it's kind of a two-way, and, and I can kind of explain. Oh, this is the, 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 the frame of it is. It's is this gilded? It's is that like a hand painted? Yes, it's uh, ornate. Oh yeah, like the uh, wait. Uh, this is a little store even in here. Uh, I, I, I okay, I, I'll take it. Like, uh, is it actually antique or? We, well, we could explain to you kind of how this side works. No, no, no. I'll take it. I, I don't even need. This is a beautiful mirror. It could be a gift to myself, even. And then the, the, the mirror at Casey's, uh, Casey might not even notice. Well, don't you want us to tell you? No, no, I'd, I, I think I'll be surprised. Uh, there's no, no, no tricks to this mirror, right? I'll be able to figure it out. It's intuitive. Actually, it is. Okay, let's say, uh, why don't you, uh, okay, thank you so much. Thank you. And so, uh, Blake got the mirrors, the one tiny, tiny mirror, and the one life-size, you know, folded down. This is the stuff just like in the morning that doesn't get told, the folding down of the back seats, the carrying of the mirror, the paying and the costs. And then Blake drove over to Casey's house and took the small mirror and placed it. First, watched the display. Night still hadn't fallen, but it was close to dusk, uh, and tried to find a spot, and then decided right at the waterfall at the edge of the world to place a mirror there, and then found a character that looked a little bit like uh, Belle in the few scenes from Beauty and the Beast, uh, either version where Belle is in winter garb. And put Bell looking into the mirror off off axis, uh, so that mostly what the mirror was facing was the entire display. And uh, Blake moved a couple other characters uh, so they could kind of be like looking at the mirror uh, instead of looking at the holiday tree or the other holiday displays. And then Blake headed home, uh, didn't alert Casey, uh, didn't say anything at all. And then Blake got home and set the mirror up, looked for a place to plug it in, and then said, oh, this probably like works in some sort of solar power. They said it was very high technology. The mirror was heavy, but Blake was strong. Blake set it up uh, and then sat at the edge of, of the bed and looked in it and studied it. Uh, looked around the bedroom. Uh, looked uh, in the mirror. Uh, you know, did the old eye contact with yourself kind of thing. 
and then started to notice the little dots, you know, mostly towards the top part of the mirror with these more antique mirrors. Uh, you see, what is that, like quicksilver? And then started to think of it as snow, and then started to think of it as lights, and then followed it down. And then they started to see Casey's display in the mirror. Now, it wasn't in real time, but it it was in some sort of real dream time. Part of Blake's mind was trying to analyze, like, uh, you know, what video codecs and how did they get my Wi-Fi? But really, uh, watching the display through this, it almost looked real. And uh, real enough to stand up and walk closer to the mirror to really look in and see the Ferris wheel moving. Then off uh, on the other side of the hill, the carousel. Then the children sledding. uh, And uh, then uh, hearing them laughing. And then suddenly Blake was uh, looking around, uh, really there in the town, a bustle of a strange, strange activity for just like the real display. This world was every genre and period piece at once. Uh, People bustling like a a strange time travel mashup movie, Dickensian characters rushing to a 1950s uh, five and dime and, uh, you know, just all sorts of uh, a strange, strange world, but uh, totally mesmerizing. Uh, cars moving, horses and carriages, you know, old lamps and spotlights and holiday, you know, carolers, a whole nine yards. And... Uh, Blake started to explore the town more, and then started to notice that people would come up and look uh, right into Blake's eyes, and then they would say something. Uh, but it was never—it was always uh, disjointed and disconnected. Uh, the first few times, it felt like it was directed at Blake, but it quickly it seemed like, "Well, you're never going to make him happy." Was the first thing. A mother kind of seemed with her arms full of packages. Uh, yeah, but then it was just someone that said, that banker's never going to prove it. Uh, then it was Oliver and Annie holding hands, uh, uh, talking about it, and uh, became more confusing to Blake. Uh, everyone uh, looking uh, but talking about something unrelated to who Blake was. And uh, even though this was a strange dreamlike thing, it made Blake feel a little lonely, wanting to connect uh, to other people in this amazingly strange world. Uh, and maybe there was a level of uh, hyper-feeling in there because of uh, magic, I don't know. But uh, Blake started to kind of wander around town, wondering, each encounter becoming a little bit more confusing and and, and draining. And uh, so Blake walked around and then uh, went into the five and dime and headed over, because so many people had talked about appearance, uh, and that was something that always uh, had such a role in Blake's life. Uh, 
Like, so what am I, what, what, am I just don't belong in this world, maybe? And uh, finally, Blake got to a mirror in the five and dime in the clothing section. I saw another mirror looking back, uh, a mirror reflecting a mirror reflecting a mirror. And uh, Blake was uh, at first like, what, you know, what in the heck is going on? But with stronger language. But then Blake started to feel really cold. Uh, on more than one level, and ran out of the five and dime, ran out of the town and headed into the hills, uh, maybe a part of the hill that wasn't in the original display, a cold hill. And Blake uh, kept feeling colder and colder, and uh, Blake noticed that the sun was out. It turned to the sun, and uh, it was still cold. In something in Blake's intelligence that you, if I don't get warm, I'm be stuck as a mirror in this uh, strange place. Uh, but I must be reflecting the sun, so I gotta find another way to do this. Uh, and then Blake ran back to the five and dime, ripped the mirror, other mirror, which must have been strange even in a uh, strange fantasy world, seeing a mirror rip a mirror off a wall. And uh, headed back to the town square, and Blake set the other mirror up, uh, reflecting the sun back at Blake, and that didn't work. Blake was still cold, and uh, could hear the chattering of people following after uh, a mirror taking a mirror without permission from a five and dime, and of course the other genres of people watching. Maybe even Marty McFly was shooting through this universe uh, to get to Doc Brown. Who knows? Yeah, but Blake kept it trying and, and trying and then angling in the mirror. And then, uh, and then Blake, uh, kind of heard these, all these different mismashes of, uh, holiday tunes. Uh, and of all of the sounds that rang out was a song, a sound of a steel drum, probably playing with like a dulcimer and a harpsichord, but, uh, you know, these undeniable sounds, uh, and Blake ran over and grabbed the steel drum, of all things, which created a bit more of a hubbub, and angled the mirror, uh, reflected the sun into another mirror, angled into the steel drum, uh, just uh, facing. So kind of a three, you know, sun into Blake, uh, reflected off of Blake into the other mirror, reflected into the steel drum which was also placed on top of a rock, which I don't know if this had to do with it because I am only a narrator. But then things started to warm up. Uh, was it the, the broken reflections of the steel drum or was the steel drum heating the rock, which was radiating the heat? The rock that was still cold on the inside? I don't know. But eventually Blake uh, warmed up and uh, Blake uh, uh, set the mirror from the Woolworths in the same spot uh, that the miniature mirror from the town was set up in. And uh, things just started to drift. Uh, and uh, then Blake uh, woke up uh, at the foot of Blake's bed in Blake's room and the mirror was there. And looking in the mirror, 
you could see Casey's eye, the, the display, like maybe a live version. Casey looking at the display and looking at the mirror and this satisfaction of Casey seeing the mirror and seeing the town behind it uh, reflected back and even the bell and Casey was touching the bell and moving it a little bit. And then Casey uh, pulled out a manchichi and uh, intertwined the manchichi's hand with bells uh, and uh, uh, set them both kind of looking off at the mirror so they could see the reflection of the village. And Blake was still kind of staring in the mirror, smiling. Uh, and something about the, the, the thing had mesmerized Casey. Casey was the one looking in the mirror. And Blake was watching everything, too, and seeing Belle and Manchichi holding hands. And then Blake's phone buzzed, uh, and it was a text from Casey. Thanks for the mirror. Uh, good night. Uh, thanks, everybody, for enjoying this uh, holiday tale from the happiest holiday shop uh, uh, good night and happy holidays to you. All right, everybody, welcome to our ongoing holiday, uh, totally episodic and modular series. One hundred. This is the most episodic we've ever done since the last time I made that claim. Uh, but these episodes are to- so episodic that this one it, it's probably episode four, but it really is the uh, part of a prequel. Uh, before the other three episodes, uh, but it really doesn't reveal anything you would have needed to know in the other three. That makes it, that's what makes it episodic, maybe, or modular. It's more of an ongoing, it was only four episodes, but it was ongoing. For their lives, the characters, uh, their lives, and they'll actually, will learn their names, uh, finally. I don't know if anybody's been asking, but, uh, uh, because uh, the whole series is concluded before an episode came out, but you'll finally learn the main characters' names. Well, they weren't the main characters, but this episode, spoiler, they are. Uh, it may have given you too much information already, but uh, don't worry. It'll take a while to get there. It'll be slow going, and it'll be sleepy. But this is our uh, holiday series, Happiest Holiday Shop, a uh, tale of a holiday shop uh, that... Uh, is named the happiest holiday shop and the tale of the customers and the visitors to the shop and uh, just their stories. Uh, so that's a little bit about this uh, series. And uh, I think that's all you need to know. It's a holiday season series. Uh, it's just more about the holiday series than any particular, or season, you know, season than any particular holiday. It was a gift-giving part of it, of, of uh, those traditions. So here we go. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, the Happiest Holiday Shop. Uh, yes, uh, welcome to the Happiest Holiday Shop. I'm your narrator. You could call me Burl, but that you know, if you want to, but that's just because of an upcoming character name. And I don't know if you remember uh, the, the, the tale of Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, or the different portrayals in film and television of Ebenezer Scrooge. Maybe an actor springs to mind. But for now, as the actor is in the foreground, I want you to take a look at the background, in particular 
where Ebenezer Scrooge and the other young person whose name escapes me worked at it. I want to say Tom Hardy, but I don't think, uh, I wonder Tom Hardy wouldn't be a good Scrooge. More of the, uh, maybe a character in Oliver, I think would be better for Tom Hardy. Though if Tom Hardy wanted to play Ebenezer Scrooge or, uh, is still buying myself time to remember the other uh, character, but we were not talking about the characters in Scrooge. We're talking about an office, uh, normally portrayal this uh, stark and cold, uh, there for business, the business, I guess, of lending money, I think, uh, formal, uh, sparse, and it's uh, there our tale starts in a modern version of that uh, sparse place, a place that's a little bit cold. And that's where Gene works, uh, who would concentrate on working away at a desk. Behind Gene, someone older named Ives. Uh, and you could see a resemblance in their faces, uh, intergenerational, but they're related, it's clear. And this office is also a place where money is lended and money is invested. It's a, compact, a complex uh, a financial business. We'll learn more about it, uh, expository dialogue, coming up one of your favorite features of this program. But it's a, a fan, and again, I didn't get all, the uh, producer of this podcast uh, did, didn't give me, a, but this is a complicated family trust uh, that lends money out, and there's a couple of extra quirks to this business. A few things you should know, even though the general gist of the business is on me, is that every weekday, every workday, this shop is open or this business is open. Banking holidays excluded, every day they must make a loan. You see, this business was started years ago by a wiser family member a few generations ago. And they decided that this would be one of the rules of the family trust. And lots of family members have benefited from this. They rely on the money generated by these loans. And it's just 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 an interesting idea that the benefactor had to say, that the benefactor had to say, if the money, if a loan isn't made every day, if all the money goes away. I think that was the exact thing. And they said, is there rhyming allowed in wills and trusts? And uh, the benefactor probably would have had a chuckle at that. Uh, and Gene, who's working in the shop with Ives uh, from the previous generation, Gene kind of drew the short stick. Uh, Gene's siblings and cousins, uh, uh, no one else wanted to work with Ives, who was not exactly Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, but it's not exactly fun, and it's a, actually was maybe an avoidance by the other uh, relatives, because they said, well, this is a lot of pressure. Everyone counts on this. And the idea of making a loan every single day within certain parameters uh, that uh, aren't super important, you know, it just can't be $1.00. And it has to have a likelihood of getting paid because everyone else counts on it. Uh, so you have to make good choices. Uh, 
but also based on the values of the family and the benefactors that, hey, we want to give other people a chance, uh, raise up other people and other voices and other ideas. What we also want is, you know, sensible business ideas. Ives has been doing it for a long, long time. And uh, Gene's kind of the only family option. Keep it in the family, they say, I guess. Uh, trying to groom Gene to take over. Now, Gene, we, 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 you may may or may, may not relate. Uh, Gene's pretty high-wired, uh, uh, overthinking. So not only is the idea that the family members rely on this, but the idea that a loan has to go out every day. Gene's good with numbers and risk but maybe too good at assessing risk and looking at risk and, and, and thinking of these things. And Ives is kind of the uh, semi-optimistic counterbalance and saying, no, no, we have to make a deal today, uh, which is the risk we're willing to take, Gene. So, you know, Gene, Gene was a bit of a warrior, I think, if you'd say that, uh, uh, but 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 good, but but not enjoying, not exactly enjoying the job, but obliged to it. And today was a big day. For Ives was going to leave the shop. Uh, they were both there as the start of the business days. We're watching them working at their desks. Uh, Ives, you know, thinking about moving on and stopping working. Today is Gene's first day in charge. And there's a lot. We'll, we'll, well, I'll let you uh, listen in. Uh, well, well, Gene, uh, today's appointments look pretty good. Now, do yourself a favor. Don't wait until the last appointment. I am looking at these uh, incoming things, and I've looked at some of the numbers. Uh, don't wait till the last person to make a loan. That's my one tip, especially for today. You know, you could if there's so, two things that look good, Gene, you could always make a second loan. There's no rule against that uh, or have them come back, uh, you know, next week after the holiday. It's better to have two good prospects than none at all, especially in this situation. And I see you left uh, your last hour open, so you have time to call someone back. But that's a good idea, but... Uh, what, but 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 I have the the default rate. We have to keep it within the parameters. I can't just give out a loan willy nilly. And it's been inching up. You've been I've been running the numbers and and okay okay Gene I know I know it's going up bit by bit and we have to be a little shrewder I guess. Uh, but again, it, it it's part of the system in place. Uh, the money must go out, and yeah, so you have to make a good choice. It's not easy. And I know the next 8 to 12-month outlook is not uh, great, but uh, just make sure you get the loan done, Gene. It's, it's that simple. Don't overthink it. You know, maybe listen to your guts, or maybe an idea they say, well, I'd spend my money there. Uh, you know, balance that with the numbers. Use the numbers, Gene. Use use what you're good at, Uh but also, I, you know, I've got to go. It's, uh, you know, it's close of business today and then the holiday, and then I'll see you uh, next week. But there's no perfect or right time. You know, it's just uh, the most likely. You, you, you understand, Gene. Well, I'm just looking at the numbers. I guess I'm not seeing him. Uh, okay, Gene, don't wait. There's no 100% right. Uh, right, but there is 100% wrong. I'm seeing a couple of these appointments. 
Okay, well, have yourself a good day and just make it, you know, maybe my finger keeps tapping what I feel in the middle of the day would be a wonderful opportunity because I set these appointments specifically for you. Now I'm off. Enjoy enjoy the holiday after you get this done. You know, if if you get it done early, like right around this time here, lunchtime, you know, you could take the rest of the day off even once you make the loan. Cancel the rest of the appointments. Have them come back next time. Enjoy yourself. Uh, it's gonna, Gene. You're gonna do great. I, I know you, you, Gene. I know. I, I get it. Uh, but you're gonna do great. I'll see you. And I believe me, I'll be enjoying. I, as soon as I walk out this door, I'm going to forget about this. Uh, and I'm gonna have a holiday. So I'll, I'll see you soon, Gene. Okay, I've, I'll see you. In uh, as I've left, uh, Gene started pacing. Uh, but there's also a hopeful look in Jean's eye, studying the day's appointments. And then a montage began within this uh, talking of Jean greeting people at the door, the bell jingling. Still a wooden door with glass, even though the office was somewhat modern. Uh, everybody else that worked there and support was off, but they always had this uh, small business uh, family feel. And the first visitor was a chef, and the chef was a big personality uh, and knew, knew quickly uh, that they knew better than Gene. They knew better than Ives. They knew better than the numbers. Uh, they knew the Bill Brilliance would carry the business, and so that like uh, they were a J to the E to the R to the K, even to Gene. Even outside the door, uh, Gene saw them uh, huffing and puffing at someone, and uh, so that was a no. And the next was an inventor, no lab coat, but clearly an inventor. Uh, with a, with a vague idea for an improvement on uh, modern day, you know, inconvenience. Uh, and the inventor had an idea for adding bubbles to something to make it more con- effective or convenient. Uh, and Gene was interested in, in, in asking more and more questions, but the more questions that were asked, clearly the inventor had an idea, but Gene said, you, you have an idea, but not a product and not a market. Uh, you don't have a plan. You have a great idea, but I, you, you know, I can't support just the idea. And the inventor said, well, if I get this or I need this, it'll help me. And, and then Gene said, no, no, you know, you need to sweat a little bit more. This was true advice that Gene was giving uh, you know, maybe some more late nights to get the idea into the product stage. Uh, you know, we have to have some sort of MVP at least, uh, some sort of prototype. Otherwise, we'll be just giving you ideas. I can't fund daydreaming, I guess was Gene's thing. And Gene offered a solution. Just sit down. Uh, who is it for? What is it going to do? We know what it's going to solve and how bubbles would solve that. Uh, Maybe look for a partner, but, but uh, you know, and, and see if you could bring something back uh, and an idea of how much the part, you know, Gene was very, and the inventor was uh, a little bit flustered and went off. And the next was a scuba diver with an idea for, you know, treasure adventures and all of these things. And again, Gene, Gene was very swept up uh, and this seemed like a good idea. 
And it had a little bit better of an idea because it said, well, you know, this is one percent. You know, this is this kind of expensive experiences people want to have. And Gene got that concept that, uh, yeah, of course, yeah, people want to have these advantages. But what about this? What about the underwriting type stuff? Uh, what about the boats? What about what about the total cost? Uh, Gene said, sure, people will pay anything. For experiences, but will they pay anything? The scuba diver didn't have a kind of grasp at what what it would cost or what it should cost, and and Gene said, "You don't even know how much look, if you're going to have champagne, uh, well, which d- dive site, uh, and how realistic is the experience? Is it a front loaded experience? Is it a theme park experience, or is it a real one?" And Gene said, you're close. Do more research. Uh, pretend you're a customer and go on some of these experiences. Uh, but you're close. Yeah, the next person, uh, I guess, was a, like a combination inventor, entrepreneur. And they pitched to Gene on the idea. Those are the people that live in... Uh, areas with tech hubs, you may see that the tech companies will have buses for their employees and that the buses will take the employees from the area they live all the way to work uh, so they can com- work while they commute or even as just an employment benefit. They say, we get to take a nice luxury bus and they have gyms at work. And this person said, why not mobile gyms? Uh, you know, what if they could work out? What if you could work out on your commute? And not just to tech employees, uh, anybody, anywhere with a commute an hour, uh, the inventor said, the, the, the marketer said, uh, it's plenty of time to work out. And we could stop and we could have, we could have, and then because he said, I realize the shower part, uh, and I'm trying to figure that out, believe me. I'm trying to figure out, should we do a luxury bus? Or should we go to a gym where they could shower? So that is a piece that's missing, the inventor inventor admitted. And Gene said, well, have you ever worked out in a movie? Have you tried this at all? And uh, this person was very worried. They said, of course. Like they were pumping iron, like doing bicep curls during the uh, assessment. I think for dramatic purposes. Uh, but there was something about this idea that had Gene underlying things, but still, uh, he said, I'd have to see it in action. And, and uh, they said, well, I don't have the, inv-. and he said, well, what about in your car? You know, take the, Gene said, I need a working model. Uh, but you're close, maybe, maybe not, though. And then the person said, well, this is how much people spend on gym memberships every year. And Gene said, well, would you be selling the customization or the experience? Because maybe the tech companies would just copy your idea. So we would have to decide if you're selling the workout buses uh, to the, you know, and uh, the person didn't really answer. Gene said, well, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Let me think about it. Uh, uh, But this one had good good, uh, potential. Then it was a food lover, uh, who loved food and loved eating experiences and wanted to open a restaurant based on their love of food. But Gene said, do you cook it all? And they said, no, no, I just eat out. Uh, I love eating out. I'm a great taste. I, I think I could taste make. I like tasting. 
and I want to be a taste maker. And then she said, well, do you know a chef? And they said, no, but I have this idea for blindfolded eating would be the concept for my restaurant. And I would, it would be a, what what do you call that? Uh, You know, like uh, I'd I'd, I'd kind of uh, make it like a playlist of food, of tasting experiences. And Gene said, it sounds more like a pop-up shop to me uh, because what is the repeatability of that? Uh, And the cost, uh, Gene said, well, it sounds like something you could just call up some restaurants and, and do on your own. But I don't know about the long-term viability. And there was a toy maker who handmade toys. Uh, and Gene said, okay, well, um, I think you should just keep at it. If you're handmaking toys, I don't sure, I'm not sure we could bring that to scale. I think you should just keep making them and selling them in your spare time. Gene gave some very specific tips. There was a restaurant owner who, uh, who already owned a restaurant and opened up another one. And Gene kind of wanted to crunch the numbers at the current restaurant. And uh, why do you want to open another one? Said, I'm tired of that concept. Uh, and Gene said, well, that's not the best sign. But maybe the, we can make these numbers work. So it was another close. But there's something about Gene. Gene said, well, let me take a look at things while you're gone. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have another appointment. Uh, then it was a podcaster. Gene said, "Okay, bye, bye." The good, they said. He said, "Gene said no podcasts." Uh, and the podcaster said, "We didn't even hear about my ideas. The podcast put people to sleep." Uh, and Gene said, "Well, you're better off without debt load. I'll just be straight honest with you. You'll be much happier uh, to push through without a debt load or investors to answer to in the end." And your product will be better. And it sent, sent, sent the podcaster on, on its way. Now, Gene had one more, two more appointments, and the last appointment seemed really good. And the next appointment was more of like a store purchase. So Gene was kind of uh, like, okay, I think I have a good feeling about this last appointment. This next one, I would get through it. Uh, and then the, the door opened, and on the other side of the door was Issa. And there was something... About the way Issa opened the door, uh, confidence, uh, uh, kindness, a gentleness, but, but a fierce gentleness uh, uh, that caught Gene's eye. But also made Gene say, whoa, whoa, risk assessment here. Uh, maybe even a risk to the palpitations in my chest, and I need to focus on the numbers. And then the phone rang, and it was the next appointment canceling. And Gene said, oh, you're canceling? Okay, I'll see you next week. Uh, and Issa sat down in front of Gene's desk and said, oh, hello. Looks like I'm your last appointment for the day before the holidays. Uh, and Gene tried to remain, you know, maintain Demeter. You probably couldn't tell in the montage because it was without dialogue mostly, but Gene said, so he said, let's see here. It looks like you want to open a store and you're looking to buy the building in particular. Well, no, no, just the facade is really what's important. And the entryway to the, to the that comes with the building, of course. So the building comes with it. Well, that, that purchase price seems pretty high for just a facade, but even for a building in this, uh, it is right around the corner. It's uh, 
It just seems a little bit, uh, just, is there something historical? Well, yeah, there's some, historical would be almost accurate. Uh, there's not necessarily, this is a, a facade that a lot of people are going to be interested in. Uh, but, but yeah, it's something of great value. What, like historical value or personal value? What do you mean? It, it, it's it, it, it'll make the difference. It, it's a bit. It's hard to to, to describe to you, uh, Gene. Okay. Well, you so you're going to open a seasonal shop there. Yes, yes. It's a seasonal. It's a holiday shop, I believe it or not. Uh, and what are you, what are you going to be selling there? Oh, one of a kind of gifts. Uh, for for the for for holiday gift gift givers, okay. So you're gonna so it's a little bit high the market price, and you're gonna have a seasonal shop with just a handmade gifts. Yes, yeah, that's that's it sounds pretty correct. I mean, a little bit generic, but well, I'm just wondering, like in the off season, how are you gonna generate the revenue uh, to cover the building costs and the servicing costs? And it doesn't look like you're going to be able to do a volume business. Uh, is it going to be in, uh, what were the margins? I'm not fam- super familiar with, I mean, I just talked to a toy maker, but is it going to be price of sales? Like how, I, I can't seem to see, make this work. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Oh, it'll be in volume, Gene. Gene. It'll be the volume, kind of a cho- joy volume. Oh, uh, but what about the real estate, the, the prices? Uh, well, Gene, we're going to be, the store is going to be mission driven. Oh, so it's like more, is this more of a nonprofit? Like, uh, I mean, because by these numbers, there's not profitability is, uh, I'm more worried about solvency right now. Well, gee, why don't I show you? It's just right, like you said, right around the corner. Yeah, I mean, listen, you seem terribly nice, and you definitely seem, I could see it in your, your face, you're focused, and like you said, mission-driven, in that the shop facade it has meaning to you, but I don't see how I could, I just don't see how we're going to make it work, uh, not just numbers-wise. You know, it, it would just add pressure. I don't think you'd enjoy it then. There would be a lot of pressure on you. And then it would like uh, take away from your mission. It would really drag on your mission. And I like to, to be honest, I, I have like uh, I got to get get something done by the end of the day today. So I'm afraid like I could get back to you. I could take you a couple looks at it when, it, when like uh, you know when I have a little bit clearer of a head. Well, Gene, your last appointment canceled. It's only like three ten p.m. If you have to have things done by what five p.m. four fifty p.m. Yeah, so you'll have plenty of time to finish up. If I could just please have the time I'm entitled to, and uh, you know, I have to, I guess, I have to insist that uh, in the tradition of this business, aren't you required to do your due diligence in the time I have? Uh, it, to, to really look deeper beyond the numbers? Isn't that part of your job? Yeah, uh, it is. It's just like uh, with the holiday coming, this is like my, fr- I'll be honest, this is my first day in charge of the shop. And I have to, you probably know that because you're putting this, uh, 
you know, I have to send money out, but it has to fit within it. Ha- it's just, I can't make this work. Even uh, Ives would say this, there's other, there's other people I'm also entitled to do my due diligence for, I guess is what I'm saying to you. Oh yeah. Like the other people, who, who else other than the people that have come today? Well, my, yeah, my family, my, yeah, my, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, yeah, no, no, no. I understand it, but part of your due diligence is giving me till four p.m. So it's just it's just a short a short walk away. Maybe it'll clear your head in one of these other things on the list. If it doesn't work for me, I can accept that as long as they give me the time and the attention I, 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 I'm entitled to. Yeah, okay, it'll it'll lower the pressure. And with lower pressure, you'll make a better decision. Don't, don't you don't you find that to be true, Gene? Yeah, I mean that does. Uh, you're right. High pressure decision making doesn't really work out well. Okay, well let's go. And, and so Gene and Issa started walking across uh, town. And as they walked, they chatted. So, so what kind of gifts specifically are you going to have in your shop? Uh, like. Uh, Themed gifts or toys or adult gifts, kids' gifts? Well, Gene, that's interesting. How? T- tell me about how familiar are you with gift giving and receiving? Like when I t- when you think about gifts, what, what does it trigger for you? Well, yeah, I've got a lifetime experience of giving and receiving gifts, uh, I guess. Okay, but this is a no-judgment zone. When I talk about gifts... Uh, is there something strong? Is it stronger for giving or receiving a gift? Uh, no, like a no shame zone. I mean, I guess get get not getting the gift. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's more of like the what I remember is like the waiting, waiting to get a gift, uh, or the playing with the gift afterwards, uh, and then kind of forgetting. I mean, is that selfish? Like forgetting where it came from. No, tell tell me more. What are you playing with when you say that? Well, this one I, I always remember this delivery van I got. It was kind of plain. It was a Fisher Price delivery van, and you could open. It came with two delivery characters, and you could open up the back. You could take it off, and it was it would, the wheels always worked good, and I, and I could just play with it. And, and I didn't always just deliver things. Say, you know, had adventures, and I had it. It had to be a camper. I had to be, you know, team, you know, for team, teams, world savers, you know, stuff like that. I just played with it a lot, and I always I could feel it. I could feel the smoothness of the wheels. Uh, but if I'm honest, I don't even know if it came from uh, someone in my family or Klaus or, or what. Oh, that's 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 very good, Gene. That's very good. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of levels. To, here's the shop here, uh, and, and they stood outside, a closed-up shop, but outside was a green awning, a little bit of rain and dust faded awning, and a giant, giant window, and uh, Gene kind of tried to look in, but it was mostly covered in soap, uh, so you couldn't see inside. But you could see like a display area just behind the window, window, mostly empty with a couple of boxes and a 
Even an old Christmas tree was there. And Issa put put put, put Issa's hand. And Issa's hand was on the knob of the door. And said, yeah, it's going to need some work, but this is the facade. And then Jean started to notice the tile work and the brickwork. And it was a beautiful facade with a lot of details. We Are those uh, giant, those pine cones in the tile up there? They are. They are. That's a great observation, Jean. And as we were talking about gift-giving, you were talking about the anticipation the wrapping, that's kind of like the facade a little bit at first from far away. And then the window and wondering what's on the other side of the window. The anticipation is a key part of gift giving. And Issa moved the doorknob a little bit, tense to the forearm, but it didn't go to open it. Uh, the waiting to cross the threshold, Gene, uh, but but before crossing over, there's also that moment of tension. Like, uh, what did you want when when they were researching it? Would are you going to get what you wanted? Did you know what they wanted? Are you going to be surprised? You know, the good gift givers are listeners or have the courage to make a mistake in the gift giving. They're adventurers, but it's also, do you really know you? Do you, Are you brave enough to say, this is what I want and not get it? Uh, and all that's wrapped up in that moment. Uh, you talked about that drawn-out moment of wondering if the gift is coming, then seeing the gift and it being closer. You know, there's a lot of deeper needs there. And, and there's another side of it, and, and Issa turned the knob and, Opened the door just to, to touch. Uh, there's this magic there, a magical joy. It's like a chance, if you choose to actively participate in the gift-giving ritual, it, to be a part of it and experience it, to savor each moment and stage of it. Uh, there's a chance to go deeper into that relationship, whomever the relationship is with uh, to peer deeper, to probe deeper, to journey deeper, Gene. Uh, to take another level for, for the giver or the receiver. But it's also a wrought thing. There's a lot of shoulds we were, like you even anticipated. Uh, there could be some shaming in there. Go with the gift. Uh, or it could be just give them what they want. Uh, click and ship and send it off. Uh, in the marketing goes that it's the joy of giving, uh, but I don't necessarily agree with that, or the joy of receiving. It's a ritual. At least this is my theory, a theory behind the mission of the shop, as I was telling you. It's a path you walk of gift-finding, of gift-giving. What will happen? Or of gift-getting, of actively receiving the gift uh, in a fullness, I guess. Uh, I realize I'm, biffy, b b b you know, building it up. You know, you're wondering, is the gift going to, is the reaction going to be the same? And what if uh, that person that gave you the truck was deeper in, in playing with the truck with you? Instead of, maybe they were passively enjoying you playing with it, but they never talked to you about it. It doesn't sound like. 
Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. But that also sounds like a lot of pressure and a lot of work. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's, you know, and I'm not sure about all that risk. Uh, like a, like an investment in, in a gift when you don't necessarily need to invest. Uh, uh, but I can, I can see... Well, let's cross over this threshold. Let's go in the shop and see uh, as the buildup is released and, and Issa started to pull the door open. You know, you could remember the happy waiting, uh, but then you're there and it's open and you cross over the threshold and you step in, I mean, into the store. Come on in. What will I get uh and sometimes it is magical, and sometimes it isn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get, like, uh, and Gene stepped into the store, and it was like uh, a pretty run-of-the-mill, dusty, dusty wooden floors, an empty set of display cases, some lamps, a desk with an old-fashioned cash register, and this is the hard part of the gift, Gene, when it first opens. Uh, but it, 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 how do you feel? Like, isn't it strange that that build up? And then, yeah, this uh, this is a nice shop. It's got a lot of old features, some old fixtures. I like the ceilings. Uh, uh, this is nice. Uh, but it's also like a momentary thrill, like your build up in salesmanship. Uh, it's a bit like the buildup in salesmanship of it's like tantalizing, but then it's gone. And I guess you're saying I remember the tantalizing parts, but not so much after the crossing of the threshold. Uh, like after the spell is broken, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, I, I like that description. But is this spell broken or is it calling you deeper in? You have a look around. Do some diligence. We've got time. And Jean started to walk around the shop uh, and look in the display cases, uh, kind of starting to assess uh, the actual interior value. Well, all these fixtures come come with the purchase, huh? Yes, they do. They, they do. And the awning and, and the, the I guess the facade, like you're saying. Uh, yeah, it's all part of, uh, you know, part of gift giving is the suspension of disbelief on both sides, I guess. Uh, that's where the magic of gift giving starts. But there's also the smells and the warmth and the other memories piled on top of it. There's a mood setting. So that's what we'll be going with with the shop is uh, when you cross over, I guess it's just me, though. I, 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 like, I always say we because I think of the customers as part of it. Yeah, but the smells and the thing in the whole shop will be to guide them. So their belief is, their disbelief is suspended or their belief suspended or they believe they're in now, here in the shop, in a world of gift-giving, of openness. Uh, wait a second, Gene started walking into another Is this snow on the floor? He's going into that room. Uh, is that real or is this part of the design of the shop? And Gene started following like a, what seemed like a dusting of snow. And as Gene crossed over into another room, 
off to the side of the shop. Gene uh, was looking down, and the snow got thicker until the floor was covered with it, and it was a slight rise. And it was fresh snow. It started crunching under Gene's uh, feet. And then Gene looked up, and it was a kind of white plain of uh, snow. Uh, and Issa was right at Gene's side. Uh, but Gene kept walking. Something was drawing Gene along step by step. Where, 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 are, we, where are we going? Like, where are we? Where, are we, where am I going? Well, Gene, are you are you familiar with uh, reindeer bells at all? Are those like uh, jingle bells? Yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, I guess they're bells that jingle. Uh, we're gonna go help out with some uh, bells. Wait, what? Oh, is this is this some experiential thing? Uh, like, is this an experiential shop? You, sh- you could have just told me that. I don't understand how you're. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Well, just come along. It's just up this hill. See down there? There's a set of st- Oh, yes. Yeah, that's a, are those stables? And uh, is that a blacksmith shop? I see a forge. Yeah, and there's a leathersmith there. And out back behind the stables, you see that giant range. That's the reindeer are running around and jumping there. And there's some other work buildings. Uh, and right down here, we're going to follow this path. That's the bell tuner. In the bell tuner's workshop, wait a belt. I've never heard of a bell a bell tuner. You don't do bell tuner. Well, they could be a bellsmith or there's other tune. Right through this door, Gene. Uh, yeah, once a year, the the bells for the holiday reindeer for Roberta Claus's reindeer, they're prepared, and today it just happens to be that day. And they get tuned. It's a yearly ritual. Uh, uh, they get cleaned and maintained because over the between the holidays, uh, you see. And they walked into this workshop, and out on one workbench was tarnished what looked like four-leaf clovers, uh, flat pieces of metal. And they set to work uh, with Issa's patience, uh, showing Jean how to use. Uh, the different cleaners uh, to to take the tarnish off of you know rubbing and then rinsing. Uh, they went to work on this flat tarnished metal and quickly, what started to sparkle was not just a silver or gold, but shades of silver and gold, shades of metallic brilliance. They were even polishing a little bit. And they placed these flat pieces of metal on. You know, nice, soft uh, cotton uh, blankets, and uh, even Jean was trying to rub uh, thumbprints off. Uh, and looking at the reflections, and looking at the sparkling of the lights, uh, buffing, uh, Jean couldn't believe all the different colors. Oh, is it? What's just one? Isn't just silver and gold, but it's not. Uh, and then they moved on to another workbench, which was a big basin full of, uh, that had been soaking uh, different bits of metal, different little spheres of metal. And then there was a dry basin with uh, other spheres, like some seeds and some clay. 
And they just needed to be rubbed off. You know, some had accumulated dust or gunk and resins of different sizes, some not even perfect spheres. Uh, and they cleaned those off and set them to dry. And even those had their own wonderful colors and shapes and textures and richness. Sizes and weights. Even Gene was talking about the mass and showing the mass of a seed versus the mass of a, a piece of uh, uh, metal, dense, much denser. And then they watched, and the blacksmith and the bell tuner presumably came in, and they went to work uh, shaping the bells back into shape and, and to, sh- sh- listening and tuning the bells. And then the leathersmith came with the harnesses, and they started uh, working. And the whole time, uh, Gene and, and Issa were just sitting there watching craftsmanship of all different layers working together. And then Issa turned to Jean and said, it's time. And Jean said, for what? And then Jean was shaken for a second. We said, what time is it? And he said, don't worry, I'll have you back in plenty of time for the rest of your day. It's time for the ceremony. And the sun had just started to set. And Jean said, you'll see. And they went into a square at the center of this stables and farm or whatever it was. And there was a crowd gathered. There was elves and there were snow beings. There was humans and there was sentient trees. And even there was Roberta Claus uh, in all her holiday splendor. And everyone was chatting and drinking uh, and saying hello. And then they, they, uh, they, they, the point in time seemed that there was a, just a ringing of a little bell. And then the reindeer came out of the stables, uh, and everyone fell to a hush, and each reindeer was covered in a couple of wool blankets, especially over their reins, I guess you'd say, the reins of the reindeer, or their harnesses, and they came out, and everyone was watching, and everyone was smiling and looking at one another. And Issa said, this is the kind of the ceremony they used to kick off the holiday season. This is one of the more important uh, here, here where uh, the happiest holiday legends uh, begin, this is their ceremony. This is their ritual. And Jean kind of started to get it. They were all waiting. Uh, and Roberta Claus said a few words, uh, kind of acknowledging the hard work of everyone. In the spirit of the season and the ringing of bells and the subtle reminders, uh, and it's something you know, metaphorically, the ringing in our hearts. Yeah, you know, the whole nine yards. And Issa said, this is special because this is Roberta Colossus' first bell ceremony. The unveiling of the bells, they call it. It's a big deal. And then everyone was chattering a little bit again and clapping and wiping tears from their eyes. The love of Roberta Colossus. Uh, their love of this ceremony with some pomp and circumstance, but on a much more grounded plane. And then uh, the bell tuner and a few other people stood at the sides of all the reindeer. And I couldn't pick them out, you know, know, their nostrils, steam coming out because of the cold air. And the bell tuner counted down five. 
four, nodding with your three, two, one, and with a one not super smooth motion, but a cool motion, the blankets were pulled off of the backs of the reindeer. And at first, a few reindeers kind of just shook uh, in that natural animal motion, and the bells jingled, and people were already uh, twittering with delight. Uh, and then the reindeer started to realize they were the center of attention, and that, uh, and even that the sounds of the bells brought them joy, and they started prancing and dancing and moving around. And uh, the, the lights of the moon and the stars and the... And, and, uh, you know, everything was reflected off of those golds and those silvers and those grays and those blues. And the different sizes of the bells, Gene started to notice. And, and how many layers of sound and jingling were coming. And Gene was like, I never, there's no holiday special about this. Uh, no one's seen And uh, Issa said, patted Gene said, they care. They care here. Uh, this is this is their thing. Maybe it's not for. And Gene nodded, enjoyed the sound. As the reindeer got more caught up in the moment, they started jumping the fences and going out into the range. A couple of them even starting to fly. And the sound went more and more distant, but it still had all of these layers, uh, almost like if uh, someone with the most gorgeous head of hair. They shook their head like that's what it sounded. They say, my goodness, when they shake their head, it makes me tremble. That's what the sounds of these distant bells did to Gene and to Issa and every person standing there. And then the crowd uh, kind of started to go off as the, the, the sounds carried further and further away and the night chill started to descend and Issa said, we better get going, and they started back the way they came. And they eventually were, went in back through the shop somehow, and the snow lessened until they were back on the hardwood floor. And they stood there in the empty store, speechless for a while, you know, not knowing what to say. Gene uh, kind of still hearing a cacophony of bells out in the distance uh, and just kind of savoring the moment. Uh, and then Gene looked at Issa and said, I, I think I get it. I think I understand uh, what you're trying to show me, what you're trying to tell me. I, I understand the mission of the shop. Thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me that experience. Uh, you want uh, everyone to have that experience in some sense, huh? And Gene said, well, kind of. It's different for every person, right? Uh, uh, for you, you needed to get outside of yourself, I think. Uh, I think it was good for you. And maybe for something else, it's some, something different, Uh and then Gene said, do you mind if I look at the facade and the, uh, uh, the threshold? Uh, and Gene kind of studied it and studied the shop uh, and nodded and walked around. And uh, he said, so what do you think? Uh, it's pretty special, huh? And Gene said, magical. And uh, he said, well, it's, uh, it's not going to be up for long. I'm not the only one who realizes uh, 
the potential here. And Gene said, well, uh, I think I want to be a part of this. And, and Issa said, great, uh, let's get back to your, you know, let's get back there it's, uh, for something. Uh, and Gene said, no, 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 I don't want to loan you the money. I don't want to loan you my family's money. I, I, I'd like to work here, maybe invest my money here. I, I know it's a presumptuous of me to offer it to be your partner, but I could offer to be you know, my, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, I, I, I believe in your mission now, and I believe in selfishly what it does for me. You're right. Uh, this could draw me into other people. It could help me to relate to them and, 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 and to help them. Uh, I, I see, I told, you know, I'm see, as I, and she, 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 and, uh, Issa patted Jean's arm and, and said, uh, yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, I think we'll, we could figure something out. Uh, but in that case, we, you still have to get back to your shop to kind of loan out the money to someone else. And Jean said, well, maybe. Yeah, let me walk back and think about it. You're right, I got other family duties to, uh, but uh, maybe I could meet you back here. Maybe we could. Uh, and, and and Gene said, yeah, after the holidays, so we'll put we'll I put we'll put a deposit down, so we'll have for first bid, and uh, then after the holiday, uh, we could we could we could hammer something out. I think uh, I'd be happy to have you as a partner. And then they stood there for a moment longer, and I don't know if he said they seen something in Gene all along, or it was just now that, because Gene had finally become vulnerable, or maybe it was that moment where Gene was talking about playing with the truck, uh, that they uh, both kind of saw each other in a, in a jingly-jangly kind of light, uh, but also in this uh, shared mission light. And the evening light uh, fell as uh, Gene went back to the shop. Issa came along, and, and, and Gene signed off on a loan. And Gene did uh, Gene's due diligence, and uh, there was one happy scuba dive. I don't know if it was one happy scuba diver or a, uh, a happy uh, exercise truck creator, but someone was also happy. And uh, that was uh, how, uh, you know, maybe the happiest holiday shop you had to start or one one uh, phase of its beginning. I hope you're having a wonderful season and that you could be there for some moments in the season. It's not easy always to be there all the time. Maybe you need some breaks away like tonight with me taking the journey with Gene uh, and, and, and being distracted and carried away. Those are places you could go to for a little break. Uh, maybe see if you could lean in for a few minutes and say, well, what am I seeing here in this world uh, that uh, of these holiday traditions? Uh, is there anything that's uh, feeding me and I'm feeding it? I don't know. Uh, but I know that I can, knowing your ears are there, receiving this feeds me. So I really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope you're resting and, and feeling warm. 
And, uh, like, there is uh, this magical threshold out there sometimes. Good night. Uh, hey, everybody. So, usually, like, around the holiday season, I like to take a look at, like, one of, you know, try to remember one holiday movie or one holiday special. But this year in the run-up for, for, for getting these shows done, I, I haven't been feeling like I didn't feel... Like, I ran through the big, big uh, holiday specials, and I said, well, I don't know. I wasn't feeling any oomph. And part of that, you know, part of the podcast is kind of saying yes to those feelings and saying, huh, tell me more. You don't want to, well, no, it's not that I don't want to do a podcast about this uh, special or that special. As though that part of me wasn't very clear. No offense. It didn't want to do one about Frosty, no matter what. It said we could do one about that, but it, we said, well, is that enough for a – it said it doesn't feel – and I said, I respect what you're saying. Uh, like, uh, let's give it some time. And then I said, no, uh, like, holiday movies are bubbling up. And that's not to say they won't next year or that I've turned my back and my history of overwatching TV and things. But I did say, well, is there a way to find a happy medium – and what else do the listeners like? And I know I said, well, the listeners like lists. I mean, what could be more sleepy than a list about? And then I said, in holiday specials, and maybe there's some hidden gems out there. You know, what about holiday specials we may have forgotten about? Uh, let's look up some lists of the best holiday specials. Let's comment on them, and let's see where it goes. So, so I said yes to that, and so I have some lists here of uh, holiday specials, and let's just see where, where they take us. So how's that sound? As you settle in there, I'll wait for uh, my uh, Evernote to boot up here. And, yeah, the first list we have is actually, now I read this list ahead of time. I didn't read all the lists. And this comes to us from a city usually featured in these movies, uh, Time Out uh, New York, uh, and it was written by Michelle Herman, H-E-R-R-M, single A, double N. Michelle Herman, uh, Monday, November 14th, 2016. And we'll be just, uh, you know, perusing this list Michelle came up with, with the, the best, uh, let's see what it was titled. You're right, I should have said the title, too. Uh, and now it's uh, the best Christmas specials of all time. So, wow, that's, uh, that's a, like, it's a, a big statement. Uh, it is the season for Christmas specials and holiday-themed TV shows that put their spin on the Christmas cheer. And I guess this starts with number one, but let's start with number five. We'll reverse it. Uh, oh, wait, and what goes to six, seven, eight? Uh, and the uh, Internet's a little slow down here. Okay, so here we go with number 10, and I haven't seen this one, and I will be watching it. It's from 1998. Uh, it's an episode of the X-Files, uh, How the um, Casper Buddies Stole Christmas. And uh, it says, on Christmas Eve, uh, Scully uh, agrees to uh, Mulder's Skull to take a look at a place uh, in Maryland and uh, have some adventures, meet its inhabitants, and it becomes it becomes an interesting episode. It doesn't, uh, they, but they do... Uh, yeah, so it sounds like a, quite a journey, and so that was number 10, and I, I will watch that. It says it's available on Hulu right now, and that's the other thing is that there's so many of these different uh, friggin' channels. Uh, 
number nine. Uh, this one I may have to read because I'm not if, the a year the year without Santa Claus, 1974. I guess I've seen this one. I don't remember it because there's a couple of really weird ones, uh, and I don't know if this is one of them. Or this is one of the ones I've seen and then forgotten. It's on free form starting Thursday, December 1st. Oh, this is from a couple of years ago, though. Uh, Santa has a cold right after Thanksgiving, and a doctor says, change your routine. This could be modern. Uh, Santa thinks nobody cares anymore, so it takes a holiday with uh, a jingle and jangle in charge to find out if people still believe in St. Nick. Uh, the elves take along Santa's youngest reindeer vixen and end up in Southtown. And, of course, they have some mishaps. I guess I've seen this one. Uh, can they make it snow in Southtown on Christmas Day? Other key players include uh, snow and heat misers. Uh, so is this the one with the, is this the first one with this heat miser or is there another one? I don't know. A good question. Okay, this one's from 2007. Also one I haven't seen, I don't think, but I'm going to watch it for sure. Uh, Christmas uh, from 30 Rock. Uh, uh, Luz, Luz Lemon's mom, dad, and her brother Mitch, uh, which he, where he still thinks is 1995 and he's 17. They come to New York for the holidays. So, so does Jack Donaghy's mom, Colleen. And, of course, Jack and the Lemons uh, have their things, uh, they have dinner together, and, you know, there's, it sounds like a classic uh, episode of 30, Rock. Right? How do I not know that by heart? Uh, definitely worth checking out. So this is a great list so far, a really good list so far. And I like that it's jumping around. Uh, uh, number seven, 1989, Simpsons. Uh, Simpsons, Simpsons uh, cooking on an open, you know, chestnuts nipping at their nose. Uh uh, this one uh, has a you know, Christmas bonus thing. Uh, Bart. Uh, oh, this is where he's a mall Santa. So this is another classic. Uh, so check that one out. And you'll have to look up the thing. Uh, then the episode of Friends. I definitely haven't seen this. This is from 2000. Uh, the one with the holiday armadillo. Uh, with his son, Ben, uh, being half Jewish, Ross wants to teach him about Hanukkah. Uh, but but yeah, Ben has his mindset on Christmas and Santa Claus. Uh, and so Ross uh, improvises uh, and uh, tries to, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of adventures. Uh, this is one I believe I've seen, but it's been a while. Uh, from the office to 2006 of Benihana Christmas. And I don't want to ruin it at all by t teasing it all, but uh, it sounds like a classic. It's uh, w when uh, there's Andy and uh, Michael, uh, when Andy's a character as well. So definitely something to look forward to. Wait, it looks like even Karen. Okay, wow. So this is a big cast. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, 1989, Frosty Snowman's number four. And this is a beloved cartoon. I don't know what I have against this movie. I, like, it, it, first of all, I didn't think it was from 1969. Uh, but uh, it's on CBS, or it was two years ago. I, I am, I don't know, it, it just, just, just something about it. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I guess I have to rewatch it yet again to see if I can uh, overcome my resistance to it. But... Uh, 
it's not like I d- d- dislike it, but there's just something about it that did, I don't know. I don't know if I'm being clear because I don't even know what I want in a holiday special. Uh, number three, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's from 1964. And uh, this is a pretty, a pretty big classic, but I don't know if it still is considered a classic. That's the other thing I wonder about these specials and why I didn't want to get too hung up on one of them because they said, how relevant is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Like, I don't know if my daughter's seen it, and, and even if I've tried to show it to her, maybe. Uh, but that's a classic. Burl Ives uh, uh, plays Sam the Snowman as the narrator. And, you know, they got the Island of Misfit Toys, the whole nine yards. Uh, number two, I think this is coming out yet again as a film, and it looks good. Or maybe an animated movie. But this is uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966. Uh, so there's the Jim Carrey version, this version, and then there's one coming out uh, this winter. Or probably already came out by the time you're hearing this. Boris Karloff uh, uh, plays this Grinch, uh, Two Sizes Too Small. And, you know, Cindy Lou Who, Whoville, the whole nine yards. That's number two. And number one, I, you know, I, got, I don't know, I like the Grinch a lot, uh, but, but this is a Charlie Brown Christmas, 1965. Uh, again, I think it's been a while since I've seen this, uh, where Charlie tries to put on a, a Christmas school pageant, uh, a direct rehearsals. Maybe it is that they're so Christmas-based. I'm more of a hot, like a... I don't. I, I, I can see how it makes people feel left out a little bit, but maybe I'm doing the same thing. I guess in some sense, yeah, but maybe that's not it. But it is. Uh, you know, this is where Charlie and there's great, you know, music, Linus, uh, the whole nine yards. So that is a great list from Time Out. Yeah, this one's from L of all things, L Magazine, E double L to the E, L dot com. And, you know, they say, L says, even supermodels need holiday cheer-based movies. Maybe, if this website ever loads. So this one is the 15 best of all time. It's by R. Eric Thomas. This one came out last year, October 12th, 2017. And this one we'll do in regular order. Number one, Charlie Brown Christmas, they say. The score, the sad tree, Linus's uh, recitation of scripture, everything in a huge heart. Uh, it also talks about the commercialization of Christmas. Uh, this one says Bob Hope Christmas special, 1962 to 1994. Uh, Bob Hope's appeared on dozens of Christmas specials and uh, starting with the 1962 show and continuing every year. It's a holiday song and dance show to keep the spirits of the nation high. You know, Hope was very involved with the USO. In New Christmas and the holidays could be trying. Uh, brought a show across uh, the globe. If there's a definitive American Christmas special, Bob Hope is responsible to it. And the sizzles are available on Amazon. Uh, number three, Rudolph. Uh, is someone who says it's aired every year since 1964, longest-running uh, special in history. Now, here's one that wasn't on the other list, and it looks good. I've seen this YouTube video of this part, a claymation Christmas celebration, uh, CBS 1987. 
Uh, for some people, you know, that's what Christmas specials are, holiday specials, claymation, stop motion animation. And they took America by storm in the 80s. And this weird, fun special uh, is hard to summarize with a straight sp- 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 straight face. Uh, I've definitely seen this one because it's hosted by two dinosaurs. And it sounds pretty interesting. That one's available on Amazon, they say. And what, what would Captain Picard be doing? Probably working on the holidays uh, or taking care of his crew. But what about uh, uh, Patrick Stewart? Uh, he was on A Christmas Carol and T- on TNT in 1999. This one says there's over 10,000 adaptations of A Christmas Carol. But they all follow the same uh, Dickens plot. Uh, what makes one exceptional? Captain Picard, of course. That's what the article says. Uh, Patrick Stewart is phenomenal. So this one says it's phenomenal. So check that one out. Uh, also available on uh, Amazon. Uh, what's better than that? Uh, Picard is Scrooge. How about Michael Caine in, in the Muppet version of the tale? Uh, or, uh, oh, this just says, does this mean, this says A Christmas Carol, CBS 1984. Uh, or one of the best Scrooges of all time, George C. Scott. Uh, so this was the oh, this was kind of the one the uh, movie Scrooge was based on. Uh, all the '80s special effect wizardry, uh, strong performances by the cast, a tour de force. Uh, my my brother loves that one. This I don't think I've ever seen, even though I've heard about it. The Star Wars uh, Christmas special, CBS nineteen seventy eight. Uh, Absurd, random, and it wasn't released for de- decades. Holy Grail of Christmas specials. Uh, here's uh, the main action is uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca going to celebrate Life Day. All of the other original cast members are there. B. Arthur, Diane Carroll, and Jefferson Starship. Uh, so it doesn't say where it's available, but probably it's available somewhere. Oh, here's another hidden gem I haven't seen. Uh, Spon- it's a SpongeBob Christmas. Uh, it's from 2012 on Nickelodeon. It's a stop-motion wacky affair. Uh, so that should be good. This is one I don't know if I've seen either. Uh, or ha- somebody gave it to me as a gift, so I definitely watched it when you gave it to me as a gift. Or maybe they gave me the book. Uh, yeah, All of the Other Reindeer. Get it? All of the Other Reindeer. But this is Olive, like O-L-I-V-E. If Fox, 1999, Drew Barrymore voiced uh, its uh, first special based on that misheard lyrics. It, honestly, when I said it, that was the first time I knew it was based on a misheard lyric. And uh, Olive is a Jack Russell Terrier, uh, Christmas heroine, Limitless Goodwill, and uh, keep the young and young at heart delighted. So check that one out. Uh, then 1966 is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. A live action one from Jimmy Carey was 2000. But this one's directed by Chuck Jones, one of my brother's heroes. And it has an anti-materialism message. Uh, here's a John Denver and the Muppets A Christmas Together from 1979. Never released on video or DVD, uh, but it's got all the trademark. I'll have to watch this one from the 70s Muppets Vaudeville Antics. Uh, soundtrack is readily available. 
Uh, here's one. Let's see. We're going to have to read about this because I don't even know what this is about. The best Christmas pageant ever. ABC 1983. Uh, let's see. Uh, this special is basically perfect. Church busybody and a pageant director. Uh, mom and fellow church grower Grace Badley steps up to make sure the show goes on. Uh, however, there's an air dwells. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, it was the Christmas special that tries to have it all and succeeds. A gossipy comedy, light slapstick, and a kind-hearted center. Uh, 13 is 1969's Frosty the Snowman. Uh, maybe I just had a crush on the main character. I don't know what it was. Uh, 1996, Elmo Saves Christmas. Uh, when did they start calling him holiday? I mean, like, uh, oh, there's Snuffleupagus in the picture. And a lot of them, uh, first thing is, oh, holy mackerel, this special was narrated by Maya Angelou. So there's, go get this one. Stars beloved Elmo, uh, who likes the holiday so much he wishes it could be every day. Gets his wish. Oh, this is like a little bit, this sounds interesting. Uh, I'm going to see that one. And coming in at 15 on this list is the Judy Garland Christmas Show from 1963. Technically, this is Christmas episode, not a special. Uh, but her show only lasted one season. Uh, Judy Garland singing Christmas songs, What's Not to Love, uh, takes place in Judy's home, in quotes, uh, with, you know, uh, but it has a bunch of classics, uh, Garland and Tor Mel Torme. Liza, oh boy, well, Liza Minnelli's in it too. Uh, so it's a pretty good list. Uh, that was a good, well put together list, Al. I, I say this next one is from uh, digitalspy.com. You know, I do the hard work so you don't have to. Uh, this one, oh, they keep getting more and more numbers keep going up. This one's the 30 greatest. Uh, and I haven't seen this one, but this one was written, written, written by Tom Emmes, E-A-M-E-S, uh, e uh, December 5th, uh, 2017. Uh, 30s greatest Christmas specials ever. Greatest ever Christmas specials. Uh, and number 30 already looks good. Uh, Lost, the constant. Uh, yes, he, he says uh, even Lost had a Christmas episode. Uh, and it's with Desmond and Penny. So there's another one to watch. I mean, I'm not even joking. Uh, Big Bang Theory, the bath item gift hypothesis. Hypotheses. Uh, my dad loves a Big Bang Theory, so he's probably seen this one. Leonard Nimoy may be in it, uh, uh, so that could be a good one. Uh, Scrubs. Some people say I look like uh, uh, the dude from Scrubs, J.D., uh, but he, he has better hair than me for sure. Uh, this episode of Scrubs captures the somber feelings of Christmas, you know, in a place where the Scrubs are working. Uh uh, schmaltzy, but it works. So there's another one. Uh, 27, Him and Her, the Christmas special. Uh, this is an underrated sitcom that I haven't heard of. Uh, it's just like uh, every other day, but with a, a few presents and a lot of mess. Understated, lovely best. So that might be, that's the one uh, worth checking out. Uh uh, whatever happened to the Likely Lads, a special Christmas edition. Uh, this is the final ever episode of Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads, so I don't want to spoil it for anybody. 
but it's a classic. Uh, then uh, Frasier, Miracle on 3rd or 4th Streets. A uh, warm Frasier episode in which his plans for the holidays with his son are scuppered when uh, Lilith takes him to Austria. Angry, he does a shift at the radio station, having a bad day. Uh, but wait, uh, he gets humbled by human kindness. Modern day Scrooge tale. Oh, here we go. Uh, the Peep Show, very classic uh, TV show comedy. Uh, probably be called could be called a bad attitude Christmas. It's not exactly a pleasant episode. Uh, but what do you expect from the Peep Show? So check that one out. Uh, only fools and horses, thicker than water. Uh, before, before you say it's too low on the list, that's only because most of its brilliant holiday episodes aren't actually set on the holidays at all. However, this episode is a contemplative but excellent early installment. Uh, here's another one. Uh, the West Wing in Excelsior Deo. Excelsis Deo. Uh, although Christmas is at first a bit of a chore for the White House staff, this episode ends with uh, just some charity without getting too soppy. And uh, Toby kind of do, does some stuff. Josh is working through stuff. Uh, oh, no, that's next year's. Uh, uh, here's a beloved uh, show with a lot of beloved uh, characters. Uh, How I Met Your Mother, How Lily Stole Christmas. Uh it seems to have been ruined when Ted calls Lily a Grinch, uh, and uh, it's full of festive cheer and cookie dough. I like how this is, uh, you know, both sides of the pond here. Uh, outnumbered uh, Christmas special. Uh, it turns out it's uh, also the finest final episode of Outnumbered. Uh, uh, Brockman family carried a special mission for Granddad. Mr. Bean has one. Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean. Like all Mr. Bean episodes, visual gags are outstanding. And uh, every element is uh, ticked off. Um, uh, the OC. The, I didn't realize that, like, uh, my brother loved this show a lot. Uh, uh, the best Chris Monica ever. Uh, so good, it actually it pretty much created an actual festive holiday. You know, where they try to get it balanced, uh, so that's good. Uh, the Office, this one has a different episode of The Office. Now we have two episodes of The Office, The Christmas Party. Uh, this is the, one of the episodes that makes you start taking the U.S. remake seriously. Uh, it changes Secret Sand into Yankee Swap. Uh, and Jim and Pam, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, what about Still Game, Cold Turkey? Uh, this is the first of Still Game's excellent holiday uh, specials. And, uh, yeah, it looks like good. Uh, here's Community's uh, holiday special. Uh, what could have been a downright daft episode of Community it turns out to be rather beautiful in its own way. Uh, let's get a view of the world as a stop-motion animation uh, and uh, the meaning of Christmas is uh, the idea that Christmas has meaning, and it can mean whatever we want. Uh, family Guy also has one road to the North Pole. Uh, one of the very best uh, Stewie and Brian adventure episodes. He's Stewie dealing with Stan Santa, 
And uh, this one sounds like an episode of Sleep With Me, actually. Uh, men behaving badly. Uh, jingle b- b- jingle stuff. Uh, a slobby and ru- rubbish Christmas from the boys. Gary ruins dinner. Uh, Merry Christmas from men behaving badly. Uh, the Fast Show, uh, Christmas special. Uh, already a perfect sketch show, so it just adds to Christmas. Uh, South Park, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh. Uh, we almost put in a different holiday episode, but this one is a bona fide uh, modern classic, uh, ripping into all the classics. Uh, number 10 is the same Simpsons episode. Simpsons, Simpsons keeping warm uh, when uh, uh, Homer has to be a Santa. Uh, Doctor Who, A Christmas Carol. This one's already ranked as one of the, the, the Digital Spy's favorite Christmas Who episodes ever. So it had to be in top 10. Uh, this one's with uh, Matt Smith, uh, so we're a bit behind on it. Uh, bottom, uh, holy, as grubby as Christmas gets, but bloody hilarious, uh, brilliantly bockers from bottom. Uh, the good life is silly, but it's fun. This is complete opposite, uh, this episode of The Good Life always makes us giggle, especially when, uh, Margo has to play party games. Uh, an episode of Friends makes it, but it's a different one, the one with the girl from Poughkeepsie. Uh, so many friends holiday episodes to choose from. This is our favorite. Uh, Ross, uh, you know, romantic issues. Chandler setting up Rachel. Uh, Phoebe and her music. Monica dealing with Joey. Uh, brilliant uh, holiday episode where it doesn't have to be all about the holidays itself. Uh, uh, coming in at number five, The Royal Family, R-O-Y-L-E, 1999, a holiday Christmas special. In a show where nothing happens, uh, just like this show, uh, it's a perfect example of a modern family Christmas. Uh, no crazy adventures, nothing, you know. And then comes the shows, uh, then the show has a poignant moment, so watch it. Uh, not to be confused with 2008's Royal Family, which was a Christmas special, which was terrible. Uh, Vicar of Dibley, the Christmas lunch incident. This was Don French. Uh, and the vicar, vicar, vicar of Dibley at its peak. Uh, so check that one out. Uh, Gavin and Stacy, a Christmas special, uh, makes us smile the most. If you're looking for one that will make you smile the most, that's this episode of Gavin and Stacy. We can't believe it's already nine years old. It looks like James Corden's in that show, I'm pretty sure. And here's a classic. I haven't seen, the, maybe I've seen this episode. Uh, uh, Father Ted, a Christmassy Ted. Where do you start? Uh, even if it escapade where, uh, where they have a lot of adventures. Uh, it's a lot of mystery and a lot of stuff. So it isn't Christmas till you've seen that episode. And then this came with the DVDs. I remember buying these DVDs. Uh, the Chris of the Office, uh, the British uh, version, Christmas specials. Uh, not only was this a perfect way to end the office, but it was also one of the greatest Christmas specials ever. It sums up the queasy tensions of office uh, holiday parties and uh, the happy ending. Uh, so, and I, I definitely remember this one. It was uh, it was a good one. So that's from Digital Spy. Definitely gives us some more. And then this is from Den of Geek. Uh, and I don't think we make it through all of these, but it has a uh, top one hundred of all time. 
Uh, but maybe I can run through it. it was, so far, I'd definitely check out that X Files one, rewatch The Simpsons, uh, both uh, all of the U.S. Uh, rewatch the uh, British Office, the U.S. Office Community episode. Uh, queue up that Father Ted one. A lot, I guess there's a lot of cool stuff to check. Look forward to. I would say that so far I haven't seen, like, there was uh, the ones, there was an animated one, and I think there was two of them, like, uh, maybe Pixar made them with these two, like, the elves that were, ha- like, running the tech to help Santa. I really liked those ones. I don't know, it wasn't called Ratchet and Clank, because that's a video game, but it was something like that, uh, you know, Jingle and Jangle. Those are elves, like, you know, the names I've used, but... And then I always talk about it this year, past year in 20, what year is it now? 18, 2017, it didn't work anymore. It was Beta Maximus, which had uh, commercials from the 80s and 90s and holiday specials from the 80s TV shows. It was kind of pulling, and you could change the channel, and it was kind of randomized. Uh, but it was stuff from YouTube that probably, you know, was out of, uh, you, you know, they got shut down. Uh, it was a work of uh, love, I think. Yeah, but those are, let's see, I'm trying to think of any other things that we've, you know, I've missed uh, before we get through this list. Uh, we'll just run through the top 40 here. And they had rules, you know, the raw quality, festive spirit, one episode of ongoing series, uh, individual specials not uh, qualified, only one episode per show. And they should be set at or about uh, holiday time. Uh, so they had serious standards. Here's number 40, Bob's Burgers, uh, Christmas in the Car. And that came out in 2013. And they say it's ascending to become the jewel in uh, Fox's animated lineup. Uh, you know, unique tone. Uh, and uh, uh, this one's a classic. Uh, uh, the journey to purchase their third uh, holiday tree of the season. It turns into something more. Uh, then we jump all the way. So this is already a good sign for this list because then it jumps all the way to Cheers from 1987. Uh, Christmas Cheers. Uh, I don't know where you would watch this, but uh, it, uh, the bar where everybody knows your name, uh, uh, your perfect home away from home. Well, things aren't quite that idyllic, idyllic, idyllic you know. And uh, there's uh, so it's not easy for everybody. Uh, next one, 1992, uh, from a UK series, uh, Bottom, Holy. Uh, it's a peak festive schmaltz, uh, with a little bit extra thrown in. Uh, episode where, a holiday special where no one learns a heartwarming lesson and no one's heart grows. Uh, so this one, then to jump back even further in the past, Dick Van Dyke, uh, the show, the Alan Brady Show presents uh, from 1963. Uh, let's see, it was an uh, intelligent sheriff show, uh, TV about TV. Yeah, the only Christmas episode of the f- whole 158 show run, the Alan Brady Show presents, is an unusual example of the show structurally. Uh, for the holiday, the on screen creative team behind the inverse uh, variety program. Uh, take on the roles of the main cast to participating in the musical review 
uh, packed with songs, and I didn't even realize uh, I may have to watch that. Then another one from the 60s, Beverly Hillbillies, Christmas at the Clampets. Uh, these comedies, rural comedies, never got much critical lo- love, uh, and they got, you know, all taken off the air in the 70s. Uh, this is the most famous of the brunch, uh, Fish Out of Water sitcom about the Clampets in Beverly Hills. Uh, this is a consistently funny episode. Oh, Buffy has an episode, Amends, that's from 1998. Uh, Angel is not having a good Christmas as he awakens. He's not sleeping good. Uh, then Buffy goes into his dreams. And uh, this this is another one I would definitely watch. Uh, so put that on my list for sure. Yeah, then this one also has the Royal Family Christmas special from 1997. Uh, so there's something they agree in. Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Christmas from 2001. Uh, this is maybe, uh, one I haven't seen in a long, long time. If I saw it, uh, they say, uh, maybe we'll go celebrate it a day early. Uh, so this could be one to check out. League of Gentlemen, Yule, Yule, Y-U-L-E, Never Leave. Uh, this one's from 2000. Uh, like, don't expect peace and goodwill, uh, but uh, it's uh, not an easy one to watch. Uh, so if you don't watch it if you were going to go to sleep. Uh, but maybe don't even watch the Buffy one. Uh, this is another classic HBO series, Six Feet Under. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is from a season two episode in 2002. Uh, is this when, uh, peach during peak HBO, uh, 1600 didn't get as much attention, but it was pretty beloved. And this is an all time great episode. Uh, it takes place around the one year anniversary of the season premiere. And there's a lot going on. Uh, uh, South Park got the same episode, Mr. Hankey, Christmas Boo. Uh, Rev, uh, season, series two, episode seven from 2011, uh, uh, Reverend, uh, Adam Schmalbone, uh, it's not a source of re- reflection and relaxation for him, and, uh, he's a little stressed, so that might be entertaining. 28, All in the Family, Christmas Day at the Bunkers, uh, 1971, this is from their first season. Yeah, Archie's not happy, uh, and it gets it doubly, you know, at Christmas. Uh, at first, he doesn't want to show why he's down, but then he's forced to. He uh, he didn't get his bonus, oh, one of the old bonus ones. Uh, so uh, then this one, I, I just rewatched. This is a classic, classic episode of Black Mirror, White Christmas. Uh, but again, don't look at, don't watch it at bedtime. Uh, like a different, so many, like, uh, kind of like three stories that nested in one another. Maybe, maybe even four stories. Uh, here's another one, a Doctor Who one I haven't seen, uh, The Snowmen. Uh, this one's from 2012, and uh, it, it looks like uh, another one that, uh, this is with Matt Smith, uh, and he get, comes out of retirement uh, to deal with the snowmen. Holy cow, man, this is a great list. Uh, 25, The Twilight Zone, The Night of the Meek, uh, 1960. 
It, like Stubab, one of these services doesn't put all these together as a, like a playlist you could watch. Uh, this doesn't fit the uh, exact Twilight Zone formula either. Uh, a touching story of a down-and-out department store Santa. So there's one. Uh, 24. Yeah, Colbert Report. Colbert Christmas, the greatest gift of all. This one's from 2008. And uh, he has his own Christmas cabin to bask in the glow of old-fashioned music and entertainment. Uh, but then there's a twist. Uh, so that sounds pretty good. Uh, Willie Nelson, Elvis Costello, John Stewart, uh, and more. And then the same Lost episode. That's another one I'd like to check out, too. Uh, here's another Sesame Street one. Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, uh, 1978. Uh, even though they say, geez, in the U.K., it was harder to watch this. Then the Office USA uh, Christmas Party uh, from Season 2. Uh, and that's one we discussed already. So that's uh, 20 of them, 20, 40 through 21. And here's the next uh, top, whatever, top uh, top, uh, one, top uh, 20. And we'll see how many of these we've uh, already seen on other lists. It's a little bit of uh, slower loading. Oh, you know, here's one you don't want to miss. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows, one of my heroes, uh, uh, comedically. Uh, Steve Coogan at his best as uh, Alan Partridge, knowing me, knowing Yule. Oh, knowing me, knowing you. But yeah, knowing me, knowing Yule. This one's from 1995. Uh, how better spend one's Yuletide than uh, with a- uh, Alan? Uh, this was Alan Partridge's first fledged foray into television. And over 20 years later, uh, the parody of the chat show uh, remains unrivaled. Uh, so this is before I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, and uh, this is uh, really Alan at his best. Uh, yeah, this one uh, is a festive mock-up of his festive living room. Uh, yeah, it has some, uh, it has a bunch of guests on, and uh, he deals with, uh, he really hams it up with his guests, and then it gets bizarre. So uh, you should check that one out. Then the same episode of Community, uh, then Porridge, No Way Out uh, from 1975. Uh, a bitter, bitter place, a bitter sweet place for Christmas time. Uh, the staff try to create, recreate their Christmas spirit. Uh, uh, then friends, the holiday armadillo one, we got to love. Uh, uh, then from 2009, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. A very sunny Christmas. And this episode was directed by Fred Savage. Uh, yeah, cynical comedy, but it's no surprise. Uh, this is one of the wildest uh, Christmas specials. Uh, you know, they go, they they always try to do, you know, outdoing one another. Danny DeVito's. This is when Danny DeVito was there, and of course the plans don't work out. Uh, Charlie's mother, mother's in it. There's a, a claymation finale, pulling the gang all back together. So definitely another one worth watching. Uh, Black Adder, Black Adder Christmas Carol. Uh, pastiches and parodies of the Christmas Carol are nothing unusual on TV. Yeah, but this is a satirical take on the classic uh, set in Victorian England. 
Uh, between Blackadder the third and Blackadder goes fourth, we meet Ebenezer Blackadder. You don't want to go on there because it's a twist. Uh, uh, Only Fools and Horses Christmas Crackers. This is from 1981. Uh, you know, the, this is a festive tradition. Their special is right up there with mince pies and Boxing Day sales. Uh, but very few of those episodes actually take place during the holidays. I think it was said before, but this one does. Uh, then number 13 is The Same Simpsons. It's really getting a lot of love there. And then coming in at number 12 is The Same X-Files episode. Oh, and then here's one I show I haven't seen in a while. ER, uh, from 2001, Season 8, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Uh, stuff still happens at Christmas, even at uh, Community General in Chicago. They had 15 episodes during its run. And they tended to bring out the best in the show, even during the later years. The emotional and magical nature of the season ties in well with the show's, you know, recurring themes of hope and not hope. Uh, this is a perfect example with while the serialized nature of the show uh, can't, you know, you can't have too many through points. Uh, there is stuff with Dr. Peter Benson's uh, custody and... Uh, Satisfying conclusion to one of the series' strongest arcs with uh, suitable joy. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like emotionally charged, it says. Uh, uh, Mr. Bean, again, the Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean. Uh, Futurama comes in at number nine, Xmas Story. Uh, wonderfully strange show, animated sci-fi, thousand years in the future, as we know. Uh, and while show's uh, holiday special has all the inherent trappings of a brilliantly futuristic show, Robot Santa, uh, ultimately the show is about Fry being trapped a thousand years in the future and spending his first Christmas away from home. Uh, so that sounds great. Uh, coming in at number eight here is Pretty Pretty Dresses from King of the Hill, 1998, uh, season three. King of the Hell set itself apart from the animated sitcom with its commitment to a realistic tone. It seems apt that the greatest Christmas episode rates among the darkest festive comedy. Every Christmas episode is uh, festively dark, it sounds like. Uh, uh, Bill's uh, like uh, feeling down. And Hank Hill, uh, you know, tries to help a tough love. Uh, but they do manage to pull off the tone, it says. Uh, so check that one out if you're a King of the Hill fan. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 1994, Season 4. Uh, Towards the Night Before Christening. Uh, Greatest Joy of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, a classic workmanlike sitcom that uh, never gets its critical due, is that it finds every way possible to take advantage of its fish-out-of-water premise. Of uh, class and social contrast. Uh, is this sweet, uh, street smart Will Smith adjusts to his life with a bourgeois uh, aunt and uncle in Bel, Bel-, Bel Air. This was the third of the four shows, four Christmas episodes. It draws heavily on that theme, set several years in the future, and told to, as a flashback to the present day. Uh, the ba- Banks family's uh, approaching the christening day of the newborn baby, Nikki who's uh, Philip and Vivian's fourth child. Uh, lavish gifts, uh, but Will feels inadequate. Uh, and uh, he, boys to men is in the episode singing at the christening. Holy mackerel. 
hijinks, uh, inspired hijinks, uh, lots of music uh, from uh, boys to men. So it's amazing. You know, sounds like it's time for some Motown Philly harmony. Uh, then we have the West Wing in a Chelsea Day. Oh, Father Ted, a Christmassy Ted. Is that the same one they picked or is that a different one? This is from season four, 1996. Uh, UK Office uh, Christmas Special Part 2. Uh, here's one that wasn't on the other list. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore Show. Christmas and the Hard Look Kid 2 is from 1970, Season 1, uh, written by James L. Brooks uh, and Alan Burns. Uh, uh, Mary Richards' uh, first Christmas working at uh, WJM in Minneapolis is a rough one. Christmas is just like any day in the newsroom, uh, she's told. And she can't go back to her parents' promise. She has to reschedule her festivities to Christmas Eve, which fail. And she's overworked, disappointed. Yeah, she prepares for a quality, a quiet, quiet holiday with Rhoda. Uh, things change. So uh, let's see what else. Uh, the Mary Tyler Moore signal the title shift in the world of American sitcom, the first primetime comedy series to focus on a single independent career woman. Uh, its importance in trailblazing that group cannot be overstated. A wonderful and entertaining show. And, of course, the kind you'd expect from James L. Brooks. Uh, hey Arnold it comes in at number two. Like, uh, So this is another one to check out. Arnold's Christmas, 1997. Uh, let's see, 90s nostalgia is, you know, going through a thing. You know, there's a movie coming out in the 90s. Uh, few hold up to scrutiny like Hey Arnold. A critically acclaimed Nickelodeon offered something different to other cartoons. Palpable sense of melancholy and a willingness to tackle life's big questions. Stunning jazz soundtrack. And this Christmas episode is its defining moment. Arnold's boarding house is running a secret Santa. And uh, the surprises kind of tack on from there. Of, like who Arnold draws and what he learns. Uh, real triumph of the human spirit conclusion. Uh, so that one. And then number one, according to this list, is uh, Frazier's Miracle on 3rd. Or 4th Street. So, again, that's an episode of Frasier. It comes in top of two different lists. Uh, but, yeah, I think really, uh, like, a lot of high-quality stuff to check out, in my opinion. Uh, and I'll link to all those so you can try to still fit all that in with your own holiday plans. Hope you're having a wonderful holiday season, however you celebrate it. Uh, if you celebrate watching a lot of TV and entertainment, as I do and other people do. Or with, your, you know, just your loved ones doing crafts, uh, Thank you so much uh, for for listening. And, uh, uh, yeah, here's some thank yous and good nights. Thanks. All right, we're here with the episode of Doctor Who. It starts with a view of the moon and then a view of the earth. Uh, And this one, I think we'll probably, we might be listening to these out of order, but uh, making them in order. Uh, So how you doing? Uh, This is my first Doctor Who recording in a while. Might be your second or third listen, though, because this is a holiday episode themed to the Christmas uh, Beatlemania. And we zoom into the Earth. We see Jackie and her white Christmas tree, uh, like a, one of those, uh, you know, human-made ones. And she's getting it up. She holds a gift for Rose and sits and contemplates it, thinks of her daughter. Lots of love, Mom. She gets a dreamy look in her eye. She, her, she has a lot of holiday decorations in her place, a lot of them. 
lot of Santas. And we go over to where Mickey works. Uh, and I said, Mickey's got a job working in a garage. There's also a Santa, an older Santa, and or not Santa, uh, Frosty and Tinsel in the garage. Uh, Jackie has some purple Tinsel in her place. The Tinsel in Clancy's garage was red. And he's, he's talking to Steve. They have a snowman decoration. They both hear the TARDIS, both Jackie and Mickey, and they run out to a normal uh, spot where the TARDIS goes. And it comes in. It has a bit of a rough landing. And, you know, it does some ping-ponging. Probably got seen. Definitely a lot of uh, good graffiti going. Hits some rubbish bins. And the new doctor rolls out. He's all grins and smiles. Here we are, London Earth, solar system, eh? Kind of stumbles around. Jackie, Mickey, blimey. And they're confused. He goes, wait, I was about to say something. There's something important I was going to tell you. And he says, hold on, hold on. And then he says, oh, wait a second. Uh, and then he he says, oh, Merry Christmas. And then he takes, he says, I need to take a nap. Uh. And they go, who is he? Where's the doctor? And uh, uh, oh, Rose comes out of the TARDIS. She goes, that's the doctor. And Jake says, doctor who? Uh, but she means, yeah, that's the actual doctor. And then the episode opens. And it's good to be back. This is a Russell T. Davies episode. And after it opens, uh, we see the doctor in pajamas uh, sleeping. Uh, Jackie has swiped a stethoscope uh, uh, from the seashore. Not from the seashore, though. Uh, she swiped a stethoscope from a student. Oh, stethoscope, stethoscope swipes from a student. And uh, Rose listens into his two hearts. Uh, also, she gets her. She took her pajamas. Jackie's got a new uh, bow. Uh, Howard from the market. He was like delivering stuff, uh, and then he brings over some free oranges. And the next thing you know, hubba hubba hubba, uh, PJ's in the house. Uh, uh, Harry Jones is on the telly. Uh, Jackie's eighteen quid better off uh, since Harry Jones is uh, in office. Uh, British Britain's golden age. Uh, Howard or Harriet? Oh, I didn't know if she was eighteen quid better off from Howard or Harriet though, because the oranges. Uh, they're talking about the Guinevere 1 Pro, which is, is set to land at Mars, a descent to Mars, but then a door opens. And, uh, like, uh, well, I don't think it was Mars, so it was, like, uh, one of the moons or something. And the Guinevere 1 goes in that door uh, to shop with Mickey. Oh, 20 quid. I think uh, Rose borrows 20 quid from... Uh, Mickey or from, I guess so. Yeah, he says, here's the Christmas present. And then they go shopping. She goes, you see, I'm not used to buying Christmas gifts. You know, when the tortoise, we don't have that. Uh, you don't, things like that don't exist. It's, it's timeless. And Mickey's doing the comedy. He says, oh, I love hearing, tell me more about the TARDIS. I love hearing about the TARDIS and the doctor. Like, TARDIS this, TARDIS that, TARDIS in the garden full of balloons. And Rose goes, I don't talk about the TARDIS nonstop. Sometimes I talk about the doctor. Uh, TARDIS, Tides of Comfort. Oh, then a band is playing Tides of Comfort and Joy. 
They're at a Christmas market. Beautiful, beautiful brass band playing music. Um, Mickey, oh, the, at first I thought they were paper mache Santas, uh, but it ends up they were like metal, like the, the, how they looked like Santa. And it was like an early edition of Santa Sanarchy or whatever, SantaCon, because yeah, it gets wild. And they say, we're just trying to Christmas shop here, not to have a debaucherous time. No mache. Maybe that means no mache, yeah, but metal. They grab a tag. They say, we don't want a metal, metal brass band. We were just hoping for Christmas shopping. Uh, they hit a taxi. Meat paste comes up. Uh, I think Jackie brought that up and I looked that up, but we won't be talking about that anymore. I did. Uh, there will be an article in the show notes about it. Uh, she wanted to bring home some meat paste. Uh, then that's Jackie on the phone. Also, chipolatas, uh, which I think are breakfast sausages. Uh, let's see. Bev is on. Jackie's on the phone with Bev. Uh, Mo and Peak District. I don't know what that means. Oh, but Bev, you're talking about Mo and the Peak District, maybe? Uh, flats all topsy turvy. Yeah, Rose just came in and, you know, jacked the place up. Oh, Rose asked about Mo. She says, oh, Mo's in the uh, Peak District. Rose Buddy. Star Green Tree. Oh, then we see the tree. It's green, not white anymore. And Rose goes, what your white tree? And Jackie goes, I thought you bought it. And Rose goes, how? And she goes, shopping. It just showed up. Uh, there's a ring at the door and the tree was there. And then the tree goes into auto mode and uh, kind of makes a mess, uh, which is a big bummer. It does this whirlwind jingle bells thing. Uh, and they can't even get it's making such a mess. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Mickey tries to stop it with a chair. It doesn't work. Uh, Rose says, Doctor, can you help clean up or something? And the doctor sits up, zaps it with his. Uh, what do you call it? A uh, five frequency screwdriver, sonic screwdriver, and uh, like a remote control. Oh no, he says it's a remote control, and they say who? They say the Santas from SantaCon, of course. Uh, they're pilot fish, and then they teleport out. Uh, and the doctor says, uh, "I need to get some more rest." And they say, "What do you mean?" Uh, he says, by the way, the pile of fish, they came, came early. It means other people are going to come visit Earth. Uh, and he says, I'm not doing anything. And Jackie lists, like, everything. You want this? You want that? A liquid paraffin? And some simple bowl of soup? A ham sandwich? Uh, and we get, like, uh, do we get to it yet? Let me see. The doctor says, why is there an apple in my dressing gown? She goes, oh, Howard, uh, he gets hungry. The doctor says, in his sleep? She goes, sometimes. At some point, somebody asks him if he wants any tea. But then the doctor goes back to bed, and he has to get back in bed. Let's see, I lost my dressing gown. 12 on 12, something. Uh, probe, scavengers, and Mickey goes on Google. Oh, we see, like, somebody from uh, StarCraft on TV. It wasn't the Zerg. I think it was, like, the Protoss. It looks like the Protoss and the Zerg, like, got together. And they say Talados. It's just like a, it was like a cut scene from Star, StarCraft. Uh, they say, 
something, something to Helados. Uh, we've combined with the Zerg now. And they say, I thought Protoss and Zerg were, you know, the opposites. Uh, and they say something about big government meeting about their uh, unit, U-N-I-T. Oh, uh, they bring in, they think they bring in um, whatever. The, oh, there's a big government meeting about the, the, the probe, U-N-I-T. Harry Jones says she's never off duty, uh, by the way. Also, the, when the Talados were talking, that was available for all of Earth. Uh, uh, she goes, uh, hell, oh, then they talk about how uh, the probe was like five something above, uh, five million, five thousand miles above the planet. Uh, and they say, now something's coming towards us, a ship, uh, pretty fast. And uh, Harry Jones says, thank you, Sally. Uh, then we see, see Mickey. Oh, he's hacking in. He's really good at hacking. I don't know why he's working at a garage. Uh, he says something big and fast is coming this way. And then they see the Protoss uh, Zerg say, Zakmak uh, Talados. Uh, and they said, yeah, just talked more about it in the notes about talking. They talk. It looks like a, like a, yeah, kind of looks like Protoss. It talks like the Zerg. And they say, we got to translate this, yo. And they say that we need it. Somebody says, too bad we don't have the TARDIS translator, but it's down without the doctor. Part of the circuit's missing because the doctor's sleeping. And phones are ringing. PA systems are going. There's music. There's a silver globe where the government's meeting. They get a call. Oh, U.S. wants to butt in on your business here. Ian here, Jones says, tell U.S. to keep it. His president's not my boss. Uh, shows off or something, or maybe the U.S. wanted to show off. And then she says, is this news real or what, or, or something? And the news person says, off the record, this is going to be our longest night. Uh, then it's a code nine. And uh, Harry Jones is talking with a guy from the government, you know, the UNIT. And he says, she says, you know the doctor? We need the doctor. He goes, you know the doctor? What the heck? Uh, he goes, and then she goes, what about Torchwood if we can't get a hold of the doctor? This is a mystery of the season, I think. Uh, she says, get them ready. He goes, you're not supposed to know about Dor- Dor- Torchwood. Then we realize that these Talados, Zergs, are Sycorax, uh, and they want our minerals and stones, according to the translation. And then they say, Sycorax, rock. Uh, and Air Jones says, Christmas is a day of peace. And she says, we'd like to extend this thing, peace, Christmas, holiday peace to you. Somebody says, you know, we'd never surrender. Maybe it was her about Earth. Uh, that, yeah, because they say, give it up. Uh, and we see Jackie snoozing on the doctor as the doctor sleeps. Rose is thinking. And she was, she's a little bit frustrated. She says, the old, you know, the previous proper doctor would wake up. Uh, you really, ha- you know, you really, oh, then somebody says, you really love him. I think uh, Mickey and they have a big hug. They think that's what that says. Uh, we see the insulation for their house uh, down in London. Resume, uh, perhaps a blue... Oh, there's some sort of blue light spell, uh, which makes people's heads go blue, some people, and then they just march around London. 
and they go across uh people they go up and they go up and they go up like balloons and they don't listen to anybody they're just walking and waiting and so then there's like uh, wind and dramatic music uh, and they say this is going on all over the world Paris, Rome, even regular buildings. Uh, one third of the world is just walking around. And Rose is uh, out on her own. Uh, Guinevere 1 is leaked uh, or something. Guinevere 1 something. Oh, leaked out everybody's info. They, they said, she's, what did she, she didn't have that triple N authentication on Guinevere 1? And the dude says, no, I just put it, put it right on a plaque on the front of it. And here Jones says, does Torchwood have what we need or what? Because it looks like we don't know what we're doing over here. And she goes, it's all A positive. And then they say, the Queen's speech is canceled for Christmas because everybody's walking around the royal grounds even. But they say, don't worry about it. Everybody stay calm. And then Harry Jones says, doctor, if you're out there, we need you. Rose is good at it. I mean, I don't think she said that, but I just put that... uh, because the doctor still sleeps. And Rose kind of is like, the doctor I know is gone. The doctor I know is gone. Rose says, hey, doctor, the doctor I know is gone. And uh, then there's a bit of a rocky rock. Uh, and then the ship shows up. It's like, it looks like a dried uh, LAVA, uh, like a kind of moon shaped horseshoe crab. And we also, I saw that this was a special effect. I think the Big Big Ben was under repair with scaffolding. Uh, Rose gets the idea. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, what does this say? We've got uh, bread for the TARDIS. Move it. It can do anything at home. Move it. Uh, you know, take the head. Uh, Big Ben's under repair. Oh, Rose gets an idea. She goes, we got to get in the TARDIS. Let's move it. We can't get anything done at home. And she says, move it. Then Jackie's trying to uh, pack everything. We see a guy with a handheld, a pretty smartphone computer, an IPAQ from Compact, IPAC device. Uh, uh, He's using it uh, to teleport up. They teleport up the TARDIS. Oh, first they teleport up all the um, government employees with the translator. Uh, there's lots of cheering from the Talados or the Sycorax, the science dude. He's he's like uh, pretty much incorrect about every point he tries to make, unfortunately for him. What does this say? Jennery, Gary, Doctor, pass the tinsel. Uh, let's see. J- Jerry, Doctor, pass the tinsel. Jackie is overprepared. Uh, they don't want any civilians to talk to the Sycorax. Uh, uh, they say, with respect, sir. Uh, oh, this is what the science guy says. Or maybe Terry Jones says, we're children. We need compassion. And they say, no. The Sycorax say, no, thanks. And they say, well, what about our rights? They say, no. And then Harry Jones shows her badge. She says, Harry Jones, you know, Flydale, MP, Flydale North, uh, now PM. And they say, no doubt. We know who you are. Uh, and they say, we're going to give you a bunch of rotten choices. You make one. And she says, those are all rotten choices. And they go into the TARDIS. Jackie drops. Uh, she's got so many bags of stuff. Uh, and Rose says, I can't fly this thing because I was banned from flying it. Uh, Jackie has a tea. 
uh, something very British machinery or something. Uh, maybe you should have said TA, but that's very British. Uh, and then Mickey works on the, getting the TV going on the TARDIS. He says, you know, I'd, remember I asked you like last season how to get this TV going. And uh, then there's bleeping at Taladas Central. And then they energize the TARDIS. They say, well, we've got a TARDIS alarm here. Energize that TARDIS up here. And uh, then somebody says, you're going to be a misery all the time. Uh, now that Bravo, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Uh, but the, basically, these Sycoraks are a big, uh, big uh, bunch of jokers. And let's see. You're going to be misery all the time. Not that Bravo, whoa. I don't know. Rose grabs uh, uh, something. Uh, but oh, Rose goes outside, and then she's outside. She's with the Sycorax on the ship. Uh, but Mickey gets the door closed in time. I guess they had left without Jackie. Uh, the, the tea also gets spilled. Uh, it leaks everywhere in the TARDIS and hits like a steamer. So it creates a tea steamer. All the Sycoraxes are cheering. And, of course, Harry Jones says, Oh, hey, Rose, where's the doctor? Uh, and then we see the tea steam with some chanting music. We know it's good. The doctor breathes in some tea steam. And the, the Sycorax say, yes, yeah, someone's got to be the doctor. And Ro, the, the yellow, no, they say, what about this yellow girl? She's in charge because she has the TARDIS. Uh, and Rose says, I got to step up. I got to be the doctor. Then all of a sudden, everything starts switching to English. Oh, first Rose says, I address the Sycorax according to Article 15 of the Shadow Proclamation. Everything she learned in the first season. Hey, get, you, you need to hit the road according to the Slothene Parliament, Araxocora, Fallotorpus, uh, Gelt Confederacy, Mighty Jagrafesh, and the Daleks. Bye-bye. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, no, this isn't good. Uh, and then she can start to understand the Sycorax, because uh, and then uh, they're like, wait a second, the TARDIS must be working. But the Sycorax doesn't like that. Uh, then the hero music comes, and they say, oh, TARDIS is working, and the doctor comes out. And he says, hey, did you miss me? And the doctor goes into full hero mode, kind of says, hey, let's cut out, cut, cut this out. Uh uh, he breaks, oh, the, one of them had a broom. He breaks the broom over his knee. He goes, you got to be careful with your broom. And he goes, hey, Harriet Jones, fly down north, blimey. It's like, this is your life. Uh, he goes, all of a sudden he was a good cup of tea. Superheated infusion of free radicals and tannin, healing the synapses. And he goes, Rose, how do I look? She goes, different. He goes, good different or bad different? Uh, and she goes, different. I liked how the doctor had his hands uh, in his pocket. He wants to know if his hair's red. She goes, no. Uh, he goes, oh, I thought I wanted to be a ginger. Then he goes, did you give up on me? That's, he goes, oh, wait a second. Why am I not being myself? Uh, super charming and funny. And then Harriet's like, where's the other doctor? He goes, I'm, I'm him, just different face. Uh, he goes, she goes, what? And she, he gives her all the info she needs uh, to know. And then he starts splaying around the Sycorax. The Sycorax goes, who are you? He goes, doctor goes, cool, that's a good question. He goes, I demand to know who you are. And he goes, I'm the doctor, but beyond that, I don't really know. Uh, it's all untested. 
He goes, uh, what do you think? Am I right-handed, left-handed? What do, you know, what, what, what am I style? He goes, they certainly got a gob. And he goes, I'll make it. And he goes, look at this cool giant button you have here. He goes, what kind of button is this? Is this an action button? And he goes, this is a do not press button. And then he goes, I'm going to press it. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then he says, oh, they said that was our hip, hypnotic button uh, to help us uh, with our you know, taking over Earth stuff. And that clears up all the blue light, blue life stuff, blue light stuff on Earth. Uh, and he goes, uh, yeah, you can't hypnotize humans forever. They, you know, they're always evolving. And he goes, look at these humans. Uh, consider their, uh, you know, potential. Let's just hit the road. They, they got a lot to do. Uh, he goes, from the day they arrive, blinking into the sun, there's more to be seen than can ever be seen, more to do than. He goes, wait, that's from the Lion King. But anyway, still good information. And then they say, I challenge you to a dance-off. Uh, everybody laughs. It's the cigarettes are the best dancers. The whole crowd's cheering. And he goes, do you stand as this world's champion? And he goes, dance-off for the planet then. So then they're dancing, and they're dancing inside and outside. And then the cigarette says, I bet you can't dance with one hand behind your back. And the doctor says, I can. And they keep dancing. And the cigarette like, seems like cigarette said sick moves. They say, yeah, we got sick moves. We're cigarettes. We rock. Uh, there's even some slow-mo dancing. Uh, the doctor says, I'm actually into 15 hours of my, like, uh, regeneration, so I have super uh, dance moves. And they, uh, the, the cigarette says, uh, your dancing is like witchcraft. And the doctor says, no, it's Time Lord. And he goes, that's the sort of man I am. Uh, I'm a dancing man. And he ends up winning the dance-off. He says, okay, you're going to leave the earth? So he goes, okay, I'll leave the earth. No more dancing. And the doctor goes, okay, great. And then he goes, okay. He goes, not bad for a man in his gym jams. And Arthur said, or the doctor says, this is very Arthur Dent, you know, being in my pajamas and uh, uh, robe. Now, there was a nice man. Then he reaches his pocket. He goes, oh, a Satsuma's in here. He goes, that friend of your mother's, he loves those snacks, doesn't he? He goes, this is Christmas, if I ever heard of it. Uh, all those presents right at the bottom, and there's one uh, Satsuma. Who wants it? And then the Sycorax gets up and says, oh, your shoes are untied, doctor. And the doctor says, no second chances in dances, dance-offs. I'm that sort of man. He says they're really cool, though. And then he says, by the way, Sycorax, uh, since I won the dance-off, you got to go home uh, for sure. This is my planet, and these are my people. Uh, let's see, Jim Jams, Arthur Dent. Uh, even Mickey's really happy about it. Uh, doc, the doctor and the prime minister, uh, key lock to heavens and told you you're getting notice. Oh, so they have a talk uh, after they win. Yeah, everybody hugs. Everybody says, yay. And he goes, well, now everybody knows because the Sycorax are on national television. And more and more people are noticing Earth. So you get noticed more and more. You get used to it. And uh, 
Rose goes, the, 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 Jackie comes, they get to go back to London. She says, oh, doctor's good. She, she goes, yeah, the tea did it. That's uh, all I needed was a cup of tea. And she goes, you're really the, she goes, is that the prime minister? And everybody gives it, gives a hug again with Jackie's there. Then the, one of the government dudes does, Torchwood's ready, uh, prime minister. And so they use some Torchwood, like, uh, kind of like Star, Star, Star Wars thing. It takes out the, the, the sends the, uh, Sycorax all the way to the big farm in space. And they say, Harriet says, uh, they were leaving. What are you doing here? The doctor says, Harry, what are they doing? They were leaving. Uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, whatever. Uh, what are you, what are you doing? And uh, they say, okay, well, uh, she goes, she goes, well, let's see, she goes, my job's for Earth and Earth first. Uh, and the doctor goes, Britain's golden age. And Harry goes, yeah, it comes with a price. And the doctor goes, I don't know about it. I don't know about it. I know I was pro-human before, minutes ago, but now I'm not so sure. And Harry goes, well, what about you, doctor? And she, he goes, don't challenge me, Harriet Jones. I'm a new person. And she goes, you're remarkable, but, uh, you know... And uh, the doctor goes, uh, yeah, well, I got six words for you, six words. And she goes, stop it. Uh, and he whispers the other guy, don't you think she looks tired? And then they leave. Uh, uh, let's see what other notes are getting noticed. It said so. A bleeding prime minister. It comes with the price, a doctor, oh, the dude's on Bluetooth for the government, of course. Uh, and after she says that, she goes, doctor, what did the doctor say to you, Bluetooth? And he goes, don't worry about it. And then we see the, another level of the TARDIS, uh, a living level, a closet level. And there's good music. The doctor's trying on things. At first, he's like, a nutcracker suit? No. And he goes, uh, scarf and jacket? No. Uh, then something else, I couldn't read my handwriting. It looks like torgery, uh, tor something. But then he puts on a suit, a three-piece smooth, smooth suit, and then a leather duster. At first I thought it was a raincoat, but then I realized it was leather. And he looks, uh, and then he, like, uh, see, see, he goes, man, and then we see a couple other levels, like a spiral staircase. Uh, then Dr. rolls into Jackie's uh, flat and grins, and it's Xmas. They're all putting on the Christmas crowns and the Christmas crackers, uh, watching TV. Harry Jones has been declared unfit for office. Harry Jones has been declared unfit for office. She goes, I'm fine. Why? I don't know why everybody thinks I'm unfit. Uh, look it up. Uh, Harry Jones is doing great. And she goes, it's Christmas. Uh, and then they go, and it's snowing outside, but they say, well, it's not quite snowing. It's the uh, Sycorax tears, which are like snow. And they go, man, this is, and then they see little shooting stars, and they go, yeah, this is also Sycorax tears. And the doctor goes, yeah, brand, brand new Earth, no denying uh, people from other planets now. Everyone thought everything's new. And Rose goes, well, what's next? The doctor goes, back to my old life on the TARDIS, uh, Rose goes, on your own? He goes, aren't you coming? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, really? And she goes, yeah. He goes, well, I thought because I changed. And she goes, well, I thought because you changed, you wouldn't want me to go. 
And he goes, no, no, I want you to come. And and she goes, great. And then Mickey goes, are you? And she goes, yeah, I'm going, Mickey. Uh, and Jackie uh, says, what are you two going out there looking for stuff, that, you know, challenging stuff? Uh, and she goes, the challenge is just in between. Uh, it's all waiting out there, Jackie. Brand new to me. Yeah, planets and creatures and horizons I haven't seen yet. Not with these eyes. It's going to be fantastic. And then the doctor and Rose hold hands, uh, still in a way that's like hard to define. Uh, Jackie's arms are crossed. Mickey seems down. Uh, and then they go, where first? And doctor goes, he points up to the sky, goes that way. And he goes, no, he points another way. No, he ponders it. No, hold on that way. And she goes, yeah. And then there's like this long smiling doctor look. Uh, and the episode comes to a close. All right, so a couple of things came up in this episode. One was the sign that said no ball games. Uh, I looked up this article on The Guardian. Uh, Lindsay Hanley from uh, the 2nd of July, 2015. It was about the uh, North London was reviewing the use of no ball game signs on its estates to encourage children to play outside. And uh, the mindfulness of such times seems to uh, reinforce an unfortunate British attitude towards the idea of people doing things. Uh, nimbyism uh, made concrete rather or rather metal. Uh, and uh, they talk about how Banksy did that mural with the two children playing catch with the sign. Uh, such instructions forbidding ball games and roller skating sometimes too. They're not even enforceable. They're simply there to discourage in pride, uh, yet their continued presence suggests a long history of uncomfortable relations between children and adults on British estates. Uh, the use of those signs arose in tandem with a litany of rules, both written and unwritten, uh, surrounding the maintenance of order and respectability on ca early council estates. Uh, there's a whole history about these post-war estates uh, uh, when they were rushing to build new homes. And the layouts and the landscapes uh, were urgently discussed. Uh, completing plans for the Woodchurch estate, uh, they said, well, let's allow it to uh, the state's residents to keep away from each other as much as possible and to retain the friendliness of little streets uh, uh, to build houses looking away from each other or to cluster them around village-style greens to encourage neighborless and informal social encounters. Uh, the latter was rejected by the Tory-led council on the grounds that uh, children would make them into uh, football uh, grounds. Uh, the, the author said, where I grew up, no ball game signs were ubiquitous and had little relevance because re we played uh, mostly on the paths anyway or on the road, which back then had less traffic. And, uh, you know, maybe at some point, you know, discourage children to just play. And, it, you know, as more and more people own cars, uh, they, and they became more socially respectable. You couldn't play wherever you wanted. Uh, but still, the back gardens had these invisible rules, uh, which stated that playing in public was no longer okay. Attempts at playing badminton with my parents resulted in us getting uh, told to pack it up, uh, by her curmudgeonly neighbor. Uh, play streets, uh, the precursors to present-day home zones, were uh, legislated as early as the mid-20th century. 
It's just an interesting article over at The Guardian about it. Also linked to just a tiny, th- tiny thing about the Banksy thing, but it just kind of was mentioned there. Then stethoscope uh, was, came up. So I said, let's look up on Wikipedia, History of Stethoscopes. It was invented in France in 1816 by René Lenac uh, uh, at the uh, Necker and Fon in, uh, in Paris. Uh, and it was a wooden tube that was ma- monaural. Because uh, it was like I kept having to just put my ear against people's things to hear their heart. Uh, and uh, Rene observed that a rolled piece of paper placed between the chest and the ear could amplify heart sounds without requiring physical contact. Uh, similar to the common ear trumpet used in cartoons um, a lot uh, back then or later in life. Uh, and his invention was almost indestructible in structure and function from the trumpet. Uh, I called it the stethoscope or the chest scope and used it. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, 1851, there became like uh, Arthur Lernard uh, developed a binaural, uh, bin- binaural uh, uh, stethoscope. Uh, 1852, uh, George Philip Kaman. Uh, perfected the design of the instrument for commercial production, which has been the standard ever since. In uh, 1858, there was a stethophone, which had two separate bells, uh, able to compare sounds, I guess. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so there's a little bit of interesting stuff about the stethoscope. Uh, this is also in the uh, query, uh, in uh, the, this query is also from the uh, Guardian, uh, from Somatic Enigmas. Uh, I don't have a date on it, it's loading really slow. Uh, why do we refer to the pound as a quid? Uh, Martin Quentin from Wimbledon asked. Uh, Mike Whitaker suggested uh, it comes from quid pro quo. An equivalent for something also suggests uh, originally referred to a sovereign. Also, Mark Power from Dublin said quid pro quo. Uh, Richard Thompson from uh, Denmark said, Once upon a time, Gaelic-speaking Irishmen in the British Army would refer to my money as motuid, quid, uh, uh, being an omnibus word for thing, peace, possession, collection, money. So, uh... Soldiers adopted a reference to what they heard as quid to mean the pound. A lot of people, they'll put a quid, quid pro quo. So uh, I guess from quid, 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 which stands for the pound in uh, Doctor Who. Uh, so that's a little bit. What about a, uh, a chipolata? I did not know what a chipolata was. Yeah, but it's a type of fresh sausage uh, created in France, uh, uh, the uh, breakfast sausages, basically, uh, pork, salt, and pepper with some herbs and spices. Uh, common in the UK as part of Christmas dinner, were wrapped in bacon uh, as pigs in blanket. Uh, so I didn't really, that was something I didn't, I just learned, uh, Chipolata and Satsuma. This was an interesting article because there was a little bit of uh, insulation exposed in Jackie's apartment. And so I said, why is some, uh, you know, there's this big push of pink uh, insulation in the U.S. Uh, so I wanted to read about that. And this actually comes, this is an article uh, in The Blade uh, from Toledo. 
uh, written by Mar Marlene Harris Taylor from uh, October 27, 2013, about Owens Corning, which has been in the pink for 57 years. The insulation company uses the color pink in its uh, insulation products and uses the Pink Panther in the advertising for 33 years. They just renewed the rights in 20, 2007 uh, for another 15 years. Uh, the color is considered an a asset that was registered as a trademark, uh, and it can carries uh, the value of pink on their balance sheet. Uh, they almost place a place of specific numerical value on it, uh, but it's you know really been uh, a part of their brand. They used it as a way to distinguish its insulation products from other companies, and it was a brilliant move, according to Mister Fisher. Uh, the challenge is that they're all pretty similar, so the pink and the Pink Panther sets it apart, uh, and it's well-loved uh, and well-known. And that was the idea to differentiate their products uh, when they decided to add pink to the color. It was used to be yellow, which wasn't that great. That was just part of the process. Uh, and they were doing research in uh, Newark, Ohio in uh, 1957 with red dyes. And they used the color pink to show that theirs was uh, different and better. And they said, they, quote, I don't, didn't, don't think we ever realized the power of pink in the marketplace. Uh, and we realized we had something different on our hands. It was the color. And then 25 years later, in the 80s, they started using the Pink Panther cartoon character in commercials uh, with music by Henry Mancini uh, from the movie franchise. And it continued to, they continued to uh, increase their market share uh, so much so that, yeah, they kept it up there. So it's just a major brand move. Really interesting. You can check out the article for more details. Uh, there was also this IPAC, IPAQ, an early handheld computer, which I didn't ever own one of these. I did want one. It was a pocket PC unveiled by Compact in April 2000. And it was uh, come from their earlier iPad personal desktop computers. Uh, the product was uh, marketed by HP because they merged with Compact. It used a Windows mobile interface. There was also several Linux ones. Uh, and they had sleeve accessories, technically called jackets. You could use it uh, for, wow, wireless, or GPS, a card reader, extra batteries. And it was developed by their strong ARM uh, development group uh, in their Hudson, Massachusetts facility. It was seen as a highly promising platform. Uh, so I guess this was like the time of the Palm Pilots and stuff like that. Kept coming up with new models 2005. Uh, like, uh, so they kept developing it, but I'm sure at some point it, uh, you know, they... Uh, you know, once you could do stuff with your phone, let's see what other info I could get if there's anything else. There's a lot of different models. Uh, I used a Palm Pilot for a while, but personally I found the Palm 5 to be the best, but I had used a different ones uh, to try to stay organized in my past existence. Uh, but I, don't know, I just saw it there and I said, oh, I remember those things. Okay, what about gob? Because I didn't know what he said. I got a gob, the doctor. I didn't know what that meant, meant. Uh, so I had to look that up. Uh, another learning opportunity. Uh, gobbin, it could be from Middle English to drink greedily. Gobbin, gabbin, or globin, uh, to drink down. 
Uh, let's see, gob is a noun, lob, lump of uh, soft or sticky material. Uh, mouth, uh, stuffing his gob with fast food. Uh, spittoon stuff. Uh, uh, prefabrication, prefab stuff could be a gob. What is this? Uh, a sailor. Oh, okay, so it's, it could be a sailor. Is that what it means? I don't know. I don't know what he was using. So is it mouth or that he's a sailor? can't even remember what he said. He said, I got a gob. It just means, you know, the doctor uses his mouth for a lot of things. Uh, okay, Satsuma. Let's go on to that, uh, which is a uh, easy-peeling citrus uh, species, also known as Unshu Makan, cold-hardy mandarin, Satsuma orange, and tangerine. Uh, it's of Chinese origin, uh, but introduced to the West via Japan. Yeah, so I don't know if this is like one of the super popular little nectarines that everybody opens. Uh, I guess it is uh, mandarin oranges, about the size of a mandarin orange, a seedless. Uh, one of the sweetest citrus der- der varieties. Uh, uh, leathery skin dotted with uh, large and prominent oil gran- 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 glands attached around the fruit, but easily to pe- easy to peel. Uh, Jesuits brought the fruit in, uh, from Asia to North America in the 18th century, starting groves uh, in Louisiana, and uh, it's still popular there. Uh, and it spread, uh, but it said it was originally in Japan, too. So from in the Satsuma province of uh, Japan. Uh, so maybe the Jesuits were there and they brought it. So it's a little bit about Satsuma. You know, with the Wikipedia, quick research is always uh, quick. Now, what about the duster? That's what I thought he, uh, the doctor was wearing at the end. Full-length, uh, light-colored canvas or linen coats worn by horsemen to protect their clothing from trail dust. Uh, slid up the back for ease of wear on horseback. Uh, intended for riding. Button, buttonable real, rear slit. Leg straps to hold the flaps in place. Uh, protection against the rain could be made from oil cloth uh, or waxed cotton. Uh, people wore them to protect their clothes, and they were popular in uh, in Western films. So I don't know if that was what the doctor had, or it's just a leather raincoat, or maybe it was not leather. And finally, let's cover the Christmas cracker, uh, also known as bonbons in Australia. Part of Christmas celebrations in the UK, Ireland, and Commonwealth countries, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, South Africa. Definitely getting more and more popular in the U.S. It's a segmented cardboard tube wrapped in twists of paper with a prize in the central chamber, uh, making it reverse and an oversized sweet wrapper. It's pulled apart by two people, each holding an outer chamber, uh, causing the cracker to split, and one person gets the prize. A uh, split usually has a little pop uh, uh, to be, you know, fun for everybody. And uh, it can be, uh, you know, just natural or an added effect. Uh, they're typically pulled at Christmas dinner, table, or parties. In one version, the person with the larger portion empties the, the tube and keeps them. In another, each person has their own cracker and keeps it no matter what. Uh, typically, these kind of were a colored papered hat, uh, like a crown, a small toy of a plastic model, or other trinker with a model uh, joke or riddle, uh, or uh, a puzzle on a piece of paper. 
Uh, the paper hats with the appearance of crowns are usually worn when eating dinner. Uh, the tradition of wearing festive hats dates all the way back to Roman times. You should see the doctor and Rose in their uh, crowns. The doctor had a red one. Rose had a pink one. Uh, yeah, Roman times. Uh, and uh, they, during uh, Saturnalia's celebrations, which involved decorative headgear. Oxford English Dictionary records the use of cracker bonbons and pulling crackers uh, from the 1840s. Uh, Tom Smith may have invented them in 1847 uh, during his development of bonbon sweets, which he sold in a twist of paper. His sales of bonbons slumped, uh, came with a new promotional idea, first love messages in uh, the sweets, uh, then a crackle element, uh, just like a log on a fire. Uh, then he replaced the candy with a trinket, uh, fans, jewelry, or other items. Uh, it was originally called the Cossack, but the uh, onomatopoeic uh, cracker became uh, more commonly uh, used in name. The other elements of the modern cracker, the gifts, paper, hats, and designs, was introduced by Tom Smith's son, Walter Smith, uh, to differentiate the product. Uh, which as competition came up, they should have made a pink. Uh, they should have put some pink uh, stuff in there. Uh, and they merged with uh, Kaylee Crackers in 1953. There's a fountain uh, dedicated to Tom Smith and the family in Finsbury Square in London. And the longest uh, cracker pulling chain of uh, 1,081 people was at, at uh, the Herodian School in Barnes, London, UK, attempted December 2015. Also, you're not supposed to bring them on planes. Uh, so uh, that's a little bit about crackers, a little bit of the holiday season with the doctor and Rose and Mickey and Jackie and even uh, Prime Minister uh, MP Flydale North, Harry Jones. Uh, thanks uh, and good night.